warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 355. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Jake, you said it with a little bit of excitement there, almost like uh, you haven't done it in a couple weeks. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. I was like stumping for my line for a second there. It's just it's your fucking name. I, I know. You reminded me when you said your name. I'm like, oh, that's it. Oh, uh, that's it. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Two weeks off, Jake. Two weeks off. Yeah, it was, it was kind of nice. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. I almost I almost put up a poll on uh Facebook or Twitter uh to see if we should take uh off three, but I didn't want to confuse any of our listeners in Georgia, so I didn't do it. That was subtle. That was subtle. That was a that subtle was that was a subtle thing. We're not gonna delve into that. That was very subtle. <laughs> that was very subtle. You could take that any way you want to. Subtle. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Very subtle. Oh I know you did. Very subtle. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. That uh, we're not a society and culture podcast, and we didn't win the society and culture podcast award from Discover Pots, Jake. We lost. Mm, do you know who won? Uh, yeah, yeah, somebody. I don't know the name. Somebody won though. We didn't. Yeah, fucking, we ain't plugging them. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I think our award stays are over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got that Fangoria award and then we hung our hat on it. Yeah, we were, Discover Pods, we were, uh, we were runner up, I think in 2018. 2017 or 2018, we were the runner up. Yeah, I guess we'll take it. Times, and we were in the right category. We were in TV and film that year. <laughs> <laughs> we're not alone. We're not alone. Oh man. We've got Steve Miller from the Space Cowboy podcast. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be back. 
Look at you quick on the draw there with the mute button this time. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to be on top of it. Quick draw McSteve. <laughs> I wasn't impressed. I, I still noticed a little bit of a pause there. No, I didn't. I didn't notice any pause. That was that was quick draw. All right, was, goal, goal for me by the end of the episode is to get Jake's approval of, on speed. He was like, uh, he was like, what's his name? Russell Crowe in the Quick of the Dead there. <laughs> no, man, you would have been shot. You would have lost no. the duel. Gene Hackman just got fucking shot in the head. And everybody, <laughs> and all of a sudden, then you see that fucking blood come out, and everybody's like, what the fuck? We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, also joined by Mr. Joe Stark from Starkcast and number one comic books. Welcome, Joe. Hey guys, stoked to be here. All right. Yeah, we are excited to have both of you guys joining us. So, what have I been doing the past two weeks? Been watching a lot of Three's Company. A lot, a lot of Three's Company. <laughs> I found out that there's a Three's Company, uh, channel on Pluto TV. 24 fucking hours of Three's Company. <laughs> it's fucking, wow. It's fucking amazing. Uh, come and knock on our door. Oh, what a great song. Uh, come and dance on our floor. Oh, God. It's a banger, isn't it? It is a banger. Yeah. You guys, you guys don't give a fuck. What, what else have oh. I been doing? <laughs> That's a top, top 10 sitcom theme song, in my opinion. What else have I been doing? I, write, I started writing some fan fiction. Started writing some Uh-oh. fan fiction. And remember that song, All That She Wants? Uh, Ace of Base. Is another baby. All <laughs> that she wants is another baby. She's gone tomorrow. And then, th- then the guy chimes in and he goes, "All that she wants." I started re- writing a fan fiction about that guy from, <laughs> from Ace of Base that that says that. And so, like, so it's like it's like it's like the '90s. It starts off. We get like a a flashback of the '90s and this guy, you know, touring with Ace of Base and fucking, you know, and it's his turn and he's like, "All that she wants," and then like everybody's like, "Yeah," at the fucking concerts and shit. And then they have like the after party at the bars and stuff like that. And then like you know, he's like going up to the ladies and stuff, and he'll like drop that on him, like "All that she wants," and like you see him like at the end of the night, fucking like in a sea of women, just like legs and fucking just women. All that, all that he wants, he's getting it, man. He's just, he's at the top of his fucking game. Flash forward, flash forward in my fan fiction to 20 years, 20, 30 years later. Like, you know, the guy's like middle aged, losing his hair, you know, he's like in his fifties, late forties, early fifties, losing his hair, put on a little bit of weight, you know, uh, and, uh, still pulling out that fucking line, all that she wants at these clubs and like, <laughs> Nobody knows what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, that song didn't really transcend. I don't think this generation knows that one. They have no idea. They have no idea. They have no idea. And like, I don't know. And then I then I started thinking about like, you know, what are the other characters going to be in this fan fiction? It's like he's like really good friends with Sting, and Sting's doing really well. But like in my version, you know how Sting did like the tantric sex thing. Oh yeah. In my version, Sting can't hold on to an orgasm. Like the guy is like always coming all over the place all the time. Like he literally will <laughs> shake your hand and fucking come. And he's always carrying around like a second pair of pants and shit. <laughs> that explains a lot of his facial expressions. <laughs> like he'll like walk into a scene and then just like kind of like kneel down and then walk out of the scene. You know what happened? <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I've been working on. 
It's called uh, All That He Had. It's about like like what he lost. <laughs> no, that's a great name. Yeah. It's a very niche market, too. I mean, you should have the corner on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Was that guy part of the fucking group, Ace of Base? Or was that just like some guy that they fucking brought in that said, all that she wants? My guess is it was just some post. He wasn't part of the group is, is my guess. Huh. Wow, I'm like confronting the fact that just how little I know about Ace of Base. I, I know not, literally nothing about Ace of Base except for that fucking song. <laughs> I know signs. You gotta know signs. Yeah. yeah. Ace of Base, that was like part of the, the soundtrack to the summer that I detasseled corn. Very 90s. Oh man, yeah, I detasseled, I detasseled. I had a, I had a, they had just fucking like sprayed the corn with, uh, you know, like the fuck. What, are they, what is that shit called? Pesticides. Pesticides. And it, I hadn't eaten that morning, and a and a blade from uh, the corn scraped my eye, and the pesticides oh. got into my bloodstream. Yeah. And I'm on a tractor. We were in carriages on a tractor, and I fucking started to like get woozy, and then I fucking wake up, and like I'm on the ground. Yeah, I fucking passed out from pesticides getting in my bloodstream from uh, fucking oh, corn. Scary. Yeah, I almost yeah, tractor almost ran me over. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is you're lucky you didn't get run over? Yeah, no shit. I'm glad the guy in the carriage noticed. With I, there's two people to a carriage. I'm glad he noticed and said, "Hey, stop the fucking tractor." <laughs> <laughs> we got a kid down. Um, before we jump, we're gonna jump into iTunes reviews here. But before we do, I wanted to share a quick shower thought with you that I had. Um, I think Jimmy Buffett songs are just about what Matthew McConaughey fits into an average day. Nothing, absolutely nothing <laughs> out there. I missed. Yeah, all the middle. I missed. I missed like a lot of that. Okay, you know what? Fuck it. Skip it. Fuck it. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Skip it. Sometimes just read the lyrics to Margaritaville. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Fuck it. That one didn't go over well. I missed everything. I missed everything in the middle. I caught the beginning and I caught the end. Yeah, the last three words had nothing to do with the first three words. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck happened there. Oh, my God. Yeah, I forget where I went out, but I came back on Matthew McConaughey and I was like, whoa. It just seems like he said a lot. Instead of sharing a shower thought, let's just share a shower together, guys. How's that sound? Yeah, who's got the biggest shower? I've got two in my apartment. I got the smallest one so we can... Uh, <laughs> that uh, hey, that's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I got a fucking wash tub. Oh, fuck. Let's, uh, let's move on to iTunes. I hate this episode already. I fucking literally... We've been gone for fucking two weeks. I'm ten minutes in. I fucking hate it. <laughs> fucking hate it. <laughs> let's move into iTunes reviews. iTunes reviews. Uh, we had uh, off for two weeks, and we got two iTunes reviews. Just, uh, mm. yeah. A lot of love. I feel so missed. Yeah. Two. Two iTunes reviews. They're, uh, they're bangers. 
<laughs> this first one comes from whatever has not been taken. That's deep as shit. Yeah, wow. Is there a poem coming? I don't know, man. Yeah, that sounds like you sound like you should be saying that like sitting on like a stool and like snapping your fingers. <laughs> like a beatnik? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's titled, and I think that they fucked this up. I think it's supposed to read something else, but it's like, um, it's titled, it's really 10 stores. I think it should be 10 stars, but maybe they meant 10 stores. It's really 10 stores. It sounds like, uh, somebody fucking went to like one of these superstores and they found out like everything from every store is when one of these superstores and they're like, it's really like 10 stores. <laughs> it's, I can get electronics here and my groceries. Oh my God. It's like 10 stores. I was thinking of like the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. What was, uh, what, they had one that was like, they combined it with Long John Silver. A and W and Long John Silvers. Ah, oh, you want to get a hot dog awesome. and some fucking <laughs> hush puppies? Uh, like what the fuck? <laughs> they, they did that in my hometown, but it was Taco Bell and Long John Silvers and then nobody ever bought Long John Silvers. So eventually it just became Taco Bell. Yeah. Yeah, Long John Silver's, their, their quality has gone down a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> we rip on Long John Silver's a lot. It's, it's oh, it's terrible. Numbers. It is yeah. terrible. Like, you have to have an iron stomach to eat that shit. There's none that exist up here by me. Yeah, they all just go out of business. You remember when they used, yeah, you, they were all over the fucking place. And then you put on that fucking pirate hat and eat your fucking fish. <laughs> <laughs> My very first job was at a Long John Silver's. Oof. Yeah, it was terrible. I, I I smelled like that fucking batter no matter what I did. I could like five showers and still smell like that fucking batter. Oh, I bet. Oh, my God. Uh, they And then they started selling the batter by itself. You could order the batter. Ugh. Yeah, like the Krispies or whatever. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Maybe I should get, hey, maybe, maybe I should give you another shower thought. That worked over so well this week. <laughs> I I missed I missed most of that, Brian. Even if you even if you fucking heard the whole thing, I still think it would have been crickets. I still, <laughs> You'll never know. Mm. Ah. Anyway, what's this? Uh, what, what is this review? The only thing I have to say is thank you for all you give everyone. That's it. That's it. No. <laughs> Real wordsmith there. He's uh, this is the this is the editor for my fucking uh, my fan fiction that I'm doing. <laughs> Ace of base. All right, first note: you're gonna have to cut this down. <laughs> yeah, I know. I went I, I went from 180 pages to fucking three. It was it's like what <laughs> words too, not even pages. <laughs> and it ends with it's really ten stores. Like that's the ending, and it's like what the fuck. <laughs> He's like, can you fit this fanfic into a tweet? <laughs> yeah, no shit. It's like 140 <laughs> characters or whatever the fuck. Anyway, thank you. Um, whatever has not been taken. Jeez. All right. Um, next one comes, <laughs> next one comes from <laughs> that name. It's like a Trent Reznor, like autobiography title. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so full of angst. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross present whatever has not been taken. 
Agent DX007. It's titled Meh. How many stars? How many stars? You got a guess? Five. Steve? Four. Three. Two. One. I don't know. I, um, Contact. Sorry, I got carried away. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe, how are you guessing? <laughs> I'm going to guess three stars with that going off that title. That's uh, five. It's a five star. It's, uh, it's mysterious. It goes on to say, uh, but yeah, very mysterious. <laughs> he also thought there were 10 stars. And you know, that's why he only gave us five. <laughs> you know what else is mysterious? Why the fuck am I doing this show still? Like, that's a mystery. <laughs> that, that in itself is like, why did I come back <laughs> for this? <laughs> I know. Uh, review goes on to say bought $2,500 of Apple products so I can leave this review. This podcast is okay. It's old fucking review. <laughs> Two weeks and this is what we get, Jake. Yeah, wow. $2,500 worth of Apple products. That's what? A phone and a half? Uh, and, that, and that's not even Apple Care included. <laughs> no. 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 You're shelling out another grand for Apple Care. <laughs> I don't know the prices of Apple stuff outright. I don't know MSRP. I don't, I don't know MSRP. Like that. Huh? I don't understand reviews like that. If it's so meh and you're going to write a review like that, what's the point of even going on and writing a review? It's nice they give you five stars, but it's just weird. Uh, do you think it, do you think they're trying to be clever or something? Is that yes, it? Yes, I do. You think it, like, Oh, I'm going to ironically say meh, but give them five stars because I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> yeah, that must be it then. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't know. That's iTunes reviews. Thanks so much. You gave us so much to fucking work with this week, everybody. Two weeks off. That's the shit that I get. Anyway, uh, we got some giveaways. We got some giveaways. We got three giveaways this week, and uh, I'm going to go over two right now. The first one is for five digital codes for the new movie Chick Fight, and this is streaming now on Redbox On Demand. It stars Malin Ackerman, Bella Thorne, and Alec Baldwin. They star in this hilarious, hard-hitting comedy, Chick Fight, when a woman is introduced to an underground all-female fight club in order to turn the mess of her life around. She discovers she is much more personally connected to this to, to the history of the club than she could have ever imagined. You can stream Chick Fight instantly on your smart TV or favorite device with the Redbox app today. This is a rated R comedy. We've got five digital copies of Chick Fight. CPRrights.com wrote a review on this one, gave it five stars. But they said it's really like ten stores is what they said at the end of the review. <laughs> They're like, we're going to give it five stars, but it's really like ten stores. Yeah. Boring. Five stars. Oh, man. That was a different review, Jake. That was the second one. We can't. We're not. Oh, we're not no, we're not crossing the streams of these reviews. Uh, but yeah, you could win, uh, one of five digital codes to stream this on the Redbox app. It's a Redbox code. So I guess you have to download the Redbox app onto your Roku or Fire Stick or whatever the fuck and then enter it there and then you can watch it. Uh, just retweet on Twitter or share our Facebook post about Chick Fight. Take a screenshot, send it to comments at popcultureleftovers.com, subject Chick Fight, and I'll announce the winners on next week's podcast. This is for U.S. residents only. 
So make sure I want to see it. I think I I've I've heard only good things. I've heard only good things about it. Yeah, I want to see it too. It looks good. I, I like the cast. I might enter the contest myself. Is that legal? Yeah, you can enter. I don't give a fuck. Sweet. Mm. Oh, if Jake wins, people are going to say it's rigged. <laughs> it's rigged. <laughs> a live reaction for me winning on the show. It's rigged. Yeah, I will. I'm going to go over the winners. I'll go over the winners. I stopped reading the winners, but I'll start reading. I think people like to hear their names and shit on this thing, so I'll read the winners next week. The second is for this new movie. It's called Spell, now premiering at home. Don't miss the terrifying suspense thriller Spell, starring Omari Hardwick from the TV show Power and Loretta Devine. Uh, Marcus awakens from a plane crash, imprisoned by a mysterious woman practicing hoodoo magic. I don't know what, what is hoodoo magic? Is that like voodoo? Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Hoodoo? I don't know. Is it, is it another typo? <laughs> is it, is it voodoo that more comes from like the island of Haiti? I think you're right. I'm gonna look it up. But what's hoodoo? Yeah, I'm looking it up too. All right, anyway, he desperately tries to break free to save his family from the sinister rituals that await. Buy or rent spell today on digital. It's rated R. This one's from Paramount Pictures, and I've got five digital codes for this one as well. Same rules apply. Just retweet or share the Facebook post, and I'll announce the winners next week. Make the subject spell or spell movie, and uh, you'll fi- we'll find out. And I got a third one. We're going to go over the third one later. What'd you find out on Hudo? Not Did you get much. it, Jake? Otherwise, I got it in front of me. Yeah, it just seems like it has to do with location and who created it. It's the same kind of thing, though. Okay. All right. The more you know there. Thank you. <laughs> I, I know. I feel like... I mean, I- synonyms for it include witchcraft and conjuration. So it's, you know, it's what you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Tale as old as time. I don't know. I don't know what I meant by that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying right now, guys. Ah, fuck it. That's all I got. That's all I got for for whatever. Twenty minutes of bullshit. I, I bet everybody's going glad that they waited two weeks for this. Oh yeah, I'm sure they're super excited. Mm-hmm. Everything they dreamed of in the first twenty minutes. A riveting conversation. Um. Let's jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Hey, I did not skip a fucking beat with those, uh, with the descriptions there. Good pop, bad pop, did I? Like I've been doing it all my life. (laughs) They did sound really good. I know. Two weeks off, man. I just, boom, rattled it off. (laughs) Jake can't even remember his fucking name at the beginning, barely. He's got to wait for me to give my name. And he's like, oh, shit, yeah. Look at me rattling shit off, man. Who are you talking about? Oh, God. All right. Let's. <laughs> I think, Jake, I, I haven't been practicing any hoodoo magic on you, so I don't know where this is coming from. 
yeah, I real quick, I got a few things that I want to talk about here real quick. Uh, I did, I, I've been catching up on Tosh.0 season 12 and, um, absolutely loving it. Absolutely. This is like, it's, um, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic season. I love Tosh. I mean, not everybody watches Tosh or, or enjoys Daniel Tosh, but I love Tosh. The season's just been fantastic. The first episode was like, they recorded it before COVID hit. So we had a live studio audience every episode after the first episode of season 12. He's not had a live studio audience. And, um, there, he did an episode where he's got these two adorable dogs and one of his dogs, Castro, passed away. And it was like, he did kind of like an in memoriam of Castro. And Castro has appeared on over a hundred episodes of Tosh.0 over the last 12 years. And, uh, this is the first time I've ever seen Daniel, like, get emotional and choked up on an episode. I've never seen him like this before. I thought it was fucking beautiful. And, um, I've seen the guy twice live doing his stand-up and i just i think daniel tosh is amazing one of the things i love about him is that he doesn't do like the he doesn't do like the talk show circuits and shit like he doesn't go on kimmel he doesn't go on fallon he doesn't he doesn't do that shit man he's very private and uh i love that about him and um this season's just been fantastic he's got a segment called lucky son of a bitch where you see people that are that are like something's going to happen and they could literally die and they escape death and it's all caught on video and it's fucking insane. There's this woman walking around drunk and she trips, falls backwards and a bus drives by right by her fucking head. And and there's a bunch of these that he's doing. It's called lucky son of a bitch. It's, it's, it's crazy. I love this show so much. This is the last season that Tosh.0 is going to be on comedy central. And so it's looking for a new home. Daniel sounds confident it's going to go somewhere. He's like, you know, because, I mean, he's got, the guy's got 25 million fucking followers. It's insane. He's huge. He is huge. And um, it's the longest running weekly live action show. And I hope that another network picks this up. Joe, do you think, do you think it's going to get picked up? It seems like it would because, I mean, outside of whatever his salary is, there can't be too much cost into doing a show like that. No. But but then again, you know, we saw Netflix, you know, pick up the Joel McHale show. Joel I know. McHale and subsequently drop it, and it's in a very similar boat. But like you said, 25 million Twitter followers. And, I mean, fucking everybody knows who Daniel Tosh is. Right, yeah. So – I mean, it's, it's, it stands a, a really good chance of getting picked up. What because the fu- it just seems like it's, it's a cash ticket. What the fuck is Comedy Central doing? Have you seen like the new direction that they're going? They're replacing most of their live action shows with an animated, with animated shows now. Hmm. Weird. Does that have to do with COVID or that's just some kind of weird decision? I think it's just like they're, you know, like South Park's been great for them. I mean, and South Park has just been fantastic the last few seasons. And I don't know, like, I mean, they've done some animated stuff, you know, over the years, but it's always been a blend of live action and, and, uh, and animation. They did, well, Brickleberry, that was another Comedy Central thing. And that Daniel Tosh did a voice of a character in Brickleberry. But I can't remember the new animated show that they're, they're, they're adding like multiple animated shows to the network and getting rid of like, these live action shows. I'm shocked they're getting rid of Tosh.0. Like this show is, 
it's huge for them. It's huge for them. Yeah, he's got to feel a bit slighted by that too, you would think. I mean, you they probably had a really good relationship up until all of a sudden you're canceled. He's being like – and he's completely honest. Like he sounds fine with it. I, I, at the end of the episodes, like he'll, he'll bring up like a comedy central executive of the week and he'll bring up somebody that works there. And, uh, <laughs> he sounds fine with it. He doesn't sound spiteful and he sounds very confident that they're going, he's saying like, he's basically saying like we're going somewhere else, but they haven't, an- he, as far as I know, it's not been announced that he's been picked up by another network and maybe they have to wait until like, this contract runs out or all the episodes have aired before they make uh, an announcement like that. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm kind of pissed off at comedy central for this. Yeah. That's a weird business decision to a, get rid of Tosh and B put so much money in animated. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm pretty confident that Daniel Tosh will find a new home somewhere. And I think he owns like the, the creative rights to all this. So if he goes somewhere else, it can be Tosh.0. They can do the exact same format. So, um, perfect. Cause a I, show like that, dude, he could do it from his basement. Fuck. Yeah. 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 When, so I do something similar to that, for youtube and like during covid when that first hit as long as we you know kept the social distance and wore masks and everything and followed protocol we were able to film not obviously at our work but we were filming in garages basements living rooms wherever we could yeah it's an easy show to put out especially even even during covid it's an easy show to put out yeah so uh, i watched the uh, uh we are who we are finale uh, i i watched the whole season i w- reviewed the first episode here it's on hbo it's from the director that did uh call me by your name and uh this is another show where uh it takes place in italy and uh it's it's an uh, it's an american army base in italy and so it it's man i'm telling you i am fucking telling you this this show is incredible and and the the young actor that plays the lead here uh, a Frazier. He's the, he's the kid from fucking Shazam. Not the, not the kid that turns into Shazam, but like his friend. His buddy. His buddy. This kid is an amazing actor. This kid is so, so good. And he plays a character who I think is like on the spectrum. It's not really, um, you know, set in the show, but man, he is so good in this fucking show. This show takes a turn, uh, that, that I didn't see coming. Um, in the second and third episodes and, and on where you've got a young girl who is like, um, she's struggling with, uh, um, with, with being a girl. She, she thinks that she might want to live life as, as a boy. And so it, it deals with transgender issues and it's just, it's fucking fascinating. Everything's fast. Uh, Martin Scorsese's daughter, Francesca Scorsese's in this and she's really good. Man, we are who we are. This is one of the year's best, and I don't think anybody's watching it or talking about it. It's fucking, it's so fucking fantastic. It's, I, I was mesmerized by every fucking episode. And the music, the music in this fucking show is incredible. Like, I don't listen to a lot of like modern music, but it's gotten me into like some of these groups that I've never even heard of. And it's like, I've loved, like, and so I'm, I'm checking like, uh, like what are they doing on Spotify? Let me listen to more of this. There's a group called Blood Orange that I fucking love now. Because of this fucking show. So, uh, we are who we are. 
on uh, HBO. Absolute fucking Tupperware. Um, but uh, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend this one. And uh, Kid Cudi's in this. Is he good in it? He's actually really fucking good in it, man. Oh my god, he's really good. He plays uh, he plays the girl's father. And okay. uh, man, he's really good in it. I w- there's a there's a scene where he has a big blow up after after one of his uh, soldiers um, is killed, and a big blow up scene, and he just fucking kills it. I thought he was fantastic in, in this show. Um, Steve came on here. Uh, spoiler, Steve from Scenic Cast came on here a few weeks ago. Talked about uh, the Barbarian show, and um, oh, June June also watched. I think the first episode. I finished Barbarians. It's a six episode series on uh, Netflix. I finished it. I, I loved it. I thought it was good. I'm going to give it a high tasted overall. But watch uh, watch Barbarians. anybody anybody watch Barbarians? I did not. I- I started watching the first episode, and I generally watch things with closed captioning on, and I could tell that this is a show that was filmed somewhere else where it was definitely yeah. not filmed in English because the, the dubbed-over words that they were saying did not match the closed captioning. I watched it, it that way as well, and you are 100% was, right. It was it was weird. And, and then when I kind of saw what direction like some of the, the underlying plot was going, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. And it's annoying enough with the captioning. But but hearing that you like the whole season, that, that kind of gives me pause to maybe go back. I, I did. It kind of like ends like every episode ends on like with like a uh, soap opera cliffhanger. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> They're related. Oh, my God. Oh. So, <laughs> like you got to watch the second episode. So, oh, what's he going to do? Is he going to choose them or is he going to – oh, that's ah, fucking awesome. I love Barbarians. I thought it was really good. High taste it. High taste it. It's not perfect. Um, How To with John Wilson. This is on HBO. An anxious New Yorker who attempts to give everyday advice while dealing with his own personal issues. Um, the AV Club had this to say about the series. Nathan Fielder. An executive producer and influence of uh, and the influence of Fielder uh, and others is obvious. So Nathan Fielder from Nathan for You is an executive producer on this, and they go on to say John Wilson's Gentle Show is an original beast. Wilson, director, cinematographer, co-writer, and genial, uh, genially awkward narrator heads out to New York and the wider world with his camera, open eyes, and an off-kilter curiosity that leads him from his ostensible subject to places, people, and ideas that one could never predict. He's here to show you the world and give advice about small talk, scaffolding, furniture covering, splitting the check, and so on. But that's always just a starting point. Each episode, particularly the sensational finale airing in two weeks, is on its own one of the year's most satisfying surprises together. They're close to unbeatable. And uh, I've watched, there's four episodes out, of this show. I've watched all four and I'll start off by saying like, this is an odd fucking show and it's an odd show to be on HBO and it's just an odd show. It's comedy. I, but there are like real moments in this. Like it's a guy filming New York. Um, and it just about, and like, yeah, like the first episode is like, you know, how to give small talk. And, and then the second episode is all about all the scaffolding that's in New York. And, and then the third episode is about furniture covering. And it's just, but like, there's these real moments in this, like in the small talk episode where he meets that one guy, Chris, when he goes to like that 
at uh, like beach resort. And you go to Cancun, Cancun for uh, spring break. Spring break, and yeah. MTV is there. Yeah, <laughs> like like that guy gives them like a like they both open up about like a real moment. Like, and the one guy, Chris, starts talking about his friend who died and stuff like that. Like, we're watching something that's a comedy, but then like there's real moments. Um, mixed in so some moments of levity i i don't i i guess like i think it's an addictive show to watch i don't i don't think i can give it an absolute tupperware yet but there is some brilliance in it um i'll give it a high taste it and i i don't know i i because i couldn't stop watching it i had to i watched all four episodes but i want to know what you guys thought um steve i know you watched the first episode yeah, I I watched the uh the the making small talk episode and I I I don't always go in for like the super dry humor, but I I was digging this. I'm definitely going to go back and continue watching the uh the rest of the episodes that that come out for it. And um I I just I just I couldn't help but notice like when he's talking about certain things and then like the ironic imagery that would be paired with it about yeah. like like the things that you were talking about is like not just like real moments just like interactions with people he talks to but like real moments that you're seeing just in normal everyday life of New York City like somebody getting arrested or uh, a body being put into a into an ambulance like it's just it and it it gets to a level of like somewhat morbid so i i would give it a taste it i would say that it's just something that it's it's probably not for everybody cuz it is on the drier side but it's still it's it's like a it's like a satire almost where it's like sort of playing on the just the the horrors of everyday life yeah jake i know jake how many episodes did you watch i just watched the first episode what do you think this was a, a weird show for like the first five minutes of it. I thought it was super awkward and cringy, but then by the end of it, I kind of fell in love with it. Um, I think he's a great narrator. I, the humor really started getting me about halfway through, especially once we got to the Cancun stuff, I thought it really picked up, but yeah, I kind of loved this. It, it, it was a high taste it for me by the end of it. I thought it was hilarious when he was talking about how people try to disengage from conversations that they don't like. Yeah. Um, the touch and go, the touch it and go it. <laughs> and, um, Chris was a fantastic character. I, I kind of wondered like how much of that, none of that was scripted, huh? That was all just honest conversation. That yeah. makes me like it even more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, and it, 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 it makes me wonder like what is set up, what is set up before the show and what isn't like it make I, I feel like they honestly just met Chris while doing this. But then in another episode where they talk about the Mandela effect, which is a great episode, he actually goes to like the first Mandela effect conference. And um, I feel like the way he met this, this guy at a grocery store, um, they had already planned that he was going to meet this guy because this guy is the the guy who introduces him to like the Mandela Effect conference, and of course they talk about the Berenstein Berenstain Bears, but they also talk about um, Febreze and how a lot of people think it's spelled with two e's, but it's actually just one. 
at the end of the episode, he's going around with these Febreze stickers that have two E's and then covering up the logo on actual Febreze bottles to confuse people. Um, they go, the Mandela conference is pretty hilarious. Like a woman is doing a slideshow and in the slideshow, she's like, I believed that Jane Goodall died in 1985 and that Benicio del Toro died in 2001. And I was shocked to find out in 2009 that they were both still alive. So it's like just her Mandela effect and how she's been affected by, she came out of a different multiverse. They all are coming out of different multiverses (laughs) and they all have different memories. And, um, I, I don't know, man, I think it's pretty fucking it it is cringe humor in a lot of ways, Jake. It's not like yeah, the- and I I it just I just I didn't quite grasp it or get it at first, and I, I strongly recommend to anyone if you watch this, to yeah. give it fifteen minutes. Well, it's like Nathan for you and Borat and stuff like that is cringe humor. This is not like on that level, but it's there is still a, a, a mix of cringe. He, it's just he's so awkward and kind of socially inept that it took a minute to get used to his stylings and what was being delivered. Totally. But once I got used to it, I, I actually quite liked it. I, I almost found him charming by the end of it. Each episode's only about 30 minutes, maybe a little over 30 minutes. I think there's going to be six episodes in this season. And they're saying that the season finale is amazing. And that's going to be airing, I think, in a week or two. And so, yeah, I'm going to be finishing this series. I'll, I'll give it a high taste. It, And by the end of it, I mean, I may Tupperware some episodes. I thought the Mandela Effect episode, the memory episode, was fantastic. But, yeah, um, I need to watch more of this. I, I love that subject anyway of the Mandela Effect. It, yeah. It's always something that's really fascinated me. They, so. They were talking about the the stove the stovetop stuffing and how <laughs> the one, one guy thought it was always stove for stovetop top stuffing, and it's come come to find out it's craft. And he talked about how like raisin brain. He thought the the sun character on the front always had sunglasses on, and that's not true. And so, so at the end of the episode, like with the Febreze stickers, he's putting sunglass stickers on the fucking on the sun. And, what a dick move! <laughs> I I I was literally just laughing at the like the last like it's like a minute and a half of him just putting stickers on shit, and I'm just laughing. Oh, but yeah, it's called How to with John Wilson. It's on HBO. Check it out. It's different. It's definitely different. Um, Steve, you and I watched Two Weeks to Live on HBO Max. This is six episodes. Uh, venturing to a local pub, action is sent in motion by a practical joke played on Kim of a fake video depicting a nuclear explosion apocalypse and that everybody had just two weeks to live. Kim, raised to believe the end times were close, sets off to kill the man who murdered her father in front of her when she was a child. This is on HBO Max but this was originally produced for Sky UK. It stars Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones as Kim, a misfit who has been raised in almost total isolation, living off the grid in rural Scotland for most of her life by her overprotective survivalist mother, Tina, uh, played by uh, Cyan Clifford. Uh, she was the sister in the uh, in Amazon Prime's Fleabag, if you watched Fleabag. Um what did you think about uh, two weeks to live, Steve? Um, I really liked it a lot. I thought it felt to me a lot like um, sort of just like a melting pot of characters that sort of get all trapped into the same situation or they're connected by the same scenario. 
and they wouldn't in normal everyday life. It, it reminded me the way the story sort of comes together reminded me a lot of um, like uh, like a lock stock and two smoking barrels or um, or any of those kind of Guy Ritchie styled movies. Um, not with necessarily like the overall styling, but the way the story is presented. Um, there was uh, there was one moment though that I kind of had rolled my eyes at um in the i believe it was episode 2 there's a uh, little reference to her character from game of thrones in uh, a fight scene mm. i don't know if you caught it. it it's it's a big reference to the end of the game of thrones series and i just kind of had to roll my eyes cuz i was just like they couldn't they couldn't help themselves they just had to do that but overall uh the of what i watched of it i i did have the whole series play through but I only was really focused on the first three episodes and the last three were kind of just on in the background. So I need to go back and rewatch those. But the first three episodes I was really, really digging in. And so I'm looking forward to get back to it. I would give it a high taste. It. I watched all six and, and these are really easy. It's really easy to watch each episodes, maybe 30 minutes. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I thought this was trying to be really like, I don't know. I, I thought it was trying to be like, uh, like maybe a Wayne or uh, the end of the fucking world type show. And I just don't think it's as cool or as stylish as the, you know, aforementioned shows. Uh, I'll give it a taste it overall. Um, I thought Maisie Williams is really good in it. I, I, I liked, I think I liked the first episode the most. Um, I mean, she, I mean, she's been raised, uh, out in the woods and, and, and really just went into town and just to get things and, and, and doesn't really know, uh, a whole lot about the real world. She takes these, her mother gives her these pills that, that I guess she's been taught that like there's like poison in the air and she has to take these poison, anti-poison pills and stuff like that. Her mom's been lying to her and, um, she's only watched like, what was it? Five five or six movies their entire life and they're all on VHS. I wish those would have played a bigger part in some of the scenes that we watched in this, Steve. Cause like the only movie that really played any part in it was the Shawshank Redemption where like the, she had hidden something behind a poster and right, yeah. n- none of the other movies played a part in this. And I thought that that would have been very funny if they would have kept incorporating some of these other movies into the series. I'll give it a taste it overall. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was fine. I I thought the male characters were just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> or like, I guess the love interest guy and the other guy, or like his brother, were just kind of ridiculous and I don't know, played played for idiots and stuff like that. And I don't know. It I was kind of enjoyed. I kind of enjoyed that part of it. How they were just dumb. Like they, they didn't get what was going on the whole time. They just sort of gotten roped into a situation that they shouldn't have been involved in. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. I'll give it a taste of overall two weeks to live. It's on HBO max. And that's what HBO max is doing. They're taking all these fucking like sky originals and just calling them an HBO max original. We haven't seen that's too many. Yeah. We haven't seen too many real HBO max originals, you know, like maybe I, I guess maybe American pickle. I guess. Raised by wolves? Yeah, yeah, raised by wolves. That's one. Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of them. Yeah, it's two weeks to live. If you're a big fan of Maisie Williams, watch it. I would recommend it. I thought she was good in it. What do you think? You like her, Steve? Yeah, she's all right. She's not bad. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I watched uh, a movie out in theaters. Well, I, it might still be in theaters. Synchronic. Have you guys have you guys seen any of Synchronic? Have, uh, have you heard about Synchronic? I've heard oh. about it. I looked it up when you brought it up our last episode. Yeah, two. I no- hadn't heard of this one. Yeah, two New Orleans paramedics' li- lives are ripped apart after they encounter a series of horrific deaths linked to a designer drug with bizarre, odd, otherworldly effects. Directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. His name sounds like a porn star. Aaron Moorhead. <laughs> Who, Moorhead or Benson? Sounds like a direction on the porn star set. Moorhead. Moorhead. <laughs> Moorhead. Uh, this one's written by Justin Benson. He directed an episode of the new Twilight Zone on CBS All Access and uh, the segment Bone Storm. We're back to porn. Jesus Christ. Bone Bone storm. Bone storm. Yeah, there's That's a the game Bart Simpson once. <laughs> this uh, there's a segment called Bone Storm in the uh, VHS. In the it's the, it's the movie VHS viral. I've seen the first two VHS movies. It's kind of like a like an anthology type uh, show. Like it's got different segments. They break. It's a horror movie broken down into different segments. I've seen the first two VHS movies. I don't think I've ever seen VHS viral, but he did Bone Storm in that one. Independent of Moorhead, I believe. Anyway, Synchronic stars Jamie Dornan as Dennis and Anthony Mackie as Steve. Um, these are the uh, two uh, paramedics. And what? Okay, so there's this there's this designer drug. I kind of want to give the hook to this one. I kind of because. And I think I will. I, I, a little bit of a spoiler warning. I'm not going to get into it too much. So if you don't want to know anything about Synchronic, um, then I guess just skip ahead. If, if you're still even listening to this garbage, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> but um, you've got you've got Steve played by Anthony Mackie, and then uh, Dennis. No, uh, yes, Steve is Anthony Mackie, and Dennis is Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dornan is married. He's got two children, um, and uh, one's younger, one's older. And then Steve is single. He's kind of a ladies' man. And they're paramedics. They work the late night shift. And they've been encountering these people that are dead um, or like they're, they've been affected by this. Uh, they're in a weird state because they've been affected by this new designer drug that has come out called Synchronic. And um, the, it starts off with like this this woman and this guy taking synchronic and they start to see like these like hallucinations the one woman sees um uh like kind of like a like a jungle and like snake a snake and then the other guy sees like a desert so like you're like what the fuck is this like an acid trip what is going on here and the guy ends up dying the woman ends up with a fucking snake bite on her leg and so here's what happens is like this drug, it actually, it actually, it's like, it's like a time travel drug and they explain the science behind it in it. And depending on your placement, like where you are, here's the science. Like basically he kind of, uh, the scientist that designed the drug said it's kind of like a record, like a vinyl record, like. On the record, you've got all these songs, but you can only listen to the one song that the needle's playing on. This drug basically 
can, it's the needle. This drug is the needle and it can take you through time. It can take your, it can physically take you through time. Younger people are affected differently because their minds have not fully matured. Um, our minds don't fully mature until we're 25. And so like when younger kids take this and they travel in time, they can actually stay there. And so like one of the paramedics daughters, uh, yeah, Jamie Dornan, his daughter goes missing. They don't know where she's at. Um, Anthony Mackey, his character has limited time to live. He finds out he has kind of like a, a brain tumor and in his brain, the part, there's a part of your brain that gets calcified as you get older. His is malleable because he's got this kind of like, um, defect or something. And, um, so he can travel back in time using this drug and he finds out that in different places in his, he starts off taking the drug in his apartment and it's all about placement. So if he takes it, he took it like, I think first on the couch and it ends up taking him to like, he's in the same spot where it would be like, hundreds of years ago and he's in like a swampland and there's kind of like this, um, European, um, kind of like Ponce de Leon looking dude that starts to try to attack him. And then he's brought back out of it. And then he moves to a different part of his apartment, takes the synchronic drug again, and he's back in like the ice age and he fucking sees like a woolly mammoth. And so he's starting to put it together so that in order for him to bring back his friend's daughter, he has to be sitting in the exact, he has to take the drug in the exact same place that she was at to bring her back. That kind of explains the title a little bit when you explain it like that. Um, I'll give this movie a high taste it. I don't think it's perfect, but man, it's a wild fucking concept. And, um, some great, uh, some really cool moments in this. Um, it's very Nolan esque and there's some great moments in this. Like there's a part where, you know, um, Anthony Mackie's at a bar and he's drinking and he's talking about how like, you know, back to the future is bullshit. Like every, if you want to go back into the past, everything wants to fucking kill you. And it's just like, it's pretty fucking brilliant. Um, some really great dialogue, but the movie's not perfect. I mean, um, I think with a big, bigger budget, it could have been a little bit better, but, uh, I think everybody needs to watch this. If you're like into, into sci-fi and time travel, like this is a different kind of story. And I, I really dug it. I think it would be an awesome TV series too. I think it'd be awesome to see like how other people were kind of affected by this, this drug and like where it took them. So I'll give Synchronic a high taste. I, I kind of dug it. Hell yeah. Arousing. That's a really, no, that is a really, really cool idea for a movie. It, yeah. it would work perfect as a show. I mean, cause I mean, look at how long Quantum Leap ran for. Yeah. 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 Good comparison. Yeah. But like, this is way more terrifying. <laughs> like every time that, <laughs> you know, every time that Anthony Mackie went back, like it was the first time he went fucking back into the ice age, he's like freezing his balls off. So he comes back and he's like laying on the floor, like f almost frozen, you know, like it's, I don't know, man. I really fucking, I couldn't stop thinking about this movie. 
I really couldn't stop thinking about this movie after I got out of it. And yeah, I think it would lend itself to a TV series really well. Um, Wolfman's got Nards. This is the new uh, documentary that explores the power of cult film told through the lens of the Monster Squad and the impact it has on fans, cast, and crew in the industry. Um, Jake, Joe, I know you guys watched this one. I grew up a big fan of the Monster Squad. I didn't see it in the theater. That's kind of like addressed in the movie that like this did not have a huge box office and it didn't have a turnout, a huge turnout in the theater. I didn't see this in the theater. I actually watched this like they, and they bring it up in the, in the documentary. I watched this on HBO and I watched it. I, I God, I couldn't even tell you how many times I watched Monster Squad as a kid on HBO. I, I loved this movie so much. You know, I, I guess, um, a lot of like my love for like the, you know, the universal monsters and stuff actually comes from this movie. Like I think this might've been like my first introduction to the universal monsters as far as like, you know, I'd seen them in other things, but getting into live action universal monsters, I think this was like my first introduction. I think I saw this even before I like watched the Abbott and Costello stuff. I watched that later as a teenager. So, um, this had interviews with Fred Decker, the director, and then uh, Shane Black, the writer. And I mean, if you haven't seen Monster Squad, like who had – I'm hoping everybody on the podcast has seen Monster Squad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. I, I didn't see it in the theater, but um, we would rent the new releases every week. And I remember picking this up on VHS and seeing it when it first came out on home video. Yeah. And just, yeah, falling in love with it. It, it. And then every time it was on HBO after the fact, we, we would we would catch it no matter when it was at. Yeah, Monster Squad's one of those movies for me where I, I don't ever remember it not being in my life. Like, it was one that we had on a VHS. It was recorded off of HBO. Mm-hmm. And w- when they said in the documentary that, that I mean, the director said that it wasn't until what, like 2006 or yeah. something that he'd thought that he found out that people actually liked this movie and, and, and people that were in it were saying, you know, like with, if someone went up to him like, Oh, you were in the monster squad. I love that. And they're like, well, you've, you actually seen that? Like that was all news to me when I, when I was a kid, like, yeah, I, I just felt like everybody I knew my age knew that monster squad was fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like growing up, I just watched this movie and I was just like, oh, this movie was a hit. Like, cause it was a hit for me. I wasn't concerned about box office numbers and stuff like that when I was a 10 year old when I saw this, you know? And so I didn't know that it was a bomb in the box office. I didn't know that Lost Boys came out two weeks before this movie and that the PG 13 rating on this one killed it in the US and then killed it. Uh, they had a different, like, they had a different rating for it over in the UK where you had to be 15. Anybody 15 or younger couldn't see this movie. I had no idea that it was affected that way. I had no idea. And I just thought that everybody fucking loved this movie. I love this movie so much. And, um, I mean, I, it, it, this was incredible. They, you, they got to talk to the actors that were involved in this one. Um, they, uh, they had, um, they talked very fondly about, um, the, uh, the young actor that played Horace. Uh, they called him fat kid Horace in the movie and he passed away in 1997. Now I, before I watched this, I did know that 
because, you know, I go to IMDb and I want to check up on like, like, well, what have these actors been up to? What have these kid actors been up to? And I've, I've checked on him before and I noticed that he died in 1997. I just didn't know the whole story behind his death. And then like talking to people like the girl that dated him and his, his parent, his mom, uh, talked about him as well. And just hearing the stories about him and what a sweet guy he was. It's really sad that like he wasn't around and they talk about this multiple times in the documentary that he was not around to see kind of like the, the love that people have for this fucking movie now. And that was a little, that was a little heartbreaking. They they kept saying like this tour does not feel complete because they went on this Alamo draft house tour where they went to like 16 Alamo draft houses in 16 days or whatever it was and, and showed this movie and they sold out every night and they were all there to do a Q and a afterwards. And they kept talking about Brent Shalom not being able to be there. You also, did you guys notice that there was no mention though of Robbie Kiger who played Patrick in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that as yeah. well. Why? Why? He still does conventions. It was there. A, I, I couldn't find anything. Couldn't find anything online to find out if there was a big, uh, fallout between him and the other guys in it. He, he just must not have signed off on this. It might not even be, might not even be a fallout between the other guys, but maybe he just didn't want to help someone else make money off of this kind of thing. Well, I mean, you think that Alamo Drafthouse would have wanted him to go on tour as well. You know, like we got the actor that played Rudy and then like the little girl in the movie. They were all there. It's just yeah. so weird that like this guy does conventions and stuff like that. But I don't know. Maybe he's got – I don't know. I, I can't speak for him. Like maybe he's antisocial when it comes to, to, to other things. I don't know. I really don't know. I just thought it was very odd that he was not involved in this at all and not even mentioned. Well, I, yeah. I think it was the actor who played Rudy said that for, for many years, like he wouldn't even tell people that he was in the movie because, you know, it was such a big bomb that a lot of them felt that it hurt their careers. So yeah, it, maybe he's still there, but if he's doing cons, then that means that he's cashing in on it in some yeah. respect. Yeah. I, that's so, the only yeah, thing I, I found it like a, like they had a, like a, where are they now article and he popped up in one of them and they talked about, they had a picture of him and. And how he's doing, he still does conventions, the convention circuits and stuff like that. So I don't know why he didn't join the rest of the actors though for the Alamo thing and then this documentary. Um, they talked to the creature designers and I thought that that was fascinating. Cause like as a kid, I thought that this was the best looking like, you know, creature from the Black Lagoon fucking, I thought it was the best looking wolf man. I, I, you know, I thought, um, mm-hmm. what, uh, Tom Noonan who played, um, Frankenstein, I thought that the, the, the design on him was amazing. The mummy looked amazing. I thought the creature designs for this movie as a kid were the best I'd ever seen. And, uh, for them to talk to like the creature designers and give them all this credit to find out one of them later on worked on the creature on, uh, in, in the shape of water was very cool and um mm-hmm. i don't know man i fucking i love this so much i thought that this was just a fantastic documentary and they talked to a lot of people that you know uh, celebrities that grew up loving this as well like the the um you know, the guy that does the goldbergs fucking show and then seth green was in it the Goldberg stuff cracked me up. I didn't realize how how much they used the word nards in that show. Yeah. And what an homage to Monster Squad that was. Yeah. Yeah. This movie holds up too with the younger with the younger kids today. It it does. I watched this 
um, a few years ago with my niece when she was like eight or nine. Um, I was babysitting, uh, her and, uh, it was on Netflix at the time. Now it's on, uh, Showtime, but, uh, Monster Squad. And I was like, I was like, have you ever seen Monster Squad? And of course she hadn't. And so we watched it together. She loved it. She loved that movie so much. She was laughing. She loved that movie. She loved Monster Squad. So it was like a really cool memory that I have sharing it with her. And like this movie holds up. It holds up so well. I love it so much. Yeah, it absolutely does hold up, man. Before I watched Wolfman's Got Nards, I wanted to watch it again. Um, Monster Squad, the original, because I hadn't seen it in, mm-hmm. I mean, years and years. And yeah, it, I mean, it held up perfectly. And, and when, um, when my kids got home later that day, I asked them, I was like, Hey, have you guys seen the Monster Squad? And they're like, Yeah, yeah, we saw that one. Grandma played it for us. And so my mom already <laughs> beat me to it playing it for them. Oh, wow. So that's, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, and, and I was even going into it too, like looking at it with the eyes of an adult and like trying to find things to, to pick apart on it. And it's like, there are some of the things that are there that you can do it with and definitely some of the language in it, you know, is, is certainly not what we're used to hearing in 2020, but that's but man, how kids talk. Up. That's and, how, that's how kids talked back then. It's absolutely how we talked back then. <laughs> Cause you know, back then it, it, it yeah, you know, I, I didn't even think twice about any of that stuff, but right. like the, the tree house that the kids have in that movie, like that was like, you know, those were goals when you were a little kid, like you wanted to have something that cool. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, just how cool these kids were that, you know, they were going to be taking on monsters and, and, you know, they didn't need adults really helping them to do it. And yeah, dude, monster squad. That's a, that's a top 10 movie. For you me. know, the it's little, so good. the little kid that plays, um, Eugene, you know, the kid that sends the letter off to the army guys, you know, asking them to help fight the monsters. That kid is Michael Faustino. That is David Faustino, who played Bud Bundy. That's his younger brother. Whoa. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, what's your... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I thought it was really fascinating when they were talking about... I'm always fascinated by uh, film reel collections. And the whole story about them finding like the only existing reel and was it Australia? It was New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. But that was super fascinating, especially since they didn't even know like how rare of a thing they found was. I would love to see a documentary just about those guys going to torn down theaters and what finds they, they got. Yeah. Yeah. They're basically saying like all the film, film reels, like they would make their way, they would finally make their way to New Zealand and these studios just didn't want to fucking pay the shipping to have it shipped back. So they just fucking stayed in New Zealand. Yeah. It was like last stop. Yeah. Last stop, New Zealand. <laughs> and, uh, oh my God. What's your favorite? What I, I want to know, like, Joe, what's your favorite scene in, uh, Monster Squad? Uh, it's gotta be. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is the the first time we see the Wolfman transform when he's in that phone booth. Yeah, that always just scared the absolute shit out of me when I was a kid. And then um, I, the, all the other stuff with the vampires really freaked me out. Like Rudy being brave enough to like take on all three of the vampire uh, uh, you know ladies that were coming at him in the street. Yeah, that and is then, that right with, there is my favorite part. Oh my god, that part's amazing. I, when he I was just like walks up because you know, I mean, the Rudy character, uh, like in a 
it he's he's kind of laughable. But also, like, when you're a 10-year-old watching Monster Squad, like, Rudy's the shit. He was so fucking cool. When I was 10 and I was watching this movie, he was, like, so fucking cool. Like, it was him and it was fucking um, River Phoenix's character in Stand By Me. They were cool as yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, and, like, and Rudy was the type of cool that, like every kid could like because he was he was he was a cool kid who who stuck up for the fat kid but he was an outcast you know? too he was an outcast yeah. just like all of them and they talk about that in the movie like if you watch this movie and you loved it back when it came out like you were an, in some way you were an outcast and like rudy was that kid he was like even though he was like we thought he was cool he was still considered an outcast you know and Man, I fuck yeah. My favorite fucking part in that movie is when Rudy goes up against those three vampire. Women. I when I was I still I watched it today before we fucking recorded Monster Squad, and I still fucking get pumped up every fucking time. Like Patrick's like, "What are you doing?" As Rudy's walking towards him, he's like, "I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I?" And I'm just like, "Oh my god!" He's got a and cigarette hanging out of his mouth and he pulls out that bow with the fucking oh my the, the steak and he just fucking lands one into into that fucking first one and she goes down and then the second one's coming up on him man and like he fucking has to pull the steak out and he, he doesn't even have time to put it in the bow and he's just got to stab her straight in the fucking heart and I'm just like this is fucking insane and my second favorite part is when fucking Horace Shoots the fucking creature from the Black Lagoon yes. in the chest. Yeah. Cocks that gun. My name is Horace. Oh, I fucking love it. Oh, I fucking love that movie so much. I'm like, I mean, like, for me, I, I don't know, dude. I, I almost, I, I think I, I think I like it more than Goonies, to be quite honest with you. I know that. Yeah, might, I, I, agree I with think that. it holds up more than Goonies, honestly. Yeah. It doesn't feel so dated. It, it definitely still has the thrills. Like if you're watching it for the first time at a young age. Yeah. I, I think it holds up a lot better than Goonies, honestly. Oh God. I, 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 yeah, I love it so much. Wolfman, it still looks great. And I remember the first time watching this movie when I was a kid and they fucking throw the dynamite into Wolfman's fucking shorts and they sh- throw him out the window and he blows up and you know, I kept as a kid, I was like, you can't kill Wolfman like that. How is he going to come back? How is he going to come back? And when he fucking came back together, I was just like, oh, my God. I still remember my reaction when I was a kid. I couldn't fucking believe it. I was like, you you got to kill him with the silver bullet. You can't you, you can't shove dynamite in his fucking shorts and blow him up. He just he just comes back. I was, the way I, they filmed that resurrection was so awesome. Yes. How you just see his shadow, shadow. on oh. the brick wall rise oh. up and then the howl. <laughs> so it's good. Like, oh, he's on the move again. And the movie, it gets into like, it gets into the fucking family drama too with like the dad and the mom having like this whole fucking like they might be going through a divorce thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. there's yeah. so much in the writing of this movie too that is just so well done. Dude. I love it. Dude, that scene early in the film where the mom and dad are fighting. And like this just goes to show how young I was when I was first watching this movie over and over again. When they're fighting and the dad says, I'm a cop, you knew that, you know, you knew that was part of the package when you got it or something like that. I was young enough to think that, oh, she must have got him the cop package for Christmas and that's how he's a cop. (laughs) I had no idea what any of that meant. I didn't know it was a metaphor. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's the things that you think. Yeah, it's the things that you think when you're a kid, and then you watch something later, and it's got a completely different meaning. I was fucking gobsmacked by what the uh, Finn man had to go through, like the actual actor. Like, I, it was really cool to see every oh, different aspect yeah. of production and just how long he had to be in that suit. Oh, yeah. That suit was like, it was, it, it wasn't in pieces. Like, it was molded onto his body. Did they say like 14 hour shifts that he spent in that thing? It, it was something fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's just like, like a, little slits that you could see through and a little slit to breathe through. Talking about how he's like pretty much claustrophobic, you know, and has to remind himself that this is a suit. Yeah, that that was crazy. It, this movie did a really good job of just covering every aspect of their production. Yeah. I thought for you know, for being still under 2 hours, it really covered a ton of ground. Yeah. Yeah. I I I love this so much. Wolfman's got nards. It's on VOD. This is an absolute Tupperware. I Yeah, tup, Tupperware for me as well. This was like yeah. the best of the best DVD special features kind of. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely worth, it's definitely worth the rental, and I'll be honest with you, I should have bought this one. I should have bought this one. I wanted to watch it again today, after I, I watched did, The Monsters Club. I did buy this one. Did yeah, you? I did too. Yeah, after watching it, I was like, I looked, and it was eight bucks, and I was like, eh, eight bucks, here you go. Oh, man, so fucking good. It's a tremendous fucking documentary. Steve, have you ever seen The Monster Squad? Uh, when I was very young and not in many years. Yeah, you need to watch it again. You need to watch it again. I'm telling it you. It sounds like, like it. Just listening to you guys talk about it, it sounds super fucking interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just even the fact that they got fucking, I, and this is straight off of like uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, they got um, Jason Hervey to play EJ. You know, from the, from the Wonder Years? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I mean, wh- that kid... Such a he was such a great child actor, such a great child actor. Always played a great dickhead. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. I, I felt really bad for the um, the director. What was his name? Fred Decker. Decker. Fred Decker. Yeah, yeah, I mean that. It's crazy to go that long and like think that this thing killed your career to the complete one eighty that happened. And he almost seemed resentful of it. It was very fascinating, like his attitude towards the movie and its popularity in the last 10 years. Well, I mean, that's a really fascinating aspect of the stock. I mean, you got to blame and they talk about the marketing. They talk about that fucked up poster, you know, I mean, and they talk about how this was marketed. Like if they would have just held on to this another year, this could have been a completely different kind of we we might not be getting this documentary. This might have been a huge movie if they would have been able to like market this as like from the guy who brought you Lethal Weapon. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was interesting too. Like they filmed this before that, but it still came out like just weeks after, right? Was it three weeks after Lethal Weapon or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that was bizarre. And I just thought it was really cool how they got their inspiration from Abbott and Costello be Frankenstein too. And they brought up something that I'd always noticed as a kid where the monsters in that movie had better special effects than in the actual Universal Monster movies, at least the later ones. And that was something I always thought was crazy as a kid mm-hmm. too, that why does this comedy movie have the better monster effects than the actual monster movies? Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah this is yeah, two still, hours just flew by. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I was gonna say I still say this is one of the best Wolfman's we've seen live action. Oh, oh, hands down, hands down. Agree. I totally agree with you. 
I love this Wolfman. And the the actor that played Wolfman was uh fucking uh, Uncle Rico in uh, Napoleon Dynamite. He was Laszlo in uh, Real Genius. Yes, he was Laszlo in Real Genius. I oh, love shit. that's hilarious, dude. I fucking love that actor. I fucking love. I, I I love that part in Napoleon Dynamite where he fucking where he where he fucking he takes that steak and he fucking throws it at Napoleon. Was it was it and hits him? Do you know what I'm talking about? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Literally, I've nobody ever never watched all of Napoleon Dynamite. Oh my god! Yeah, I, can't, I can't stand oh, Napoleon Dynamite. I, I seen, didn't make it past the first 15 minutes. I've seen it a couple times. Here's the thing with Napoleon Dynamite: I don't like watching it all the way through. I used to work in an electronics department with TVs, and they would play this movie on the TV. So it would be on all the TVs. I can watch it in clips. If I watch it in clips, I love it. I, if I watch it all the way through, it's just kind of like mind numbing, but just like certain clips, if I can Bite watch this size morsels. Yeah, exactly. It's true. It's true though. Um, I watched this like a 10 part mini series. <laughs> hey, real quick. Where did you watch monster squad streaming? Cause I almost bought it too, but it was still like 20 bucks. Showtime. Okay. It's on Showtime. So I have Showtime as an add-on on my Hulu subscription. I have it as an I, add-on as Apple, so good stuff. Yeah, I bought it on Vudu for pretty cheap. It wasn't $20. Yeah, it was $19.99, at least as of yesterday. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking I paid closer to like 14 or 15 for an HDX digital. I went to, uh, I went to the theater yesterday. I watched two movies at the theater yesterday. I'll get into both movies, but the first one I want to talk about is I watched, uh, the animated movie, uh, Wolf Walkers. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, here's, I'll give the synopsis. In a time of superstition and magic, a young apprentice hunter, Robin Goodfellow, journeys to Ireland with her father to wipe out the last wolf pack. While exploring the forbidden lands outside the city walls, Robin befriends a free-spirited girl, Meb McTire, McTeer, a member of a mysterious tribe rumored to transform into wolves by night. As they search for Meb's missing mother, Robin uncovers a secret that draws her further into the enchanted world of the wolf walkers and risks, risks turning her into the very thing her father is tasked to destroy. Uh, this is an animated fantasy adventure film. It's directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. And uh, this is in theaters for three days, so they're doing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's from G Kids, but this, it's an Apple original film from Cartoon Saloon, and it's going to be available to Apple TV Plus subscribers on December 11th. So if you have Apple TV Plus, you're going to be able to watch this December 11th on Apple TV Plus. I wanted to see this number one because I'm I saw the trailer, I thought it looked thought the animation looked gorgeous. And I wanted to see it on the big screen. And um, I am so glad that I did. This is this is an incredible movie. I I loved this so much. It's it's a they're not werewolves. It's a completely different take on turning into a wolf. So basically, when this girl, this young wolf walker, when she goes to sleep, she turns into a wolf. She's Basically, her body is still there sleeping, but um, kind of like this spirit animal comes up and and it turns into a wolf and she turns into a wolf and she can go out in a wolf body and um, and and live the uh, the night as a wolf 
and the 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 castle um it's the uh, the lord protector oliver um cromwell is like um uh trying to rid the forest of of these wolves these wolves have been attacking people as they're trying to cut down the forest and the reason that they're cutting they're they're cutting down the forest and they're expanding their kingdom and they're taking wood and they're using the wood and things like that and the wolves they don't want them to like basically destroy the forest and and get closer to their to their secret den and so the wolves fight back when they're trying to cut down the forest but uh lord the lord protector is like you know wants to basically wipe out all these wolves um this young girl her father played by um Sean Bean is the guy he's tasked with killing all these wolves so he's the hunter that's going to go out there and the little girl loves her dad her mom died loves her dad wants to be like her dad she's got like her little you know crossbow and she wants to go out there and help her dad she stumbles across this girl who's a wolf walker and um they become they be, they do become friends and uh and um she ends up getting bit by the girl and that's what turns you into a wolf walker and the animation in this is fucking gorgeous the acting is superb i i loved this fucking movie i don't want to spoil it for people but um when this comes out december 11th on apple tv plus i highly recommend watching this one i think kids are going to love this movie i think kids this is going to be one of those movies that if you if you're a kid and you watch it it might be one of those movies that stick with you for like the rest of your life. It's just that good of a movie. It reminds me of, of a, of a Ghibli movie, but just not with that, you know, um, Miyazaki like animation style. It's a completely different style. Sometimes it looks very crude and raw and other times it's very polished. Um, it's, but it's charming. It's a charming fucking animation style. I really liked it quite a bit i love it. it's an absolute tupperware i'm so glad i got to see it on the big screen but it's wolf walkers and yeah joe you got to watch this jake i think you'd love it steve you, you might even like you might even enjoy this one i don't know but um i don't know what you how you uh enjoy animated movies but man this is a, it's a fantastic movie I, yeah, I it totally sounds like a studio movie. ghibli Sorry, Steve. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. No, I was just saying I do enjoy animated movies. Yeah, it's very. It, it did remind me of like a Studio Ghibli type movie, just without that. Uh, I don't know. Without some of the weird sex just shit. Thematically. <laughs> thematically, yeah. Like you know, like the, the destroying the forest and stuff like that. We've seen that mm-hmm. in you know Ghibli movies before. Yeah, sounds cool. December 11th on Apple TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I'm so I, man. I'm so glad I saw this on the big screen. It's so good. It's so good. Some about animation like that on the big screen is just second to none. Like I really love animated movies, especially hand drawn stuff on yeah. a on a big screen theater. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Joe. I think I think your boys would like this one. Yeah, I'll have to watch for that one. It, who else is in it besides Sean Bean? Man, I don't know, dude. It's like I'm not familiar with these actors. Um, Honor Nefsi, Eva Whitaker, Simon McBurney, Maria Doyle Kennedy. I, I'm not familiar with any of them. Okay. Yeah, I've right heard on. of a one. So, yeah, Sean Bean's in this one. Um, it's, it's really, really good. It's really good watching. Uh, 
the villain is great. You hate this guy. You hate him so much. Um, I fell in love with the whole concept of like going to sleep, turning into a wolf. Um, you know, girl becomes a wolf for the first time and you could see like, her enjoying being a wolf. And, um, and then the, the young, the young girl who was, who was, you know, um, Meb, who is the, uh, the original wolf walker girl, just the look of the character and how she's, you know, like even, um, she's kind of like got, uh, um, kind of like dirt on her nose to make her nose when she's a human girl. She's got like this kind of like dirt or like a charcoal on her nose to make her nose kind of look, look more like a wolf. And I don't know. I, I just thought this was a great great animated movie so do you guys want to take a break and then we'll come back and do some more good pop bad pop yeah sure. definitely all right yeah right back. works for me hi i sound like morgan freeman i bet most of you do some online shopping with amazon it's just so easy i myself logged in today to buy adult diapers no I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway... The whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we are back. We've got more good pop, bad pop. We've got a fucked on more good pop, bad pop. <laughs> got a, yeah, a lot of it. Watch Jungle Land. Uh, this is um, uh, premiering at home. They're saying it's premiering at home. I, this actually uh, dropped in theaters, uh, limited release on November 6th. And um, it stars Charlie Hunnam, Jack O'Connell, Jonathan Majors, and Jessica Barden. When a devastating loss in the ring leaves brothers Lion and Stan in debt to a local crime boss, they must risk it all in a bare-knuckle boxing tournament as they fight for a better life. Buy or rent the gritty action drama Jungle Land today on digital and demand. Also in select theaters. Yeah, they, they, yeah there we go. They, it's rated R. It's directed by Max Winkler and written by Theodore B. Bressman, David Branson Smith, and Winkler. And I've I've actually got four digital copies of Jungle Land that are available. So if you want to get uh, if you want to see Jungle Land with Charlie Hunnam, uh, same rules as before. Just title your email Jungle Land, and I'll name the winners next week on this one. But I want to know what I know. Jake and Joe, you guys watch this. I want to know what you thought about it. Joe, let's start with you. Uh, what did you think about Jungle Land? I thought that this was a really, really compelling movie. And I thought the performances in it were really, really good. Um, I think that the the description that they give is a little bit inaccurate. It, it makes it sound like there's much more of a focus on this bare-knuckle boxing tournament. Right. When in, in reality, we just get a, a taste of it. 
at the end. Um, I would give this movie a Tupperware, but it also falls under the category of, of really, really good, well-done movies that I'm totally okay with just watching once. Because overall, like, there's, you know, we, we get to see some victories for our protagonists in this, but they're really kind of small in comparison to, like, the major bummers that happen as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the, this was... This was a good movie. It was a really good story. Excellent performances, but um, just n- not my cup of tea on something with with rewatchability. Just because I don't really like to to watch things that that leave me feeling bummed out like that. But it, it doesn't take away at all from how well done I, I feel like the movie was. Otherwise, I get. I yeah. Why would you want to watch something that bums you out? You know what I mean? Over and over again. It's like I'm not watching my fucking my wedding video. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, like for me, like it, it took one one description of Manchester by the Sea to be like, oh, that movie sounds great. Not for me. What, I, I have no motivation to ever watch it. Yeah. But I recognize from many credible sources that it's a really good. Movie. It's a fucking great movie. It's a fucking great movie. I, you know, and I can separate. You know, I can separate the artist from like uh, the movie sometimes. I know uh, Casey Affleck isn't. You know, in great standing with people right now. But Michelle Williams had a great performance in that fucking movie. I thought it's great. This movie, I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, but, and you guys may disagree with me on this. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to give the, the performance of Charlie Hunnam here a Tupperware. I think that I've never watched Sons of Anarchy, so I couldn't tell you what his performance is like there. Um, I did watch him in a fucking comedy, a show that I enjoyed him in. I can't remember the name of that one but anyway i thought he was fucking great in this i i'm gonna give charlie hunnam a tupperware you guys might disagree with me but i thought he was fantastic in this fucking movie um no he was great i mean he really nailed that character yeah of you know this older brother who really cares but i mean he's also just like a real (laughs) he's he's problematic he's a shitbag yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit self-absorbed as well. Very self-absorbed, and, and and using his brother in a lot of ways. His brother's a very talented fighter, and um, basically makes his brother feel like he's reliant upon him when it's the other way around. <laughs> so, and then they get mixed up with this young girl that they have to take from. Um, oh, where, I can't remember where they start off and where they have to go, but they got basically got to go kind of almost car- cross country to. They, don't they have to go to like Reno or something like that? Yeah, they have to San drop Francisco. Her off Reno. Yeah, they're ultimately going to San Francisco. That's mm. where the Jungle Land tournament is. Yeah, but I, I can't remember where it started at. I was thinking it might have been Chicago. Yeah, the, the, you've got Jonathan Majors, who's like kind of like a, uh, I guess, a crime boss, and then he's like, you got to deliver this girl to like another kind of crime boss and we really don't know what they have intended for this girl um we don't know her intentions what she means to this other guy that's all kind of explained when you watch the movie and you're right joe this movie doesn't really deal a lot with like the bare knuckle boxing uh aspect of it you do get to see some fights but uh it's really a lot of uh the drama between uh the three characters here, especially the the two brothers. Jake, what did you think about uh, Jungle Land? It was a high taste for me. Um, I echo a lot of what you guys are saying. Um, I think, honestly, to make it a Tupperware would have been to give me a little bit more drama in that final fight. I was kind of disappointed with all the buildup for it to have it basically just kind of see the end of it. 
And, well, and then the fighter that he faced was, you know what I mean? We, we didn't really get anything with the the fighter that he faced. Like that's one of the big things that I love about uh, movies like, you know, Rocky or uh, Warrior. I love the movie Warrior. I don't have anybody seen Warrior. I have not seen Warrior. I have. Yeah, me neither. <gasps> it's one of those ones on my list. I've heard it's just a fantastic Tom Hardy. Oh my god, Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, so good in that fucking movie. Nick Nolte is amazing. It's very, very good. It's so good. I cry every fucking time. I, I'm telling you, I cry every fucking time. You will be, you will go full snot watching this fucking movie, Warrior. <laughs> full snot. I'm telling you, you're crying. You got <laughs> snot coming out of your goddamn nose. It's an, it's an insane experience. It is fucking. Oh my God. When Nick Nolte, oh, that, when he's in, oh God, when he's in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my, Steve. Yeah. Warrior. Gets oh, it, Jesus it, Christ. It grabs on and doesn't let go. Yeah. This is the, the same direct, I can't remember the director's name, but the director for Warrior is the same guy that directed the, the way back with, uh, Ben Affleck, the basketball movie that came out early this year. Uh, before, uh, before mm. COVID hit. And that's a great fucking movie. Affleck is fucking on. Oh my, he's on fire, that fucking movie. The Way Back is great. You know what? I was looking at how many movies I watched before COVID hit. I, I went through my AMC A list app and these are just on the AMC A list app. You guys have a guess as to how many movies I watched before COVID hit from January to like mid March? <clears throat> 25. I'm going to say 34. I'll split the difference and go 28. 20, uh, Steve, I think you hit it right on the head. I watched actually 23 different movies, but I watched, uh, Birds of Prey three times. So I watched, I was in the theater 25 times. Damn. Before COVID hit. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Some people aren't even, some people aren't going to see 25 movies all fucking year or, or in a year where there's no COVID. Yeah, that's true. Very <laughs> I used to work at a movie theater where they everybody prided themselves on how many movies they saw in a year. Yeah, yeah. That's what I love about the the, the AMC app, the the Movie Pass app, because you can go back and look at the history. Like I looked at my Movie Pass app, and like within like I, I can't remember how many movies it was in like one year, but I watched like 140 or something. In Damn. One, yeah, <laughs> I know. Damn, the highest number I ever saw anybody calculate was 117 so 140 blows that over <laughs> yeah i watched the fucked out of movies on movie pass because i could Holy watch shit. one every day yeah. yeah yeah that's that's convenient yeah yeah uh, so jungle land i i do think um this is this is worth worth a watch you guys would you guys would agree yeah even without the focus of the fighting i still liked it a lot i still liked the chemistry between the three characters i was very involved in the mystery of what was going on with sky and what they needed her for yeah and just who she was and i was very caught up in all of that drama and yeah this is well worth a watch i do agree with joe that it kind of falls into that category where once you've seen it you may never need to see it again but it's still well worth that one-time watch. Yeah, yeah, Jungle Land. You guys, uh, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, enter the contest. Enter all three contests. Try to win one of these fucking movies. I'm telling you, not not. There's not a ton of people entering these things, so there's, you got a good chance of fucking getting these movies. So definitely enter this one, Jungle Land. I'll give it a high taste. It. Joe Tupper wears it. Jake gives it a high taste. It. It's a very good, very good movie. Um, I I don't know if you guys have been watching this. 
I'd be interested to hear if you guys watched this and how much you know about it. I know you all know about this. It came out in the news. But I watched all four episodes of uh, Seduced Inside the Nexium Cult on Stars. Oh, wow. The Allison Mack stuff, huh? Yeah, it's Allison Mack and, and, and that whole story. Allison Mack from Star, Star, uh, Smallville. She played, uh, when she played Chloe, was that her character's name? Chloe? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I, I love, I love Smallville when it was on. But, um, have you guys watched any of, like, and I know there's HBO's The Vow, which I've actually, I've started that. I'm four episodes into The Vow on HBO. I am going to be finishing that. But have, have any, has anybody on the podcast watched either The Vow or any of this docu-series on stars? No. Um, Guys, you gotta, I'm telling you, this is fucking insane. This whole story is just in fucking sane. Um, I seduced inside the Nexium cult follows India Oxenberg's abuse and her own, uh, culpability inside the Nexium cult, an organization marketed as a self-help group. And, um, Indy Oxenberg, she's the daughter of Catherine Oxenberg, uh, who was a uh, star on the TV show Dallas. And Nexium really kind of targeted people that they thought were going to – they didn't target people that were kind of like, um, I guess, down on their luck or or not accomplished. They went – they wanted to get people that had a lot of promise, go-getters, and they – they wanted to get people that that were good at recruiting, and it was this whole kind of like um, way to uh, control your mind, control how you feel, and uh, with science. It, this guy uh, Keith Raniere had basically, you know, um, mapped out the mind and how you can how you can control your emotions and not let your emotions control you and like unlock your mind and. Um, Come to find out, like, the deeper you got into this, there was this subgroup called DOS, and it was these women that they were basically kind of um, um, using as as uh, sex slaves for Keith Raniere, and they were branding these women with his initials, and... This is like something that just didn't happen right away. This was after years of brainwashing. These people in these groups would go through this process of a, of an EM, which is the exploration of meaning, where it was like, you know, like, what's holding you back? Do you have a bad memory about this? Are you afraid of heights? Well, let's explore the meaning of why you're afraid of heights. And they take you back to a moment where you were first afraid of heights and then get you over that. And like for some of these people, they're talking about it and how it's like life changing. Well, this India Oxenberg, she was 19 when she joined. She was there for like eight years and it goes over like how she was brainwashed and how she was brought into this and how, you know, I mean, how that they would keep you exhausted. You were constantly doing things and they would keep you exhausted. They, they got they got to the point where they had so much control over her that she was counting calories and and um, then there were text messages where she's texting Allison Mack that Allison Mack was her master and she was her slave. It went a completely different direction. But for some people they're just they're just they're doing their EMs, they're doing but there's this whole other group that were basically being um, kind of like uh, 
uh, brainwashed and um, I can't think of the word that I'm wanting to use here, but they were being um, uh, just, they were, Keith Raniere was kind of like using them as sex slaves. And if they had a problem with anything that was going on, that was like their emotions controlling them. So they, you guys got to watch this shit. It's fucking, it's unreal what was going on here and the amount of like people with influence that they were getting involved into this program and how evil Allison Mack was. Like I put this up here with like, you know, I know she was brainwashed and what she did was, was like, she probably, she would have never done any of this had she not been brainwashed and, and gone through some of this stuff uh, herself. But like, you look at like the Manson murders and stuff like that. Like, you can't excuse the like the, those those women for the murders just because they were brainwashed. And Allison Mack did some fucking evil shit when she was part of this group. It's crazy. She's such a goody two shoes character on Smallville too that mm. it's always kind of mind blowing that that's what happened to the actor. You get to see fucking pictures of these text messages that she's sending. Like you get to see screenshots of these text messages. Like they would, they would, like she would have to call, India would have to call her master. She would have to basically take a picture of the food she was about to eat. And she's like, can I take, can I, uh, can I eat these 92 calories? Yes or no. And there was like, there was like these, they would have these check-ins where like, if you did not text immediately back to them, you would have to, um, give penance and the penance would start off as like, you know, you have to like, you know, wake up at three in the morning and, and stare and look at a wall for 10 minutes. And then it just got, the penance got worse. And then they would have this thing called collateral where in order for them to be a part of this group, they had to give up, they had to give them collateral so that they knew that they would not expose the secrets of this group. And collateral could be like nude photos of themselves. Collateral could be, um, videos that they make, making stuff up stuff that's not even real like oh my mother used to beat me or my husband beat me or you know all these things they would make these videos and if they ever left the group or if they exposed secrets and stuff like that the collateral could be used against them they had to show their loyalty and like this keith ranieri guy was just a fucking fraud and they talked about like how he was uh um you know, Guinness Book of World Records had him as like what uh, he passed the uh, an IQ test, one of the highest you know scores on an IQ test ever. Well, come to find out, his IQ test it was only in the 1989 Guinness Book of World Records that was published in Australia. He's not published in any other <laughs> Guinness Book of World, and that might have been just like a mistake. That might have been a mistake. They should have, and it sounds like they retr- they've retracted it because he never showed up in any other edition of Guinness other than that one. But they, man, they fucking used that, and they would use their power and their influence. They had like the the heiresses of the Seagram's fortune, Seagram's uh, alcohol fortune, like funding this whole thing. And man, you guys got to watch this. You got, I, and I honestly, I know a lot of people watch The Vow first. I think I personally, I'm glad I watched Seduced Inside the Nexium Cult. It's four episodes. I'm glad I watched that first. I think I got a better understanding of everything that went on in this through the four episodes because The Vow is spread out so much more. And I think I'm understanding The Vow a little bit better 
having watched Seduced first. So I Tupperware both of these so far, and uh, I can't wait to finish it. It's fucking insane. Allison Mack, evil, evil. Like, you know, Michael Rosenbaum played Lex Luthor, but she is fucking Lex Luthor in real life. It's fucking insane. This is a fucking insane docuseries. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check that out. That that story fascinated me when it was kind of all over the media, and it's kind of faded away, it seems, lately. Well, Keith so Ranieri... They're got, all like a, they're all waiting their sentences, I think, at this point, right? Keith got his. Keith got sentenced. Okay. Yeah, 120 years. Mm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, yes. Dude, oh, cults yeah. are scary. But when, when, totally. when you can, like, trigger people's, you know, like, religious... You know, they hit that religious button on people and steer it in a way that gets people to do stuff against their own self-interest. It just gets really, really frightening to me. Like, I remember getting really freaked out about watching that Going Clear documentary that was on HBO. Oh, I never watched so, it. That was with the the King of Queens lady? Uh, no, she she did uh, some other stuff. Th- this one was was not that. This one is, is based on a, a, a book. I think of somebody that had been in it. Um, so it's different from the. Oh, is this Nexium? Is it still Nexium? Uh, no, no, this, this was the, the going clear one was, was a Scientology. Scientology. Yeah. 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 But, but just, yeah, these, these sorts of things in general are, are pretty fascinating. I mean, they're scary, but, but they are fascinating. Is the, uh, the vow one that's also about the Nexium? It is. It's, uh, the vow. Okay. And I think it's nine episodes. Um, it's been completed. I don't know if there's going to be a second season, but I know it's on HBO and I would, yeah, definitely watch that one as well. Um, but man, I, I'm glad that I watched the stars one first. It's only four episodes, about an hour a piece. And I think I got a better understanding, um, of like how Nexium worked. And so as I'm watching the vow on HBO, uh, and they're, you know, they're leading up to like Allison Mack and like her involvement in all this. Like, I think I have a better understanding of everything. So yeah, it's fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts, dude. It's, <laughs> they were branding women. They were pinning women down and branding them with, uh, uh, fucking, it's like a cauterizing pen or something. Yeah. And you could smell like burning flesh and shit like that. And they would tell these women that it was like, it had to deal with the four elements. And they was like, oh, you know, like the mountains and here's the, here's the air and they, so the earth and you got the, the air and then the water. But when you flipped it, when you flipped this, it was fucking Keith Ranieri's initials. Ugh. Yeah, this guy was a piece of shit. Huge piece of shit. That's sick. Tremors, Shrieker Island. <laughs> now, when I when I what said when I sent yeah when I sent you guys a list of movies, I listed this as Tremors Shriekers Resort. <laughs> you did, and I apologize. It's not, that sounds like a docu series about a Nexium cult right there, Shriekers Resort. Shriekers Resort, but <laughs> yeah, it was I yeah it's a uh, Tremors Shrieker Island. This is a. I don't know how, how many besides the first one. How many fucking Tremors movies have you guys watched? I've never seen any except the first one. This is my only one. I, I'd previously seen the first two. I think I've seen. 
the, I've seen the first two and I may have seen part of the third one, but it's not like I watched, I just couldn't, I think after the first one, I just really couldn't get into it anymore. It just became something completely, it's the same, but it's something different. And Michael Gross has kind of like been like the, um, the face of the, of the franchise since he even did like the, 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 the one season that they did of that TV series. And I'm not talking about the one where Kevin Bacon came back and they filmed the pilot. There was a Tremors TV series and my like sci-fi channel, right? Some, yeah, yeah. Well, sci-fi channel tried to, they tried to bring it back with Kevin Bacon and they filmed a pilot. And that didn't get picked up. I don't know what if the Tremors sound. I bet the Tremors TV series, like the one that they did one season, I bet that was on Sci-Fi. I, I just don't know. It could have been on. Who knows? It could have been on fucking Spike Network, Jake. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good, good as place as any for it. What, 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 what does Spike Network have? What are the, uh, Spike? Does it even exist anymore? No, it turned into. It, it went to. It turned into like a GQ network, and now I don't know what the fuck it is. But Did didn't it they, pop? wasn't it pop just like fight? fucking like bar rescue all day? And like cops 24-7. Bar rescue cops and then like fucking one of those tattoo shows where they, where somebody got a fucked up tattoo and they're trying to get it removed. Or they're oh, trying Spike to get it. Paramount Network is what became of Spike. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, it became, it, it was actually GQ Network after all. Or a met, yeah, some, I don't know. And then it became Paramount. Yeah. I didn't realize those were all related. That's wild. When a group of hunters genetically modify graboid eggs, they face it. We're not going to talk about this one long. They face an all out war against the larger, terrifyingly intelligent graboids and the swiftly multiplying shriekers. This one stars Michael Gross and, uh, John Heater from Napoleon Dynamite. Talked about him earlier. Um, I don't know. Joe. Steve, you guys watched this one. What'd you, what'd you think about Shrieker Island? This is like a total Jurassic Park ripoff. (laughs) Like the whole time watching this, I'm like, this is just a ripoff of Jurassic Park 2. Like a little bit of extra stuff thrown in. I I felt like the longer this movie went on, the more ridiculous it got. Um, I was really interested to hear what you thought of it just because it reminded me of Jurassic Park so much. I am such a big fan of that. So. <laughs> oh, well, you're such a big fan of that, you fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those are your words. But, um, but, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, your, it was, it was your condescending tone. <laughs> I mean, what does it for you? It's definitely it there. Do, do, we, do we need dinosaurs? <laughs> is, is it just the island that does it for you? These are the oh, things man. that went through my head watching this movie because I definitely wasn't entertained by the plot. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I yeah. What do you think, Steve? Um. So, like, I I started watching it and I was like, all right, I've never watched one of these movies. I know I've seen like I've seen them advertised as being shown on Comedy Central throughout my childhood. Never watched any of them. So like, I, I'm going to give this a chance to see what it what's up. Like, I've watched Sharknado. Like, you know. It's it's got to be right in that realm I sort of expected, but it, it it took itself I guess a little bit more seriously and like I don't know I I kind of wanted to be into it but then there kept on being like just 
flaws in the movie that kept taking me out of it. And then like I, the, I didn't necessarily relate it to Jurassic Park, but I couldn't help but think that like Jake would love the amount of slow motion used in the movie. No, oh, no. Yeah, there's a lot of it. And I, I don't know. It just, it was, it's, it's, it's a B movie. It's, it's, it's nothing that you're gonna like, like talk to your buddies about. Like, dude, you gotta check this fucking movie out. It's so good. Like, if you are, then you got, Really low expectations. Oh my god, you gotta find some new friends, cause you're hanging out with some fucking idiots. I, the, the people I hang out with don't watch any movies. I moved away from all my friends and nobody watches any movies anymore, and so like, I have to Skype call them on, in my spare time to talk about movies, my friends back home. That's sad, Steve, you're making me cry over here. No, no, it's fine. I, know, I, I had to hit mute for my sobs. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, <laughs> It was a career choice, and I don't regret it. Oh, man. I think – I don't even know if we're talking about Tremors anymore. I think we just need no. to fucking yeah. – need to focus. Yeah, I don't know how we got onto this, but, yeah, Tremors <laughs> is like a low taste it for me. <laughs> uh, I'll give it a taste it. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. It was fun and stupid. It, it definitely is like – it's like a Sharknado fucking movie. It's just fun and stupid. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to talk about it too much. Joe, what'd you, what'd you think? What's your rating? I gave it a low taste it. Ah, you um, it, it wasn't a toss it for me because I've definitely seen movies that were just way worse than this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, like effects wise and everything, it, it wasn't terrible. Um, I don't really, I mean, this, if you count them out, this is Tremors 7. And so I, I really don't know what happened in three, four, five, and six. Oh, they gave you a montage uh, at the end. Yeah. How (laughs) fucking weird was that, dude? (laughs) At the end? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. Mm. It's like a greatest hits reel. It's weird. And not just from this movie, a greatest hits reel from one through seven. Oh my God. I can't believe, yeah, this Tremors franchise. I don't know, man. I might need to go back and watch them all. <laughs> watch every single one of these. Uh, how did we get here? How did we get here? Well, the first like, one's so fucking good. The, oh, I love the, it. The, the little greatest hits reel. I really liked seeing the, the real, like, real, like, use of real props and everything and not everything being CGI. And it's like, because they use so much CGI in the movie, you could really tell, like, where their budget ate up a lot of that in terms of other areas of the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Let's talk. Let's move on. Let's talk about <laughs> Let's talk about Auntie Donna's Big Ol' House of Fun on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> uh, I, there's six episodes of this. I watched all six. <laughs> Same. I watched the first two. I watched the first three. In their new sketch series, Auntie Donna's Big Ol' House of Fun takes viewers along for an absurdist adventure through their everyday lives. This one stars Mark Samuel Bonanno, Broden Kelly, and Zachary Ruan. Zachary Ruan. You remember when Russell Brand and Katy Perry were dating? Yes. Zach looks like what their fucking kid would have looked like. (laughs) That's hilarious. Doesn't he? Not wrong. 
<laughs> not wrong. Oh my god. This is just so, this is some of the weirdest fucking comedy I've ever seen. It's like <laughs> it's like Tim and Eric meets Monty Python. It's so fucking weird. A little bit of the state thrown in too with the music, I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But a lot of guest stars in this. I mean, the first episode, we got Anthony Starr from fucking The Boys, you know, Homelander. Uh, We got Ed Helms as Egg Helms in the second episode. (laughs) Um, Scott Ackerman from uh, Comedy Bang Bang shows up. Weird Al shows up. Um, yeah, I fucking, I, within two days, I fucking knocked this out. Joe, what did you think about Auntie Donna's big old house of fun? Yeah, um, like, the way the first episode starts with the song, I was like, I'm dying inside. At least this is only 20 minutes long. But before that little song, that first sketch was over, I was laughing my ass off going, holy shit, they got me. And that happened in almost every single episode. At one point or another, not every joke hit right. for me, yeah. but enough of them hit. And it, and they were so fucking out there where you're just watching and you're like, what the fuck is – this sketch doesn't even work on paper and it barely <laughs> works on film. And then all of a sudden the, the punchline hits and it's like, holy shit. Um, a personal favorite, the second episode with that fucking coffee, the morning brown song. Oh my god, yes. And then it yes. like turns into like a Lonely Island song being like they need the coffee because they're up all night fucking and fucking and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and how they fucked in the different ways. It was so stupid but so fucking funny like no shit i watched all six of the episodes in a row and then i watched jungle land and was super bummed out and was like what am i gonna do now i watched the first two episodes of auntie donna's again and it popped me right back into the right groove so yeah this this fucking show is great man um after my first watch through i was like okay that's a high taste it but then after watching those the the next two episodes again on rewatch. I enjoyed them so much more on rewatch that this might end up being a Tupperware for me in the future. I no, it, like this takes a moment to get used to. Like you have to like get your find your bearings on this show because yes, because it's so different. It is so different. There is really nothing. Kind of, I guess, like the closest thing I can say that's kind of like it is maybe like a Tim and Eric is the closest I can even think of that's that's like this. is like a Tim and Eric kind of comedy. But it, they, they even take that to another fucking level. It's so bizarre. Um, what did uh, Jake, I want to know what you thought. Yeah, I love this. This was my favorite thing I watched. It's an absolute <laughs> Tupperware for me. Um, I'm in Joe's camp, too. When this started and that drum song started... I think I said out loud, this is the dumbest shit I've ever fucking watched. (laughs) (laughs) And then by the time that song was over, I was completely won over. And I mean, oh, there was so much to to laugh about here. Um, One sketch that really killed me in the first episode was the uh, friend that went low res. It absolutely reminded (laughs) me of starting an episode of Pop Culture Leftovers and having one of our guests not coming in very clear. And us just being like, okay, it's fine. (laughs) <laughs> you mean like this episode it's every episode it's every episode <laughs> don't don't flatter yourself yeah oh, damn. Um, <laughs> but oh yeah this was just absolutely hilarious the, the washing machine bit it just had me fucking rolling um <laughs> the interviewing all the different 
new roommates was fucking hilarious. I by the end of the first episode, I was just completely won over by the comedy they were doing here. And I, I agree with Joe. It's one of those things where I bet if I went back and watched that drum song again, I would already be laughing almost before I was supposed to be laughing. Like, it feels like something that just gets funnier every time you watch it. Yeah, you have to find your bearings with this. Like, it's like you don't know. Like, your brain can't process what you're fucking seeing and hearing when you first start watching this. Yeah, and I don't think I knew it was going to be for mature audiences right away either. And so that was kind of like a left hook that I wasn't expecting. Like, it, it's like this super, like, almost childish song that just all of a sudden they're talking about like coming and shit. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> Joe, what did you, it starts out and it sounds like the wiggles, which yes. is like, you know, like an Australian, like little kids singing group. Joe, what did you think about? Remember when the guy did like the whole, like, um, the home run thing, like you knocked it out of the park. That was a home run. And he like started rounding the bases and then the umpire, says that he wasn't safe or something. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Oh my God. Okay. Fuck it. Fuck it. You, and, and then they, he, he, and he ends up like going it. Oh God. I can't, I don't even know how to describe it. The show's so, so fucking weird, but like he ends up like <laughs> pretending that he's a couple fucking. <laughs> you don't remember this at all. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, I binged it. And so it's like, it's not fully, all, all of it's not fully cemented. They talked about mind. how like, I, like they hit a, like, I remember one of the scenes, they hit a home run. It was like, they, they hit a home run. And so the guy starts acting out like hitting a home run and he's like rounding the bases. And as he's uh-huh. rounding the bases, like he goes, he goes to home and he pretends that he's the umpire and that the umpire calls that he wasn't that, you know, that, that it wasn't. Well, that's where they're complimenting their clothes, right? Yes. Where they're going back and forth. Yes, yes. Then I know exactly which part you're talking about. And he goes through the whole thing. He goes through the whole thing, making out, and then like hardcore making out, and then fucking. And he, well, he's like yelling at the umpire about how he was safe, and the umpire calls him out, and then he gets in the car, drives home, and starts talking to like his significant other. And explaining the home run story. And then they start making out and then they start fucking. I'm like, what is going yes. on? This is so weird. It's really Ernst too. I mean, he really goes for it, you know? Oh, this show is so fucking weird. I love it. I, I give it a Tupperware as well. Um, Steve, what do you think? You watched three episodes? Yeah, I watched three episodes of it. I, I, three episodes in, it's definitely a Tupperware. I cannot wait to go finish it. Um, it was, it was one of those things where I was like, all right, I'm sitting there with my girlfriend. I'm like, look, we, I gotta watch this. So we're going to watch at least two episodes and we'll just if, see how it goes from there. And within, within five minutes, we were both in tears laughing on the first episode. Um, I really liked the, the thought bubble skit that uh, they were all the posters and everything that led into the thought bubble thing. I thought that was fucking hilarious. And then the, uh, the Ellen DeGeneres one, the fact that the, the, yeah, the, the guy with the beard and even the little logo, like even the little lower third logo on the screen was like him with the beard as with the Ellen hair and everything. I just, the show is just, and, and you're right. Like you really have to find your bearings with it because it's, 
it's so fast paced that you have to you you can't like be not paying attention. Yeah, like you ha- you have to fo- follow along with what's going on because like it's it's all building up. And it, for me, it was I mean I don't know how many skits are in each episode, but I gotta say that at least four of those skits out of each episode, I was just brought to tears laughing because it's. It's just that damn funny. Dude, the fucking, I, the dishwasher voiced by Kristen Shaw. <laughs> yeah, the, the dishwasher, which, when they, when they throw it out at the curb, you fucker. <laughs> I really love the, uh, Wi-Fi network name sketch. Oh yeah. yeah yes. It's great. Eventually fucking Jerry Seinfeld shows up and not Jerry Seinfeld, obviously, but uh, that, that was, was that Dopinder? Yeah, it was. It was Dupinder from fucking Deadpool. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. He's playing Jerry Seinfeld, pretty fly for a Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't watched this, you have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. And honestly, there is really no way to describe this show other than watching it. Comedy is subjective, and there are going to be people that watch this on our recommendation that are like, I don't get it, and this is the dumbest shit I've ever fucking seen. And I will understand <laughs> why you feel that way, but for me, it just fucking – after a while, it's like the fucking um, – it, it, it's, it's, like, it's like Stockholm Syndrome. It's like <laughs> – I, yeah, I don't even think it took that long to become hilarious either. I, I felt like I think within five minutes, if you hate this show, you should probably just run away. I, dude, I wasn't sold a hundred percent on the first episode. I had to keep watching because I I love comedy. I love comedy, and I want you know I, but but there were moments in that first episode that I absolutely loved. I don't think it was. I just had to keep watching before I fucking finally got it. You know, it's it's so bizarre. I, I was due. So I was good. due for a new sketch comedy. This was definitely much, much needed in my life. Yeah, only six episodes. I want more. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. that's why I'm, I'm taking it slow. Uh, did you guys go to uh, Ed Helms's fucking Twitter? He changed his, that on Twitter. He changed his name to Egg Helms. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, the Liberator on Netflix. Uh, Joe, Steve, I know you guys did. Steve, how many episodes did you watch of The Liberator? I finished this series. This was one that I sat down and I started it late last night and I got two and a half episodes or so through it. And then this morning I picked it right back up and watched it the rest of the way through. I can't wait to hear your reaction. I've only watched the first episode, maybe 10 minutes of the second episode. Um Joe, I know you watched the first episode as well. On July 10th, 1943, a unit from Oklahoma composed of Native Americans, Mexican Americans, and Dust Bowl cowboys, most of whom couldn't drink together in the same bars back home, landed in Sicily and endured a brutal 500-day trek through Nazi-occupied Europe. This is the story of those men, a group of soldiers known as the Thunderbirds. And uh, I'm not familiar with a lot of actors that were involved in this. Um, except for Bradley James, he played Arthur on the show Merlin, which I, he's kind of like the budget Chris Evans. Hmm. I can see that. But, um, Joe, what did you think about, uh, the liberator? 
Well, I watched the trailer for this before I just hit play on the first episode, and I was really excited to hear Mike Rowe's voice on it. I was a big fan of Mike Rowe going all the way back to like the Dirty Jobs days. Oh God, I and, love Dirty Jobs. Yeah, right. Yeah, he does a <laughs> pod. He does brilliant. a podcast, doesn't he? Yeah. Yep, I've, I've yep. never Mike listened Rose, to it. He's just got a, a perfect voice for doing what he does. He also narrated a whole bunch of one of my favorite shows ever, which is a, a docu-series called How the Universe Works. And so there's lots of episodes of that where he's narrating stuff about black holes. And you, you got a good voice too, Joe. You know that? Well, thank you. No, I appreciate I, that. I mean, I'm no Mike Rowe, but I'll, I'll take those props. Ah, fuck Mike Rowe. You, you got a better voice than Mike Rowe. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Rowe, you know he actually started out as an opera singer at one time. Now, did you wow. ever did you ever watch Mike Rowe when he did the QVC? He did home shopping. No, but I'm pretty sure that you've told me about that before. I did. I Maybe told you about like it. In, yeah, I yeah, told you about and, and I know I've looked it up before. I think it was like after we recorded the number one comic books maybe when we were just doing like off mic talking on that yeah um but yeah yeah he's doing stuff on qvc with that if you've never um, seen mike rowe talking about a lava lamp on home shopping network it is the <laughs> fucking most hilarious thing you've ever seen it's awesome fucking watch it on youtube it's so funny uh but um yeah so with just based off the trailer like i thought this was going to be a docuseries um and not like an actual dramatization. And and then when it started, just the style of it, like my first thought was, this looks fucking weird. Like it, it looks like like somebody like playing around with Photoshop filters. You know? It's, yeah, yeah. It's, they make it, it look – was it, weird looking. It's uh, – it, it, it looks like they take like live action but then they animate it. So it almost looks like – it almost looks like rotoscope animation, right? Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a weird choice they did doing it stylistically like that. But just based on that first episode, like it was really really compelling first episode, and and it it, it made me definitely want to go back and watch more. Uh, I think it's only four episodes; they're each around fifty minutes long, if I'm remembering. Yeah, yeah. My yeah, biggest. So, I mean, it's definitely on my agenda to go back and finish this because that first episode was was great. I mean, I'd give it a, a high tasted off the first episode. I'll give it a tasted off the first episode. I, I really want to hear what Steve has to say about this because he finished it, and uh, I'll give it a taste. I love the fact that they're talking about like you know these uh, uh, Native Americans, these Mexican Americans, and and these cowboys, these Texans, fucking coming together and being like this. Um, this group that that fought against the Nazis, I think that that's fucking. It's based on true, you know, true events, and I think it's fucking pretty incredible. But like, I, you know, when we first meet them and they're in like they're in Company J, and we find out that they're in the jail, that they don't get along together. I think that it kind of breezed through, like the captain getting them to like be to to be cohesive. I was expecting a lot more, kind of like you know, conflict between the different men in, in this group. And they seem to come together pretty quickly. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. I, I guess, I, I, I guess what I'm saying, yeah, I don't know. Because uh, the, 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 the moment where you see them sort of like in the beginning when it, it, that's like a flashback that goes back to before they were, before um 
the the main character Sparks is even injured. Yeah. Um, once he's injured, they sort of flash back to how he banded them together. And at the point that you're at in the story, they're already like well, well beyond that. And they're like a well tight knit family at this point. Right. Because they're, you know, when they do the flashback, it's two years prior. So they've had two years of, you know, fighting, fighting war with one another. Side by side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, when you think about that a band of brothers, you know, if you've watched that on HBO, yes. you know, like, yeah, like they're brothers. They, they fought side by side and. I don't know. I felt like they came together a little bit too quickly, in my opinion. Um, there should have been eh, more I, there. I feel like it, it, what they try to do is tell more of like the overarching story of what they did in the, in the war, because like of it being like the true story and the fact that they spent 500 days in battle, which was more than like if when you watch the whole series, you get like a, a better idea of what like like somebody that's been in the military say 40 years how many days of battle they fought mm. in comparison to what these guys fought in two years what'd you think of that i, I wanted you i, I want to know what you thought about this steve so i um I, I i i know this has gotten sort of like it's gotten sort of mixed reviews from what i've seen i give this a tupperware i wow i thought it was so like well done uh, of a story that it was like because it it it's not – it is and it isn't like your traditional sort of war story. Um, I thought it did a really, really good job of um, just sort of showing – like basically like showing you like what these guys back then went through because it, it, it definitely plays very heavy into like the horrors of war and not necessarily like – in in like the themes of it, but just in the in the characters, like you see it in them as the story is moving on. It's not like it's not like Saving Private Ryan where there's not. I mean, the, the, there's no nothing like majorly psychological going down with any of the characters in that. But you get to see hints of that with the guys in this, which I think is important to a story like that. But one of the like the really like the, obviously the most notable like novelty factor, I guess you could call it of the of this series is the um the way it's presented as an animated series so um it's a new technology that's called trioscoping i uh i had to look into it before i came on because i knew i needed to have some sort of like explanation of where the show is headed being what i'm into um so they have you guys ever heard or seen the movie waking life it's like early two thousands, I think two thousand one. Was Ethan Keanu Hawk Reeves in that cameo in it? Was Keanu Reeves in it? Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. No, no, I don't. Okay, so th- that movie was a movie where they they filmed all the actors like for real, and then they would do like a sort of animated overlay, and that's what they do here, where they film real actors with like real props but it's all on blue screen and then they digitally lay over like the that that um like graphic novel sort of look because i thought it looked more like a comic book on screen than everything and i i liked how like you could it feels the animation felt a little bit uh close to um into the spider-verse uh it which is sort of it's choppiness i guess to it but I um I really, really liked the high like intensity detail of it and like how they made sure that like it one hundred percent of the time looked like 
like a, a, a comic book and the story it takes you on, I guess in that factor, it's sort of like locked me in a little more. Um, but I think though, like telling you this story about these, this group of guys that I wouldn't have otherwise really known about. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's cool to hear and knowing that it's like a true story and being, it, being able to see that it's, it's made and they're being immortalized in like a, a unique way and not just your typical war movie way because it is presented to you as like a moving comic book. I need to finish this then. I need to finish this then. I, I really liked it a lot. I really, really did. When it came, when it came down to the end of it and finding out everything that happens, it just sort of like blew me away. Like, cause it's very much in the time that it was in. Cause like they talk about like the racial inequalities and how like, he couldn't have a beer in the, in another bar with one of his one of his um, soldiers um, back home. Like that kind of thing is like you sort of forget about that sometimes, and mm. like you have to remind yourself when you're watching this that yeah, this is based in a time where you know there is that racial inequality, and like I think the show does a good job of you know letting you like not i guess forget about it but like showing you that they're there is just as equal as you like you you lose that like thought of racial inequality until it gets brought back up in the story yeah i mean i i, I think this is important i mean you know i mean we all know about the tuskegee airmen we've all you know what i mean mm-hmm. who fought in world war Two. you know the black pilots and I, you know i mean for, I know the movie was <laughs> people didn't like it, but I actually enjoyed a lot of Red Tails, the George Lucas film. I saw it in the theater. Uh, I think that you know, I and I enjoy anything that deals with the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, I actually Champaign, Illinois, is the birthplace of the Tuskegee Airmen. Jake, I didn't know if you knew that though. Did we lose I Jake? Did not. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I think that this is just like, you know, we all know about the Tuskegee Airmen, but we don't, I, I've never heard of this group. Native Americans, Mexican Americans. I never heard of yeah, this group. Yeah, they're, um, what did it say that they were called? Oh, I forget what, what exactly they were nicknamed. Yeah, they all came from Jake, uh, Thunderbirds. Yeah, there you go. Thunderbirds. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to finish this one. I gave it a taste that, I was nitpicky, but I got yeah, no, I, gotta finish I, I it. definitely watch it all the way through. It's a little bit of a slow burn, but I think overall the story definitely it it serves its purpose in 2020. All right, yeah, that's called uh, it's called the Liberator. It's on uh, Netflix. Liberator doesn't Liberator sound like the name of a fucking like vibrator? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I at the. Uh, <laughs> When I was 18, I went into my first porn store and I saw something called Gravy Train and I never went back. <laughs> oh, man. What, 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 what did the Gravy Train do? Uh, I don't know. I just, it was, uh, yeah, it was right next to the anal invader and I'm like, nope, that's all I need. Oh, I'm shit. done here. Oh, shit. The anal invader. Oh, well, that's a classic. <laughs> that was a <laughs> Yeah, many good memories. Um, kidding. I, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> is it really an invader when you invite it in though? Oh, it's not. It's not. It's a little not. bit of role play there, Joe. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with just a finger in there. Nothing wrong. Anything more than a finger. 
Yeah, all right, guys. <laughs> I was wondering how that sentence was going to end. <laughs> I can't relate. Oh, man. One little bit of a finger, not five fingers. No, no, not five fingers, not a full fist. <laughs> We're not going fucking uh, Kit Fisto with it. It's a Star the Wars. character. No, that was Star Wars, Kit Fisto. No, I was talking about a different character, Fisto. Oh, Fisto from He-Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bend over and take it, Prince Adam. <laughs> That's hot. Liberator. Ah, uh, the Libya Raider. <laughs> the Labia Raider, excuse me. <laughs> now that it sounds like Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost. <laughs> Orgasm. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, I was thinking th- throw mama from the gravy train. Oh yeah. <laughs> gravy train. Raiders of the Lost Orgasm sounds like pirate porn. Orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> lost Orgasm. <laughs> uh, Moonbase 8, Jake. This is on Showtime. We watch. How many episodes did you- I finished it? I just watched the first. Jesus Christ, Jake. You're you're one episode and done. That's Jake. One episode and done. Yeah. I, something has to really fucking... I, I want to watch as much as possible, so I, I, if I have more time, I go back. I get it. I get it. I get it. Fred Armisen, Tim Heidecker, and John C. Riley star in this new comedy series as three astronauts trying to qualify for their first lunar mission. They encounter obstacles along the way, including loneliness, self-doubt, and incompetence. The series is created by Jonathan Crystal and Tim Heidecker and um, produced by Absolutely Productions and A24. Um, Jake, what did you think about, uh, the first episode of Moonbase 8? It was okay. I, I liked it more than Space Force, which felt like an easy thing to compare it to. But I still didn't absolutely love it. It was like a middle of the road taste it for me. There was definitely some parts that made me laugh. I thought the actors had good chemistry. Um, I thought the, the football player who I'd never heard of was actually quite funny yeah. in the episode. Yeah. If anything, he kind of stole the episode for me. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever watch any more of this. I didn't hate it, but it, it wasn't, it didn't really grab me in any way whatsoever. Uh, it's a high taste for me. Um, I, I love Fred Armisen. I'm a huge fan of Tim Heidecker and I love John C. Riley. Um, of course, Tim Heidecker and John C. Riley worked together before on, um, you know, Tim and Eric's awesome show. And then they, you know, um, check it out with Dr. Steve Brule. Tim Heidecker would uh, cameo on that. But, um, I, I like the blend of these three comedians. And, um, it's, it, yeah, I mean, these guys, <laughs> they're just, they're wanting to go up into outer space. They, they've got like this, um, they're out in the desert and they have like their own, uh, uh kind of like, a uh, space, uh, what would you call it, Jake? It's like assimilation, like yeah. they're trying to, yeah, you know, pretend basically what it would be like to yeah. make sure they could actually handle it in, on, on the moon. There's an episode where like, <laughs> they, they had moved the base, they'd moved it to a different location, they picked it up and they moved it to a completely different location because like, there's kind of like this, homeless guy that hangs out at the base and he tells them to that their feng shui is all off and that they need to move it so john c Riley is like the captain like moves the whole base 
And once they've moved it, these cowboys showed up and they're like, you've got to, you guys got to move this base or something because we got a stampede that's going to come through here. Uh, we got a herd of cows that's going to come through here and they're going to destroy your fucking base. And so there's this whole episode where they're trying to divert these cows from like this destroying their base. And they've got like this whole plan to like divert these cows around their fucking base. Um, and it was very, I could tell it was very like written much by, uh, by, by Tim Heidecker. It was a very Tim Heidecker episode. I'm going to give it a high taste. I enjoyed it. I, I, I knocked out the whole thing, but this is, again, this is not going to be for everybody. Comedy subjective. And I don't know, this might not be for, I, I, I can guarantee some people are going to just watch this and be like, like Jake, you're like, you watched the first episode and you're kind of like, I'm out. But yeah, I didn't hate it. Yeah. I, it definitely made me giggle here and there, but yeah, I, it wasn't like slap my knees funny. Well, it, it comes from Jonathan Crystal, who, who did Baskets, which I'm a big fan of Baskets. I love, you know, uh, Zach Galifianakis in that show. He also did Portlandia with Fred Armisen. I'm a huge fan of Portlandia. So like, I think this humor hits a little bit more for me. So yeah, I could see that. Uh, I, I I've got, uh, I've got, three more things that I want to talk about and I'll talk about them real quick. And I know Joe, Joe, don't you, you have something that you want to talk about. Let's get into what you got. What do you got, Joe? Yeah, I read, uh, the last Ronin, which is a new teenage mutant Ninja Turtles comic, uh, arc that just dropped recently. Uh, this is written by Kevin Eastman, Peter Lear, Tom Waltz, uh, art by Kevin Eastman, Esau Escorza and Isaac Escorza. Uh, publisher is IDW. Uh, this was a book that I'd really been looking forward to coming out. Uh, it, it's a place that, or it takes place in the future of the TMNT storyline. Uh, and the way that this story starts out, there's just one turtle left and, and the book carries on. You don't know which turtle it is until the very last page. Is it Raphael? Um, I'm guessing it's Raphael. Do you, do you really want me to spoil it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, people can find it online, but I mean. <laughs> no, you don't have to spoil it. Okay. I was like, I'll tell you if you want, or I'll tell you. I'll I bet you it's um, Raphael. All right, go ahead. Sorry. I bet it's Michelangelo. <laughs> Okay, okay, see, so, so now we got some guesses going. Steve, what, what do you think? Uh, I'm gonna go with Donatello. Right. Um, yeah. I, that's like, do I tell you? Do I not tell you? Are one of us I'm right? Just, I'm just gonna Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so as to not spoil it for, for any, you know, diehard fans that are out there. Um, but, um, yeah, this book's great. It, it it takes place futuristically in the timeline there, and we just got one turtle that's seemingly going on a suicide mission to to break into Shredder's grandson's fortress and take him out. And the the plan does not go well, and he he ends up kind of back down in the sewers. And there's this really poignant scene where where he's kind of talking and he's like basically apologized for failing. And, and that's when you find out that, that all of his brothers were killed. And this mission that he was on was one of revenge. He was going to go and, and get revenge for his fallen brothers. And there's this really poignant scene where he's laying out 
you know, each of their weapons and he pulls out a bag and unzips it and he's got all of their original face masks in it and he lays them all out on top. So what weapons did he pull out? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout the issue, you see him using all of them, which is cool because you see him pull out a sigh and so you're like, oh, it's Raphael. And then you're like, well, no, no, he's got a bow staff sticking off of one shoulder. He's got a katana off another shoulder and oh, he just pulled out nunchucks out of out of another pocket and so he's using all the weapons oh my god he, and he's just wearing a black face mask so you can't see who he is but he's having all these conversations with these yeah where the the speech bubbles are just disappearing off panel or every once in a while you'll see the three other turtles and they're just in shadows in the background so it's like as he's carrying on you know he still has his brothers with him you know in a way and he's still talking with them and like hearing them like they're there but he is all by himself and and the mission doesn't go well. He he gets away, you know, barely with his life and decides that he's going to, you know, he failed. So he's going to kill himself and, and take the honorable way out for his family and then passes out before he's able to do it. And he wakes up in a hospital bed and there's a aged April O'Neil there. And she's got like a big scar down her face. And I mean, she looks like she's been through the ringer herself and you know, right before she walked in, he, he had been having this conversation with his brothers and he was in like this heaven type place. And so then April actually says, well, who were you talking to? And then calls him by name. And so it's not until the very last panel of the last page of the book that you find out which turtle it was. And as far as number ones go, this was a fantastic number one issue. Uh, if you have any love of the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle franchise is definitely a book you're going to want to pick up. Um, the, the bigger thing that I wanted to talk to you and get y'all's opinion on is the fact that this book, this number one issue has 71 variant covers. Fuck that. Oh which, God. which I thought was egregiously stupid. And, and Brian, we talked about this a little yeah. bit, you know, it, yeah, uh, on Messenger already. But I mean, just... 71 variant covers. What the fuck, right? It's bullshit. It's bullshit, and some of them are harder to get, I'm sure. You've got probably a black and white cover, and you've got every other fucking cover under the sun. It's 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 a way to just – it really fucks with collectors. And if you're a completionist, yeah. if you're a completist, and you've got to get every fucking cover, I mean, I, I this makes – this kind of shit makes me sick. It makes me, I can't stand these variant fucking covers. I think maybe one variant cover is fine. Um, but like even going to like the comic book shop, you can't pick up some of these variant covers for the $3.99 or $4.99 or whatever the fuck it is. They'll pull these variant covers and then they'll put them in, uh, you know, they'll, they'll bag and board them and then they'll put them at a different price. And now you gotta buy it for 15 bucks or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, or you gotta do, you gotta complete, you gotta find it on eBay or whatever the hell. I, I think it's bullshit. It's 71 is ridiculous. And I, you know, like Walking Dead 100 did this. I mean, so many books are doing this with these, with these variant covers. And I just think it's, I mean, I, I just think it's just a cash grab and it's just bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it, always been bullshit. Marvel did it all the time too. Like they on purpose would have variant covers for their issue number two because they were having such a drop off from issue number one to issue number two. So they would force the half the audience that stayed yeah. to buy two covers so they would still get the same sales for issue two. It's just kind of a real dastardly like 
way to go about things. Oh, I get suckered into this shit. I used to buy the die cut covers. I used to buy the fucking lenticular covers. I used to buy all of them. You know, yeah, me too. Me too. I got now suckered it's just in. If one of my favorite artists does it, yeah, then you got me. I picked up a Superman variant cover once because it was done by Fiona Staples. You know, yep, nice. But uh, I'm, I, God damn it, it's just a, it's a way to prey on your on your on your collectors, and um, I think it's dragging comic books down. All these variant covers. Joe, do you read the current IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book? No, I pretty much only dip in for, like, I've read all the Batman TMNT ones. Those have been really, really great. And then this one, just the 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 hook for this story is what really grabbed me. But in terms of just reading, like, the the regular run of, of TMNT through IDW, I haven't read any of them. I have. I have. And I fucking, I was, it's, it was fun. The I love the neutrino stuff that they went through in that series. Yeah, it looks like it's gotten really dark. I, I was, once I read the Ronin spoilers, I was kind of reading an overview of the actual main comic. And I guess in issue 44, which came out three weeks ago, you care about giant spoilers from the Ninja Turtles comic? I'm okay. Fucking Donatello gets killed by Rocksteady. Hmm. Oh, wow. yeah. Yep, I did read that in an article about this as well. It gets his shell broken. Yeah, I, I'm actually reading the dark. panels, and it's dark. Whoa, does he fucking do a – does he do like a Bane Batman back break or some shit? Yeah, kind of. He doesn't like pick him up. He just like smashes him, like smashes his skull with his horn, basically. Wow. But yeah, and all the other turtles and fucking Splinter and Mecha Turtle are standing around Donatello's dead body. And it, they say it's legit. Like, that's canon in Ninja Turtles right now in the comic book. Hmm. I, yeah, I haven't read it probably since like 2013. But what I did read, I fucking really enjoyed. I thought it was really good. Yeah. It sounds cool. And I guess this Ronin series is actually like in the future of this comic. So spoiler, it's not Donatello that lives. (laughs) (laughs) Classic Jake. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Han dies. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Hey, you have a 33% chance now to be spoiled. So it's not a complete spoiler. Oh man, the, the last Ronin. Check it out. Yeah, that sounds really fucking good. Out? Is it just one issue? It's just one issue that's out so far. Okay. Uh, Joe, did I you know if it's going to be a mini or or if it's going to be ongoing? I'm assuming it's going to be a mini series, but yeah. Do you have sounds anything cool. else, Joe? Uh, I'd also read the new Donny Cates book that just came out. Which is super exciting. Um, I know I've talked about Donny Cates on here a lot, and with good reason, because in my opinion, he's one of the best comic book writers working today. Uh, it seems like everything that this dude writes ends up being massively entertaining. And uh, he's got a handful of independent comics that have had really good critical success. And uh, recently, he's been just knocking it out of the park. Um, writing comics for Marvel. He's done, he's working on Venom. He's writing Thor right yeah. now. He took a, taking over Thor from Jason Aaron. Talk about filling big shoes. Yeah. But the stuff that he's written so far, man, the first two story arcs have been really good. That fucking Jason Aaron, that fucking God bomb arc. Jesus yeah. Christ. 
That was so good. Yeah, that 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 first run that that uh, Jason Aaron started up, where he does that the God Butcher, God Butcher, arc, yeah. And it's, it's do you think it's you the, think that's really who, young Thor, the is modern that, day Thor, and then King Thor way in the future, all working together? It's yeah, fucking brilliant. Do you think that's who Christian Bale's playing in uh, Love and Thunder, God Butcher? Oh, that would be incredible casting. That's been the rumor, that man. That would be really good. That's been the rumor that he's playing God Butcher. It's been the That'd be a really good villain to just bring into the MCU because he's so strong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, oh, I got so much Marvel news this week. It's insane. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I was really excited to hear that Donnie Cates had a new book coming out that was actually going to be another independent title. It wasn't going to be another Marvel one. And, you know, I've loved all the Marvel stuff he's done. Um, but. You know, create our own stuff is really my favorite when it comes to oh, comics. Fucking redneck, this, redneckism is so good. Oh, redneck is incredible. Yeah, yeah, if you like vampire stories and you want to get into something that's a vampire story, oh, even if you're burnt out on vampire, even if you're burnt different direction, yes, yeah, because it, it's not like other vampire. It's stories. not. It's a, it's a vampire story that's different from anything you would have experienced in the genre. Yes, it's fucking great. So good and. I think I think Redneck's gone what like five or six trades now so far. I mean, so there's a lot of content out there. Yeah, highly so recommend good. to pick up at least the first volume of Redneck and check that out. Or God Country, if you've never read God, God Country, it's just, so good. It's a it's just a, a one and done trade paperback. I think it's seven or eight issues, and I mean God Country is a perfect comic book. It it has everything. It's got it's got action. It's got adventure. It's got crazy mystical things happening in it that it's like it's like it's like it's like 10 stores yeah (laughs) yeah it's totally (laughs) but at the end of god country it's gonna make you cry it's gonna make you cry it's gonna make you want to pick up the phone and call your dad (laughs) i mean it's 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 a great book and so to hear that donny cates is now going to be doing another independently owned book i wanted to get on that on the ground floor and so i was super stoked to pick up issue number one it's a book called crossover and he's doing it with uh, Jeff Shaw, which he uh, – Jeff Shaw also did the art for – I believe it was the Thanos Wins storyline that, that Donny Cates wrote as well as Cosmic Ghost Rider, ah. which were, are both super fun. And great <laughs> art. Cosmic Ghost Rider is super silly. Um, yeah. I, I, okay, I got to – if you've never heard of Cosmic Ghost Rider, you got to go pick up this book because it's just super silly. But it's also really fun. Cosmic Ghost Rider is a character from like way in the future of Marvel continuity that is Frank Castle. Yeah, Punisher. Who died. He, who died fighting Thanos. And then Mephisto brings him back as the spirit of vengeance. Only he comes back to a, wor- a an Earth that has nobody left alive on it because Thanos killed everybody. And so Frank Castle as Ghost Rider spends millions of years on Earth, totally goes crazy meets Galactus, becomes a herald of Galactus, and then subsequently loses to Thanos, but then becomes Thanos' right hand. And so now you've got Frank Castle, who's a spirit of vengeance, who's totally crazy, who has power cosmic, and is also imbued with the power of the Thanos' right hand, black right hand. So super OP, absolutely crazy character. And he goes through this really fun arc, in in Thanos wins, and then he gets his own story in in Cosmic Ghost Rider, in which um, he like basically he dies in Thanos wins, and Odin 
accepts him into Valhalla. Like, you know, hey, this isn't a gift that we give to many mortals. This is to show you how much, you know, we we are impressed with, with the life of a warrior that you've lived and you get this eternal rest. Well, Frank Castle wants to do nothing but get in bar fights and shit in Valhalla. And so Odin basically turns him back into Cosmic Ghost Rider and tells him he can go anywhere he wants. And he says, well, I'm going to go kill baby Thanos, baby Thanos. Sleep in his crib. <laughs> but when he gets there, he can't pull the trigger. And so then he decides, well, Thanos will grow up to be a good guy if I raise him. And so then he decides to kidnap baby Thanos and raise him. Yeah. So it's this fun kind of buddy story. Well, they do oh, like wow. the whole, like, it's like the whole, like, um, you know, the question of like, would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler? Yes. <laughs> and like, and now you see, you see like cosmic ghost rider fucking doing a Zach Galifianakis with like that, with that baby, you know, hanging out with that baby. He's got that baby strapped to him. Right. From the yeah, hangover. With the flaming chains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous like a baby bjorn (laughs) made out of the flaming chains it's so good you know but i mean like like i was saying like donny cates he can just tackle all these different stories and just make them pure fucking gold or he fucking he um, most recently we talked about how he fucking made uh thor a herald of galactus (laughs) yeah and how badass was that no shit yeah. Because it's already Thor that is now the All-Father. So you got Thor that is already super OP because he has the power of Thor and he has the power of the All-Father. And now he has the power of Cosmic as well on top of that. Yeah. And then as that, as that arc goes on, you find out way more that I, I, I don't even want to spoil because it's, it's so good. And, and actually the volume one of Donny Kate's Thor just came out. So, I mean, you can go and pick that up in trade paperback. And um, really awesome storyline with Thor and Galactus. Um, but yeah, to get back to, to a crossover that just came out, this is, it's like basically he says a summer superhero blockbuster happens in real life. We're just one morning in this town in Colorado, just this huge explosion happens and every single comic book character that you can think of is suddenly here in our world and they're all fighting in Colorado. And then uh, they start, you know, evacuating people out of the area and doing everything they can. And then this big, huge energy dome goes over all of Colorado and has all these superheroes trapped inside, still presumably fighting each other. Um, And so then there's a bit of a time jump and we're following this character that works in a comic book store and there's all these religious protesters outside. And so now it's like there's this religious fervor in the country of God hates masks. And so like anything that was superhero related and stuff, there's a whole bunch of people in the world that are really looking down on it because for some reason all these things came to real life and they came here and killed a bunch of people and it's it's still unknown what's going on and this this lady that's working in this comic shop and she really loves like all these comic characters of the past and it's something that, that you know she doesn't agree with the rest of the world the way it's going and you know her store is really really packed with people there's lots of people in there we see this guy in trying to sell comic books and and they won't buy them because it's like no these are these are government propaganda books that came out you know after the event and we only deal in comics that are pre-event and and so it's you know the level of world building that's in this first issue the way they're they're explaining the way the world reacted to this event is pretty interesting but then it really takes a turn where they think that there's somebody shoplifting in the store 
and they go and spin her around and pull her hood off her. And you remember in the old school comic books, like the old Archie books and stuff, when like the characters would have like dots on their skin? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was almost like a pointillism yeah, type it, art well, style. Well, if you watch the... That's the uh, way the character looks. The Spider-Man so into the Spider-Verse. The sort of freaks out because they're like, oh shit, this is, this is a fake. You know, this isn't a real person. What's she doing outside the dome? And then the story kind of spins out from there. And she, this, this little girl that's like this fake you know, girl that presumably came from a comic book and is now outside the dome says that she was moved outside the dome by a superhero that she can't name, but she can draw a picture of. And then on the last panel that is showing the characters looking at this picture and it's a cape with an S Superman. on the chest. And so it's like, you're like, holy shit, did this girl say that, that Superman was the one who got her outside the dome? Like, what is going to be going on here? And like the, the crowd outside, when they found out that there was, you know, someone from like a, a, you know, one of the fakes inside the store, they bomb it with a Molotov cocktail. So, I mean, just as this, this first issue ends, there's lots of chaos in the world and a lot more chaos just in the, um, the characters' lives that we're seeing in this first issue. So I'd imagine that this one is really going to hit the ground running in issue two. And, um, God, that's just one, one issue. Just came... That's one fucking issue. This was just one issue, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, and I admit my whiskey's catching up with me, so I am rambling a bit. <laughs> but yeah, this is just one issue so far, dude. Oh, and, my um, God. Yeah, I loved it. But I mean, I'm, I'm also biased. I, I love Donnie Cates, but, um, I think the reception on this one is has been pretty good so far, and I can't wait to see where he's going to go. Who's with the it. publisher? So far, Who's the publisher? Uh, it's Image. Image. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and and like so far, all of his creator creator own stuff has been really really good. So I you know I expect that this one will be. Uh, have you ever you read know, Tomahawk? A, another good one. Have you ever read Tomahawk? A, to- yeah, a Tomahawk. A Tomahawk. <laughs> I didn't like it. It's some weird shit. Yeah. But it's also it's. Isn't it, it wasn't a tomahawk. It was more something he was carrying on and it was based off stuff from like heavy metal magazine. Yeah, that makes or sense. Yeah. Cause I didn't think it was an original. Okay. That, that I, was doing. I, I thought yeah. it was stuff he was more carrying on. That makes sense. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I, I, I was one issue and done with the tomahawk. Yeah. I, I read all of it that was there. The art in it was damn weird, the, wasn't it? Yeah. The art was insane. I love the covers though. So that's what got me to buy it. But yeah. All right. I don't know. I've got three more things that I needed to talk about, and then we can wrap up. I'm going to fly through these, if that's okay with you guys, so we can get yeah. done with this yeah, fucking shit. I watched Freaky. This is out in theaters. Um, have you guys heard of Freaky? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slasher comedy film directed by Christopher Landon from a screenplay by Landon and Michael Kennedy and starring Vince Vaughn, Catherine Newton, Katie Finneran, Celeste O'Connor, and Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck, you'll remember him. He was Cameron Fry in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. This is a twist on Freaky Friday. After swapping bodies with a deranged serial killer, a young girl in high school discovers she has less than 24 hours before the change becomes permanent. Jason Blum 
serves as producer under his Blumhouse Productions banner. So this is a Blumhouse and, uh, it's a, it's a twist on Freaky Friday and you've got a killer here who, uh, become, he, he, uh, he uh, gets possession of this dagger, this mystical dagger, and when he stabs this girl to kill her, he's a serial killer that has haunted this town 20 years prior. When he stabs this girl uh, on the football field, or I think it's like outside of the school on the football field, when he stabs her with this dagger, they switch bodies. So it's like a Freaky Friday. And so now the serial, cur- serial killer is in the body of this 16, 17 year old girl. And this 16, 17 year old girl is now in the body of Vince Vaughn. Hilarity ensues. I love this fucking movie. Vince Vaughn is so good at playing this high school girl. And, uh, oh my God, there's scenes where like she is professing her love of this boy that she's like in school with. And it's Vince Vaughn. It's Vince Vaughn having this moment with this boy that she's in love with. (laughs) And, um, I, I give this movie an absolute Tupperware. This is, this is just a great kind of, um, uh, slasher movie with this freaky Friday twist of a serial killer. It's a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. I Tupperware freaky. Um, fantastic movie. Uh, this movie is going to be uh, on video on demand shortly. Uh, it's going to have a short lived uh, theatrical release here. It's one of these movies that's going to come out into theaters. And then I think I, by December, you should be able to rent this one. But I Tupperware Freaky, I thought it was really, really fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I watched Let Him Go in the theater. This is the new um, uh, Diane Lane, uh, Kevin Costner movie. And it takes place in uh, 1963 Montana, where George Blackledge and his wife Margaret, they live with their son and uh, his uh, spouse Lorna and uh, their newborn grandson, Jimmy. And uh, the son is killed when he is thrown from a horse. It breaks his neck. And then fast forward to three years later, his wife, his ex-wife, or his uh, widow, Lorna, marries Donnie Weeboy. And we find out that uh, Donnie Weeboy comes from, um, uh, where is, oh, God, where, where is he? I can't remember what state he's from. But he ends up moving back with his family, and his family is just like, um just super evil and um has a control over him and won't let the let uh, uh Kevin Costner and Diane Lane visit their grandson and and um and uh basically uh, a very controlling family and 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 um won't let the uh, the the husband that she's with now that Lorna's she's with an abusive husband won't let her out and um let the the grandparents be involved in the grandson's life and um it's based on a uh, 2013 novel by Larry Watson and um I I I like this quite a bit I thought it was really good I'm going to give it a high taste it let him go. This one's out in theaters now. And this, I think this will also be on video on demand really soon. You guys have probably seen the trailers for this one, right? I have not. Really? 
Mm-mm. I thought that, I thought everybody yeah. had seen the trailers for this. Have you seen it, Joe? I have not seen the trailers for this one what either. What the fuck? Okay. Right. Where do you see trailers these days? I guess just online. This was on. Well, I mean, they. they yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I remember seeing trailers for this. I think I remember seeing trailers for this one in the theaters before COVID even hit. Hmm. Okay. All right. Let him go. I'll give it a high taste. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I uh, finally, I want to, I want to fly through these. We got to get through this. I saw Jujitsu. Have you, you guys are familiar with Jujitsu, the new movie that came out? I've seen the posters for it and stuff. I'm yeah, t- I'm also blind on this one. Oh, Jesus, Steve, Nick Cage, nobody. Yeah. Nope, I'm sorry. It's a new Nick Cage movie. Okay. Oh, I thought everybody heard of Jiu-Jitsu. Um, Jake Barnes, a master Jiu-Jitsu fighter, refuses to face Brax, an indomitable alien creature. The future of humanity hangs in the balance. Injured and suffering from severe amnesia, Jake is captured by a military squad unequipped to fight the merciless intruder who has descended upon the planet. Jake is rescued by Wiley and, and an ancient order of jujitsu fighters who must help him recover his memory and regain his strength in order to band together and defeat Brax in an epic battle that will determine the fate of mankind. Uh, this is the new martial arts fantasy action film directed and co-written by Dimitri Legothesis, and it stars Elaine Moosey. He's from the uh, new Kickboxer films. Um, Kickboxer, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme. That franchise has not gone away. They're still making Kickboxer movies, and this is the new... Elaine Moosey is the face of the new Kickboxer movies. I've seen, like, the, the latest one he was in, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and I think... Oh God, who else was in it? Uh, the Mountain from Game of Thrones, and I think Mike Tyson was in it. I can't remember. It, I didn't, oh, wow. it wasn't great. Frank Grillo's also in this, Juju Chan. Tony Ja, Tony Ja from Ongbok and The Protector. Joe, I know you gotta know who Tony Ja is. Yeah, and when I saw his name on the poster, I got really excited. <laughs> yeah. Nicholas Cage is also in this. It's based on the 2017 comic book of the same name by Logothetis and Jim McGrath. Um, and I found that out today that it was based on the comic book because I kept wondering as I was watching this movie, the scene transitions were comic book panels. And I was like, why, why are they doing this choice to transition from scene to scene with these comic book panels? It's based on a comic book. That makes sense. I saw this in the theater. It was playing for one night only. This officially releases on video on demand on November 20th. And that's when I planned on watching it, but I saw that they were releasing it in the theater for one night so i had to see it because this movie looks fucking insane every six years this alien comes out of this portal and he fights nine jujitsu fighters that are chosen to fight him and if they refuse to fight him or whatever he fucking just kills everybody in his path until he destroys all nine of these jujitsu fighters and then he goes back into the portal and that's just how it works. And he does this every six years. And, um, the, let me just say this. I am going to give this a high taste. It, I really, it's a bad movie. It's a bad movie, but my God, is it, it's fun. It's a bad fun movie. The action and the martial arts are just, they're, it's fast paced. It's very hard hitting. They do this weird kind of like, POV 
kind of fighting style. Like if you've ever seen Hardcore Henry, that movie that came out, it goes into like Hardcore Henry territory with the POV. And you're watching Tony Jaa fight like you are the main character and you're watching Tony Jaa fight and you're fighting as well. And it goes into like this weird hardcore Henry kind of like POV shots. And at first it was super distracting, but like <laughs> I, I dug it after a while. I fucking dug it. Um, and the story is silly. Nick Cage was like, I found out Nick Cage was only involved in the first like five or six days of shooting. And it was a six week production. So he was only there for like five or six days. <laughs> but, uh, Nick Cage is, you know, he basically learned from Hoist Gracie, you know, jujitsu while they were filming this. And, uh, that was going to be one of the first things I was going to ask you is it's, they're calling it jujitsu and they're saying that this alien comes and has to fight all these champions. Is it like legit jujitsu? Are they rolling around on the ground or? Or because if you're seeing striking, and there, stuff, that's not jujitsu. There's a lot of striking, but there is. I, I there are moments of like ground and pound. You know what I mean? Like with with jujitsu, like later in the movie, it's not. But it's not. It's mostly like just martial arts. To be quite honest with you, it's not like yeah. it's not what you think of like you know Hoist Gracie Brazilian jujitsu. And because yeah, I remember when the Gracies first started dominating in the UFC. And people didn't understand what they were seeing. They were like, this shit's boring. Get them up off the ground. Yeah. It's like jujitsu is exciting. If, if you know what they're doing and what they're trying to do, it's pretty exciting. But I, I just didn't know how that would work cinematically. And this is one that I definitely want to see, especially after seeing the Tony Jaws. In it. Are you kidding oh, me? God. But, yeah. Tony Jaws. I, is I great. just was skeptical as, as to, are they calling this jujitsu? And really it's not much jujitsu. It's really not a lot of jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be my the name. Guess, sounds cool. Set- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's Horse Gracie pissed me off in UFC. I got to say, it's because the way they advertise the thing, where it's like all these different styles, and we'll find out which one is the best, and then the one that's the best is just hugging the guy while laying on the ground. I was like, fuck yeah, this. Yeah. Either choking them unconscious or like getting their arm or leg in a place where it's going to break, and so it makes them tap out. Dude, I found out the hard way that that I'm double jointed in a bunch of different uh, parts of my body when I took jujitsu, <laughs> and the instructor made my fingers on my left hand. He made my fingertips on my left hand touch my forearm on my left hand, and Holy then I didn't shit. make a fist for six months. <laughs> and so that's when I was like, "Oh, I can't do jujitsu anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I I did have a blast with this fucking movie though. I'm glad I got to see it in the theater. Um, I'll give it a high taste. I think the acting was pretty shit. Um, I think the guy, Elaine Moosey, who they fucking cast as like the main guy, I was pissed off that that they should have got Scott Atkins. I fucking love Scott Atkins. That's the guy they should have fucking cast. But, you know, I think he's a better actor and a better martial artist, but, um, I fucking, I dug this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it's stupid. It's stupid, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And Nick Cage is like at, at his cagiest in this. Like, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I, Dude, I'll be watching it about bees stream. and shit. <laughs> There's the, the alien is like when you're first introduced to the alien, he does like this camouflage thing and it's almost like straight out of the fucking predator movies. 
And, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I recommend this one, man. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm glad I got to see it in the theater. It's, uh, it's a bizarre fucking movie. And, uh, but I fucking, I fucking dug it quite a bit. It's, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. It's not going to be for everybody, but like, you know, it's weird. We talk about like, uh, we say that a lot and we talk about like movies and TV the same way that we talk about anal sex. Like it's not going to be for everybody, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> what is the movie that's for everybody? What is the movie? It's got to be a Tom Hanks film, right? Like big. Yeah. First thing that came to my mind was home alone. Ooh, that's a good one. Forrest mm-hmm. Gump. Mm, yeah, I, I, yeah, you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't like <laughs> Forrest Gump. Who doesn't like Forrest Gump? You know that fucking what was it? Zemeckis had to fight for the fucking. Uh, I, it was. I think it was Zemeckis had to fight for the uh, the running scene where he ran cross country. They, the studio just thought it was stupid. <laughs> this is too slow. Cut the movie down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they had to fight for that. Let's take a break and we'll come back and do news. That's all I got. Do you guys have anything for Go Pop, Pop, Pop? Are we done? Jesus Christ. I'm no, we're, we're done. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Let's, uh, yeah, jujitsu. Watch it. Watch it. I had, I had a lot of fun with jujitsu. I thought it was Tony Jaw's great. And, um, yeah, it's a silly, stupid fucking movie, but I had a lot of fun with it and I would watch it again. And I would definitely watch a sequel if they wanted to do a sequel. Nice. Jiu-Jitsu 2. Jiu-Jitsu 2. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, all right, we'll be right back. We've all heard of the Dollar Shave Club, and I'm excited to tell you that I just joined the club. I met an old man downtown who I believe was a consultant for Dollar Shave Club. For just one dollar, he led me up to the corner of Benton and Riverside and asked around for Rusty Razor Rick. And once he crept out from behind his office dumpster, I just handed Mr. Razor one dollar and let me tell you, this guy shaved everything. I am a hairless goddess. So anyways, I guess that's how you join the Dollar Shave Club. I asked him about a monthly subscription, but he assured me that there's really no need. You can just go up to his office. You just have to open and slam the dumpster lid, and that's going to wake up the raccoons that he uses as blankets. And then he's ready to roll. You just have to be alone. That is very important. Welcome to the club. All right. Hey, welcome back. It is now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers News. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right. Alan Ruck, we talk, I talked about him earlier. He was in Freaky. He played Cameron Fry and Ferris Bueller. Did you guys hear that he was, he had an interview with EW.com? Did you guys hear about him talking about fucking Ferris Bueller? No. No. Mm-hmm. He's 64 now. Here we go. Succession star recently visited People's TV's couch surfing for a deep dive into his past roles, including his mem- uh, memorable turn as the uh, character's uh, timid best friend in John Hughes' 1986 classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off starring Matthew Broderick. And the 64-year-old revealed his vision for a hilarious continuation of the film. Quote, there's always little rumors and different writers will come up to me at parties or awards and shows and say, 
I've got a great idea. And then you never hear anything more about it. Back in the day, John Hughes talked to Matthew briefly about maybe, maybe having Ferris go to college. I always thought that they should wait until Matthew and I are in our 70s. Cameron's in a nursing home and Ferris comes and breaks him out. That's the end of the quote. That would be really fun. Are you yeah, I love that idea. Really? Yeah. You guys want to see this? Yeah, I would definitely watch that. Yeah, because it's not a reboot. And it, it's like a sequel where it's almost done in real time. Because, <laughs> you know, they're getting to be the right age for well, it. Well, yeah, and even though he's 64 now, if they started filming this thing, they could definitely pass for 70, you know? Yeah. Oh, easily. I don't. Oh, God, I don't know. Ferris is so cool. I don't want to see old Ferris. <laughs> That's a valid point. Yeah, I don't I really know. Considered that angle of it. I don't want to see old Ferris. Oh God. Yeah, that could be kind of cringy. Him acting all cool at that age. <laughs> you imagine hobbling up onto a float. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I don't know. Throws out his hip trying to dance. Uh. <laughs> I'm just trying, like thinking of all these different scenes in that first movie. I mean, I mean, it's not all physical stuff though, because you know, like they had the scene like in the restaurant where that was a little bit more psychological, just kind of being, you know, brash. But it's just so sad. I mean, Cameron had a shit life when he was a fucking teenager. Now he's in a nursing home. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> well, yeah, but sad Ferris character. would show him such a great time. I, yeah, I, okay. I don't know. Oh, God. It just sounds, it sounds, oh, it sounds so sad. I bet Ferris has just had a great fucking life. You know? Fucking Ferris and his white privilege. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It just sounds so sad. <sighs> Poor Cameron. <laughs> I lost Joe and Steve there on that one. <laughs> A little. <laughs> I was still laughing. Like, I'm going down rabbit holes in my head being like, what the hell plot could you do with that with two old guys? <laughs> <laughs> Is Simone going to be in it again also? Was that her name? Huh. Wasn't that what it, I thought it was Simone, but I could be wrong. Mm, I don't remember what the sister's name was that we're talking about. Not the sister, the right. girl, the girlfriend. You yeah. Could, you could have it where it's like Ferris Bueller's day off and it's like he like escapes the nursing home for a day. Well, that's what the, that's, that's the whole fucking, that's what I said. Oh, Ferris oh, breaks him out. Shit. Where the fuck have you been? Welcome yeah, to the conversation. Yeah, oh, I do that. I, I think I do that every time that I come here. I say something that was already said. Wow. Sloan is the girlfriend's name. Yeah. Sloan. Yeah. Thanks for reiterating the whole fucking plot that he already fucking <laughs> talked about this. Yep. yep. Space case over here. Jesus Christ. Cameron's suffering to, from dementia. So is Steve. Jesus. <laughs> Let's break Steve out of the fucking old folks home. God. I need to. I don't know if I want to see this. It sounds sad to me. <laughs> it sounds sad as fuck. 
Poor Cameron. Guy can't catch a break. In a fucking nursing home. That's terrible. I feel sad. I feel sorry for old people in nursing homes. I don't want to see Cameron in a fucking nursing home. <laughs> Joe, you got any plot reworks that you've got? <laughs> no, no, I think I've kind of done them. Like, I could see a world where I saw a trailer for, for this story and it got me excited. But I can't picture the what that plot would be right now. <laughs> because there's, there's too much of what... Oh, breaking them out of an old folks home. I mean, yeah, yeah. Fuck. I, I think if it was handled correctly, it could be good. But but yeah, I, I think it's a, a pretty fine line they would have to walk. And, and you are messing with something where Ferris Bueller's Day Off is... It's a fantastic movie and it's, you know, it's, it's a testament to the, to that time that it came out in. And it was one of those, you know, first movies to where it's like, Oh, look, this is centering on kids being cool. And would it be worth doing that? But on the other hand, it's kind of an interesting idea. It's like, Oh, now the cast is super old. They didn't do a sequel immediately. And yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Ah, fuck that. We're getting a Coming to America 2. It's going to be trash. Oh, I got yes. mixed feelings about that, too. That movie's going to be trash. Calling it right now. It's going to be trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't argue that. I, I'll watch it, but I'm not too excited. And to, fucking, and to take a John Hughes movie like that? What do you guys think? Okay, they're doing, redoing another John Hughes movie. What do you think about doing the, the fucking planes, trains, and automobiles with uh, Kevin Hart? Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of that either. I that movie's just such a classic. I just feel like make another comedy. Why are you remaking that movie? Well, yeah, like uh, what was it? The Hustle with Anne Hathaway and uh, what's her fucking face? It was uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Who's the blonde girl? Comedian. She was in Cats. Are you sure? No, she was in Cats. Oh, from Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I'm forgetting her fucking name, too. I know who you're talking Rebel about. Wilson. Rebel Wilson. Go. It's like I already saw Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Why the fuck you got to do it again? <laughs> and all they're going to do is fucking relive the greatest hits of this fucking... They're going to end up on a fucking uh, parade float in this new one. They're just going to relive all the greatest moments from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I've already seen the fucking movie. I don't, you don't need to show me doing all the, the doing all this shit again in the <laughs> now. <laughs> What's he gonna, he's going to pick him up in his dad's car, drive him around. <laughs> what are they going to do? Fucking, uh, drive around on their rascals. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> Like, hand me your jitterbug. I need to make a phone call. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Using their flip phones. Oh, fuck this movie. I don't want to see this shit. <laughs> Sounds like crap. It does sound really sad. <laughs> and John Hughes is dead. This is like, he should be rolled. Both the John Hughes movies, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, get redone as well. Oh, no. Leave his shit alone. Just let John Hughes rest in peace. Stop trying to remake all his great movies. 
aren't they remaking Home Alone too? The second what? one? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, Jake. I got what you. I know what you. Mean. What they're doing Home Alone again? Now, what are you talking about? Yeah, I thought they were. I, they're doing like a couple of them. I, I thought Ryan Reynolds was involved in one called like Stoned Alone. Um, <laughs> Stoned Alone. Yeah, it sounds like a really, Seth really Rogen movie. That sounds like a Seth Rogen movie. I know. I'm looking it up. <laughs> A 20-something weed-growing loser who misses the plane for his holiday ski trip. If they did a Home Alone movie with me, it would just be like me masturbating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I would not want to see the slap the face scene. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Crusty. Comic Book Resources has an art, had an article titled Bloodshot Sequel in the Works with Vin Diesel Returning. Yes. Wow, that's shocking. Yeah, yeah, it is shocking. The cinematic adaptation of Bloodshot had the misfortune of opening just as theaters worldwide shut down in the face of the coronavirus. However, a sequel is still in the cards, released on March 13th. This is the last movie I saw in the theaters before like the coronavirus hit, Bloodshot. Um, but anyway, like they understand that this movie did not do great in the box office. Um, but they're still planning on doing a, uh, the film earned 33.48 million at the worldwide box office on a reported production budget of 45 million. Um, but they're still, they wanted to start this, uh, shared cinematic universe with the valiant characters, the comic book characters, bloodshot being one of them. And they're still talking about Joe, did you watch bloodshot? Yeah, yeah, dude. Bloodshot's fucking fantastic. I fucking love Bloodshot. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, it's so good. I fucking loved it, man. Oh my god, give me a sequel all day. Yeah, and and then give me a Shadow Man movie. Give me an Exo <gasps> Man of War movie. Yeah. Oh give god, us a Quantum and Woody movie. There's so many good Valiant characters out there. What yeah. happened to the Quantum yeah, and Woody you said shared universe? And I was like, really? Yeah. weren't they planning a Quantum and Woody TV series with Joel McHale being Woody? Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it, man. I mean, Valiant's got a really rich history going back, you know, uh, I mean, going back to the 90s. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. these characters have been around. So that first Bloodshot movie was really good. It was great. It was uh, great. It, it, it was pretty much beat to beat match the first um, uh, volume of the comic that I, that I had ever read for for that character. And you know that care that comic's been going on for a long time so there's lots of different directions that they can go with that character and I, Jeff Lemire did a run exciting. Jeff Lemire did a run recently I I read like the first couple issues it, but uh I I love the character I fucking love the character um and so yeah I I'm, I'm all I'm so down for a fucking sequel will it get a theatrical uh, theatrical release though would they do a theatrical release or would this be like a straight to video or would it be going straight to a uh, streaming service? Would they would they risk theatrical release again? I bet if the conditions were right, they would prefer a theatrical release, especially if the end game is um, a big shared universe with these Valiant characters. Oh, Guy Pierce was so good in that movie as a villain. Yes. yes. 
<laughs> I, I did not see Bloodshot, but I imagine by the way you guys describe it, it sounds a hell of a lot better than the uh, two songs that Vin Diesel recent, recently released. Do you guys hear oh, those? I have, not, I have not heard his songs. I know. Oh my them. god! Oh my! <laughs> They're pretty bad. <laughs> what genre of music? Uh pop. Uh, it's the genre that requires your voice to be auto-tuned. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely pop songs. That is too weird. I, I, I haven't even heard weird. of this. They're on Spotify. Just look up Vin Diesel on Spotify, and both of them will come up. They're pretty out there. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bloodshot 2. I would love Bloodshot 2. I fucking love the first movie. I, I mean, I would put it like... I thought that that movie was a lot better than the critics gave it, than the critics said. I mean, I I thought it was a lot smarter, too, than it should have been, to be honest with you. Like, the twist and all that shit. I agree with yeah, that. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, it should not have worked. I, I feel like it was like, um, like Venom should not have worked. And, and that movie worked for me. I don't know what you guys thought about it, but Venom worked for me, and this is the same thing. With Bloodshot. It should not have worked, and it, it was fun. It was just a fun fucking movie. Um, the Halo Showtime series has resumed, uh, resumed production. Um, Showtime has announced that the filming on the live-action series adaptation of the Halo video game series has resumed. Production was shut down for eight months due to the ongoing pandemic. Uh, now everyone, including lead star Pablo Schreiber as Master Chief, are back at work on the first season, 10-episode run series will deal with the epic 26th century conflict between humanity and an alien threat known as the Covenant. Halo will weave deeply drawn personal stories with action and, and uh, adventure uh, and a richly imagined vision of the future. This comes from Dark Horizons. Um, the series also stars Natasha McElhenney as both Dr. Catherine Halsey and Cortana. But guess what? That story's been updated because Natasha McElhenney is not playing Cortana now, IGN reports that Jen Taylor, who has lent her voice to the character in every main Halo game to date, will reprise the role for the TV series. Oh, that's cool. She's got to be happy about that. Uh, fans have to be happy about that. So she replaces yeah. she replaces Natasha McElhenney, uh, who, who would have played both Cortana and Dr. Catherine Halsey. And then the cast also, listen to this, cast also has, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but Bakeem Woodbine as Soren 066, uh, Shabana Azmi. I love Bakeem Woodbine. I fucking love Bakeem Woodbine. I think he's just a fantastic actor. I, I, I love fucking, he was great in Fargo. That's a, I think that's the first time I ever seen Bakeem Woodbine was in Fargo. And I was like, this guy is talented as shit. This guy is fucking amazing. Um, wasn't he the, wasn't he the first shocker? No, he was the second yeah. shocker. He, he was, was the second yeah, shocker. Yeah, he was the second shocker. Yeah, the first shocker was, uh, oh god, what was his name? The dude from Upgrade. From Upgrade, yeah. Tom Hardy Light. Tom Hardy, no. Dude, that guy, have you, you've seen up, dude, Upgrade, that motherfucker, that, Tom Hardy Light is, I'd say Tom Hardy Light is, maybe, Jai Courtney. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. I love, I fucking, I love that guy. I think he's great. I fucking upgrade was so good. Joe, did you see upgrade? 
Upgrade's one of those ones that I bought a while back when it was on sale, but I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. Dude, you need to get around to watching that now. <laughs> <laughs> that movie yeah, is it's fan. In my voodoo library. Fuck, I'll watch it after we're done recording. Get on it, dude. That movie Upgrade is fucking awesome, man. It's like a it's like a Black Mirror episode, but like it's a full-length movie. It's you know so what good. Like even what I liked even more than that was Guns Akimbo. More than Upgrade? Yeah. Get the I did. fuck out of here. No, no. I, no. I did. No, no, no. No. <laughs> no. I enjoyed Sorry. Guns Akimbo, but it's not it's no Upgrade. It's a downgrade from Upgrade. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got me. <laughs> no, man. No, I, no. It's it's subjective, man. Whatever. You know, different yeah, yeah, know. different strokes, different folks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows what I'm saying right now. I have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, Bakeem Woodbine. <laughs> Bakeem Woodbine. Talented as fuck. I love that guy. He was what was he? He was an overlord for like five seconds, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was also the first time I've ever seen him was in The Rock with Nick Cage and Sean Connery. Shut oh, the fuck up, Michael Bay movie. He's yeah, in The Rock. The only good Michael Bay movie. Oh no, there are some wonderful Michael Bay that? movies. He's um, he's like one of the. Um, I don't care what anybody says. Michael Bay, Armageddon. Okay, yeah. I do not give a fuck what anybody says. You can sit here and say it's a shit movie. We all loved Armageddon. Michael no, Bay is just great. Michael Bay is just plagued with the last 13 years of Transformers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree, dude. Because he had some gems in the 90s. He really did. I a fucking the bad boy? Super underrated. What's Michael that? Yes. What's that? Yes, I forgot about I that I think one. The Island is a super underrated Michael Bay movie. It's fucking good as shit. Was that Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that movie. I owned it on DVD. If, if you haven't seen that recently, it's worth a revisit. I watched it just a couple of years ago, and I was kind of blown away at how much I loved it. Let me say three words. Pain and gain. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You can't really get much better than The Rock doing cocaine in the back of, like, a conference. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Bad Boys 1 and 2? Come on. And then his cameo appearance in Bad Boys for Life? Come on. I love this cameo. That was a, uh, you know, Bad Boys for Life is the highest grossing movie of 2020. Holy shit. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> back on top. <laughs> You're back on top. No, that, but it, Michael Bay didn't direct it. Mm. Oh yeah, that's right. He didn't. He did not. Yeah. You guys looking forward to He's I, got some, he's got some fucked up movie about the pandemic coming out, right? Michael Bay? Yeah, like about like a future where it never ended. Aren't we living that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like that's that is life. <laughs> it's fucking reality. Jesus. Yeah, because I saw he was getting a lot of heat for it on the social medias because of just how kind of depressing the whole idea was. Who was doing that? Who was doing the Halo movie, uh, the the Halo series before? Was it um, was it Doug Lyman? That sounds right. Somebody looked at it. I don't know. Kyle Killen's doing it now, and Otto Bathurst is doing it. Otto Bathurst is directing it. Otto Bathurst from Robin Hood and Peaky Blinders. Pablo Schreiber. Pablo Schreiber's in it? Yeah, I think he's Master Chief. Yeah, I think you're right. 
We sound like we know everything about this <laughs> Halo series. We're well versed in it. I think it was Doug Lyman. I'm looking it up. I'm having a hard time finding in, it. In late February 2019, Otto Bathurst was brought in to replace Rupert Wyatt. Rupert Wyatt from uh, yeah, that's right. Rupert Wyatt. Thank you. He did. Rupert Wyatt did the first Planet of the Apes movie before Matt yeah. Reeves took over the second and the third one. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Thank Wikipedia. Remember to donate. Oh, man. oh yeah. It's that time of year where Wikipedia is asking you. They, they turn into fucking uh, PBS, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of year. Every time, you know, there's like that one time of year when you go to Wikipedia and they won't fuck off with like, could you, <laughs> could you donate some money? Help us out. Oh, man. If you, are you enjoying? Are you enjoying what you're reading? Are you enjoying this for free? <laughs> I hope you're enjoying. They pull a fucking. Guilt you into it. They totally guilt you into it. Oh, I hope you're enjoying all this free shit you're reading. Sure as shit, am sucker. Because <laughs> we're broke as fuck, and you're enjoying our shit, dude. <laughs> I've never donated to Wikipedia. I fucking I check it every fucking week. Every fucking show that I do, I fucking pull shit off of Wikipedia. I've never donated a goddamn dime. Oh, there's not been an episode where I haven't looked something up on Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> they're not getting. You're not getting a dime. You're not getting a dime out of me. No. Wikipedia. You and your fucking Jerry Lewis telethon bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I will buy the dumbest shit ever before I get fucking Wikipedia. A dime. Yeah. No shit. Oh my god, I'll, I'll fucking buy that gravy train device that fucking Steve <laughs> was scared of when he went to the porn shop before I'll fucking send any money your way, Wikipedia. Sex toys just creep me out. That's Wackipedia, Wikipedia. Wackipedia. That's Wackipedia. How is that not a thing? Oh man. Oh yeah. Yeah, how is that not a thing? Well, Jake, it, it sounds like it's time you need to put Pornhub out of business. Dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna send some money to Wackipedia. <laughs> Marvel news. You guys ready to jump into some Marvel news? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna play the bumper. I never do this anymore. Towards the end, I, I stopped playing the bumpers. The later we yeah, go, yeah, cracks me up. I love that trend. I just, I, <laughs> I just fucking, I just want to end it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, just to get that extra 45 seconds that the bumper will take. I know. After 45 seconds, we could be done with this shit. I know. It's 45 seconds of, of my life I can't get back. The amount of fuck it increases with each episode. Oh, my God. Yes, the amount of fuck it. You're absolutely right. Oh, man. Yeah, here we go. Marvel News. Marvel news. All right. Uh, we learned the release date for WandaVision this week. It's not premiering in 2020, but it's not that long of a wait, guys. No. January. It 15th. might as well be 2020. It'll still feel like that. January 15th. January 15th. That's the, that's the official release date for WandaVision. Yeah. Not that long of a wait at all. Mm. No, it'll be here before you know it. 
Games Radar had some news about the series. Tiana Paris, who plays the grown-up Monica Rambo from Captain Marvel, is going to be in WandaVision. She told The Undefeated. The Undefeated. What the fuck is The Undefeated? Some kind of news media site. <laughs> the Undefeated. She, she said, I'm so happy to be a part of this universe and to be Monica Rambo. She's such a badass in the comics. I just can't believe that this is happening. This is full-on action movie mixed with sitcoms. It's wild. It's wild. I think people will be very excited. Article goes on to say that already plays into what we know about WandaVision, namely that we don't know very much. The WandaVision trailer was a dazzling display of sitcom tropes from yesteryear mixed in with a trippy tale of loss and grief with some surprises MCU returns thrown in for good measure. MCU returns talking about Vision showing up, talking to Catherine Hahn in that trailer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got a little bit more I want to talk about WandaVision. Um, yeah, this is the, uh, about fucking time uh, we get an MCU fucking show on uh, Disney+. Plus. That's all I'm saying right now. About fucking time we get an MCU fucking anything. Well, yeah. I mean, we were supposed to get, we were supposed to, fucking uh, Black Widow was supposed to come out in November, well, fucking uh, in May. And then COVID and then the fucking November 6th, we were supposed to be talking about Black Widow again. And now we're fucking Eternals was supposed to be out by now, I believe. Eternals was supposed to be out November um, last week. It was was supposed to be last week. So last week on Friday, we were supposed to get Eternals. We've not even gotten a fucking trailer. Have we gotten an official synopsis yet? I mean, I think we have. But Jesus Christ, we, we haven't even gotten a trailer yet. You're right, Jake. It's crazy. How how yeah. How are we supposed to get excited about these shows when we don't even know when we're gonna fucking be able to see these movies, to be quite honest with you. It's hard. It's hard, man. I feel I it's really fucking hard. Dude, to think to think that in May we already could have seen if COVID didn't hit, let's say the like COVID free world. We would, guys, think about this. We would have already seen post-credit scenes for Black Widow. We'd already be talking about that shit. We've by this episode, we'd already been talking about the Eternals. Yeah, we'd be doing a whole episode about Eternals. And the Eternals, I mean, like, I don't think people are excited about the Eternals. I don't think people are excited about the Eternals. I think it's got the about about the same excitement level that people had for the Guardians of the Galaxy before the Guardians of the Galaxy dropped the trailer. I was going to make the same comparison. You're absolutely right. You know, with the Eternals, I mean, they've been here. They've been on Earth. They did nothing during Endgame. They did not well, they did nothing during Infinity War, Endgame nothing. We find out that the Eternals have basically been kind of just like living on Earth and and separated, and uh, they're not together as a group. And uh, the Deviants, they got to battle the Deviants in this new movie, and um, that's what brings them back together. Got to get the band back together. And I'll be honest with you, are you excited? Like I can't say that I'm excited. Like I, 
I've seen the concept art. I've seen the costume. I'm, I'm, I'm not excited for the Eternals yet. I, no, I need, it needs that banging trailer yeah. to really pull me in. Well, we're talking about Kumail Nanjiani. We're talking about fucking uh, Angelina Jolie. There's a bunch of big names in the in the Eternals. There's a bunch of big names in the fucking Eternals. Isn't uh, isn't uh, what's her name? Gemma Chan in the Eternals from yeah. Humans, and then she was in Fantastic Beasts. I mean, Joe, are you chomping at the bit, Steve? Are you chomping at the bit through the Eternals? Like, I'm excited I mean, to see it just because it's a Marvel movie. But otherwise, I don't have any background with these characters or anything like that. And so like what Jake said, it, it needs a banging trailer to come out and really whip up excitement for it. I mean, excite, it excites me that Camille Nanjiani is going to be in the MCU. Steve, what are you thinking, man? Yeah. I mean, I I'm agreeing with you there. Uh, having him added to the MCU is, is going to be a good addition. They need, they always need good actors. This is a good guy to come in and kind of show off his skill set. Um, I just, it's weird cause it's like, I've always, I always look forward to new Marvel content, but yeah, like it's, it's hard to say without seeing what we can expect. And then like just the fact of everything getting delayed because of this year and everything, it's just, it's, it's strange to be excited for anything. Cause I mean, we're only a couple months away from Oscars and what's that going to look like this year? Yeah. Yeah, like it's just it's weird. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to make whatever attempt I can to see it when the time comes. But I mean, until then, I'm just sort of, I guess, stagnant on uh, my excitement level for it. Jake, I've been I've been struggling. Like, are we going to do the tuppies this year? Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's I mean, it's going to be all TV based. Well, I mean, there are movies. Netflix. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about like what came out pre-COVID and we can talk about what's come out now in the theaters during COVID, but like, I don't know. I mean, how exciting is that going to be? Yeah, it's going to be weird. You know? It's going to be weird. I, I assume we would still do them. Comic book movie of the year going to be New Mutants? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you know? I mean, come on. Was there another comic book movie? I can't. I don't know. There might be. Uh, Bloodshot. Fuck. Bloodshot. Yeah. Bloodshot's a comic book movie. Shit, man. Give it all the awards. Spoilers. I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna, a lot of it's going to be TV, though, Jake. Oh, yeah. Like, um, you're, all of them, are, like, best actors and all that kind of stuff, it's all going to come from TV. Um... Oh shit! Did uh, Entertainment Weekly did a special look at Wandavision? Did you guys read any of that? I saw some of the pictures. I didn't see it. Kevin yeah, Feige. Kevin Feige said this. He reiterated again for people. Wandavision. This is his quote. Wandavision will directly set up the 2022 film Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness with Olsen's witch playing a key role alongside Benedict Cumberbatch's sorcerer. He reiterated that. So, yeah. That's cool. You can kind of see how those would connect. It's cool, but Jesus Christ, I got to wait till 2022 now. Movie is supposed to come out in fucking 2021. You know, like I'm most depressed about Thor being delayed. Yeah, they just started filming that again. Have you guys been catching some of the um, 
people that have been showing up on set. Yeah, I saw the uh, Chris Pratt stuff. Ah, yes. Chris Pratt is set to join Chris Hemsworth in Taika Waititi's Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> nice. But today, somebody posted a video, uploaded it to Twitter. Who showed up in Australia to start filming? Vin Diesel. Oh, wow. Vin Diesel. We're getting Groot. This is, this is, this is like coming hot off the heels of the events of Endgame. Because Chris Hemsworth Thor is with the Guardians at the end of Endgame. This is hot off the heels of that. I was wondering how that would tie into this. It's, it's 100% tying in. Now, here's the thing, like, um, the film also, like, we know that Thor Love and Thunder also has Christian Bale in it. We talked about him. Rumors are that he might be playing God Butcher. We don't know. He's going to be the villain. We don't know which villain, though. Um, Natalie Portman is going to be reprising the role of Jane Foster. And uh, she is going to be the mighty Thor. She has said that her Thor is going to have a different power set than the Thor that we know. Different powers. Hmm, that's cool. I wonder how that's going to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably. Do you think that they're going to be pulling a lot? I, Joe, I have to think that they're going to be pulling a lot from Jason Aaron's run of Mighty Thor. I do think that. Yeah. I do think that we're well, gonna we're gonna find out that Jane Foster has had cancer. I think they're going to be doing that. I, I, I Taika Waititi has not confirmed it, but I, if I had to guess, I think that that's what they're going to do. Yeah, the the statement about her power set going to be different, like really throws me for a loop because it's basically anybody who who picks up Mjolnir gets the powers of Thor. So it's the same power set that Thor has. She I this mean, is just her, like how in Endgame when we saw when we saw Cap pick it up, he was able to use the you know some of the lightning with yes, it and, exactly. and all that stuff. So, but she was on the Kelly Clarkson show and she said so she does have powers. It's not exactly the same as Thor. It's her own version of it. And she's called the mighty Thor. She wouldn't really get into like details of like what makes her powers different. In the comic, I guess her powers are a little bit different because her character in the comic has a closer connection to Mjolnir than, than Odin's son ever did. Like she can actually speak to Mjolnir and like Mjolnir can speak back to her. And when Odin's son finds that out in the comics, it actually kind of blows his mind. Huh. We'll so see. I wonder yeah. if it's, it's tapping into that, but, but I mean, yeah, dude, I, I would hope that it would, it would borrow off the Jason Aaron stuff, you know, because that was, that was where, you know, this iteration of the, of the character like that came from. And also it's, I mean, that what Jason Aaron did with that Thor character is that that set the bar. Yeah. For, oh, God. For, yes. In my opinion, years to come. Yeah. What we're going to see with that character, because what he did with that, like if if anybody out there listening, if you want to get into comics and you're not sure what you want to do and you like the character of Thor, pick up the where Jason Aaron started writing yes, Thor. Absolutely. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. Jason Aaron, Esau Ribic on art. I mean, like Jake, like, you know, like, I guess we could all go back to like, if they wanted to, if you wanted to go back, like, was it Walt Simonson who did a bunch of Thor? That's, it's, it's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, we got Frog Thor in that run. Yeah, I mean, Walt Simonson did a great job, but like for me, I think for me, my favorite Thor is Jason Aaron. Um, and uh, even like even the stuff that Jason Aaron did with Malekith, Malekith, what a waste of a character in Thor: The Dark World. But like the Malekith stuff in the Jason Aaron runs, fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, how, how much do you think Chris Hemsworth is going to play a part in Thor Love and Thunder? Is it going to be... I bet, he, I bet he has a big part. Or who's going to have the bigger part? Is, is Okay, we can say, we can say Natalie Portman's going to be like the, the main character, right? I bet Chris Hemsworth has more screen time than Natalie Portman. Ooh, wow, I was gonna, I was gonna say, is does Chris Hemsworth get more screen time, or does Tessa Thompson get more screen time than Chris Hemsworth? You're already saying that Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson's gonna, as Valkyrie's gonna be in this movie as well. I don't know, man. I don't know how much Chris Hemsworth's gonna be in this movie. I would, I mean, I could be wrong, but my gut says Hemsworth, Portman, Thompson, in the order of screen time. I would say so, I would say Portman Thompson and Hemsworth. Yeah, I mean you could be right. I just feel like it, the whole announcement of Portman is a little bit of a red herring as to what the movie is actually going to be about. Joe, what do you think, man? Yeah, my head's spinning over here, man, because it's I I I I keep trying to tie it back to the comics too much and there's too much that's changed, you know, in what's going on in the MCU because in the comics, it's central that Mjolnir's there. You know, at the end of Original Sin, Thor drops it on the moon. He's not able to pick it back up, and it stays there for a while. Yeah. And then and then that's where Jane Foster goes and then picks it up. And when she picks it up, it transforms her into the mighty Thor. Why is he? Un- how are they going to do that in the MCU? How are they gonna, and how is he going to be unworthy Thor? Because he was unworthy. You, well, Yeah. They, I mean, they kind of already th- did the unworthy Thor storyline in the first Thor movie. They did, yeah. So it's 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 going to be really interesting. It, and just see, seeing the creative team that's on it and the talent that they got in it, and just the track record, I'm I'm super stoked. Well, for, and, and for the life of me, I I couldn't tell you what you know what path they're going to take to get. Mjolnir it was destroyed in uh, in Ragnarok. Yep, and then Cap took the other version with him when yeah. he went to go return all the Infinity Stones. Exactly. So where are they getting a Mjolnir from? Is is this Jane Foster going to be from a different reality? But they haven't really brought too much of that in yet. You know, unless this is stuff that's going to take place after, you know, the, the, the Multiverse of Madness stuff where maybe they're going to bring in more of those elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's uh, much like the last Thor movie, just kind of thematically paid homage to Planet Hulk. I think there's going to be a lot of the same here, where they're not actually aping any of Jason Aaron's storylines, but it'll thematically share some similarities. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it'll be 90% original story, if not more. Oh well, I mean, yeah, I, I I tend to agree with that. I tend to agree with that. Yeah, 
Yeah. And will we get Bader a bill? That, hey, I, and, I, that feels so Taika with Yugi. I, I say the answer is yes. <laughs> I hope so, man. Oh, man. I still wonder if, like, in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, if we're still getting, like, what, what – has that story changed now that – like, that movie was supposed to have already, like, come out, I think. I mean, like – I think you're correct. Had they not have fired James Gunn and had he not have made the Suicide Squad, I think that movie would be on a faster trajectory to come out. Well, there was rumors that, you know, James Gunn had teased that they were going to be, they were going to bring Quasar into the movie because he posted a picture of like the Quasar VHS player. And so people were saying Quasar. And then there was the rumor that Mark Hamill was going to be showing up in the movie and people were saying, is Mark Hamill going to be, um, oh, oh my God. Uh, Adam what's Warlock. More, uh, yeah. Adam Warlock because Hamill basically didn't, was it Hamill that tweeted that he would love to be in a guardians of the galaxy movie. And then James Gunn reached out to him and said, let's have lunch sometime. And then they ended up having lunch. They did end up having lunch. I know that a hundred percent. So like yeah, the, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, is Hamill still going to be showing up in guardians of the galaxy three? Or has that been thrown out? I mean, I don't know. I definitely think, going back to what you were originally going to ask, I definitely think Adam Warlock is still going to be part of it. Well, they teased his cocoon at the end of the second movie, correct? Yeah, and, and James Gunn, I think, likes like the cohesiveness of it all. Like, I don't think he's just going to abandon the thread that was set up in the last movie. Well, yeah, and we know that the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be present day. It's not going to be like the last two movies that were set in the past. Yeah, correct. It'll be post-endgame. Yeah. Uh, I got news here from Dark Horizons. Uh, it looks like, guys, I didn't know that Loki, and this is not confirmed, this is unverified, but I did not know that Loki was going to be multiple seasons, and it looks like it might be. There was this rumor. Let me go over this. Actor Tom Holland is currently filming the six-episode um, Tom Hiddleston, I'm sorry. Tom Hiddleston is currently filming the sixth episode, first season of the show in Atlanta. But due to several month long break due to COVID-19, it's not clear how far along the production actually is. The show originally was set to launch in the spring, next spring, but it's currently not clear when it will go before the cameras. So far, those six episodes are all that have been announced. But back in May, actor Clark Gregg, um, let it slip that more than six episodes were on the way. He plays a- Agent Coulson, of course, but he sa- he said in an interview, quote, doing 10 to 12 episodes the way Tom Hiddleston told me he was doing on Loki with that kind of budget and that Marvel Cinematic Production team. So there, like, there was a slip up there. He said 10 to 12 episodes. We know that six episodes were going to be in the first season. And it looks like all of the shows that have been announced are going to be six episodes, to my knowledge. I think that Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be six episodes. It looks like WandaVision is going to be six episodes. I'm not sure about She-Hulk. I'm not sure about Ms. Marvel. And I'm not sure about Moon Knight. But it looks like those three shows are going to be six episodes. But I have a feeling that um, 
the shows that involve characters that we already know well from the movies work in that six episode format. But I feel like the other shows like your Moon Knights and your She-Hulks would lend it lend itself to more of the 10, 12 episode format since we have to like actually introduce these characters in the first place. I don't know, man. The fucking Mandalorian is eight episodes a season. And that's, that's like that's true. It's a new character that we're not. I I don't know, man. I think we'll see. I mean, I don't know, Jake. I, and I know, like the the like She Hulk and Moon Knight. They're already talking about those characters fucking showing up in the movies. We got the the announcement that fucking Oscar Isaac is in talks to play Moon Knight for crying out loud, which is crazy. Yeah, that's wild. Crazy awesome. Tatiana Slani is not going to be fucking She. That's fucked up. I don't buy it. I think it's a little bit. Uh, I think that I think that I think that talks happened. I think they fell out mm. for some reason. I don't, but I don't know. I think. Oh man, that may that upsets me. I thought Tatiana Maslany was the perfect choice. I agree. Anyone else is going to be? It's going to be a Rogue One all over again. A hundred percent. Oh my God, Felicity Jones. Terrible as Jen or so. Oh my God. That movie would be so much better with Tatiana Maslany. She is so goddamn talented. Yeah, that, it's such a great movie too. And, and that performance really brings it down. If there was a good performance in that role, it would be potentially the best Star Wars movie. Oh God. Mads Mickelson was so good in that movie. Jesus Christ. Everyone else was so good in that movie. <laughs> yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Oh my God, Felicity Jones! I never—I don't know. I've seen her in some other stuff. I—I I, I can't tell you. There's been some movies that I haven't seen her in. Maybe she's better, but man, she fucking she shit the bed in fucking Rogue One. <laughs> I love Help Rogue One, but huge brain fart. Who who was Krennic in Rogue One? It's the guy from Ready Player One. Ben Mendelsohn. A, ben fucking Mendelsohn from Bloodline. And, uh, he was so good too. Mississippi Grind. I love Ben Mendelsohn. God damn it, oh, I love man. Ben Mendelsohn. He's so good. Um, Why would they cast someone that was exactly like the person in the other movie too? That just kills me. He's, yeah. Why do they typecast Ben Mendelsohn as the villain in everything? <laughs> oh, poor Ben. Has he ever been a good guy in anything? Yeah, The Outsider on HBO. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah, he's great in that. Well, HBO said that we're not moving forward with any more of The Outsider. They're done with The Outsider. That's a recent development. It felt like it should have been a one and done, though. I didn't finish it. You didn't finish it? Fuck no. I didn't finish The it, Outsider. The end was good. It was I very good, yeah. Was it? See, I didn't finish it. Well, uh, it's, it's based on a novel, so it's like, where were they going to go as like a series? Well, what? Why the fuck would you? The same as Watchmen to me. Thank like, you. Do a second season. Well, yeah, they're not going to do it with fucking Lindelof. He said he's done. Yeah, yeah, good on him. Yeah, yeah they should. took balls. Yeah, they should have. They should. Hey, I had one story and I did it the way I wanted to. Yeah, do it. they shouldn't have done the first season, in my opinion. I know you loved it, Jake, but my God, it's a it's fucking blasphemous, in my opinion, as far as Watchmen's concerned. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, okay, Alan Moore. I know. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> I know. I'm that guy. I'm that guy on that hill. I'm Alan Moore. I know. I get it, man. I get it. I get it. I think it's bullshit. No, oh, man. I think Lindelof wrote the best Watchmen thing ever. 
Ah, that's bullshit too. That's blasphemous. Fuck you. It's so ahead of its time too, with all the mask and all the police stuff. Ah, oh fuck. my god. Yeah, right. Yeah, just write something else. Don't make it Watchmen. Get the fuck out of here. Calling that Watchmen. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Hey, hey, do you want to get, be a little more annoyed? The, the the Rorschach comic run they're doing right now links up with the HBO stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> That's awesome. Fuck off. I hate both of you. <laughs> anyway, it looks like the it looks like there might be some legs to this fucking Loki see, uh series getting a second season. A new listing in Production Weekly seems to confirm Clark's suggestion with Marvel Studios apparently pushing forward with more Loki. And have set aside a January 2022 start of production date for it. Neither the actor or studio has confirmed the news yet. So it looks like we might be getting not just one season of Loki, which I thought it was going to be just the one season. There was the Clark Gregg quote, and that confused people. But now it looks like Production Weekly is saying they, uh, that Marvel has set aside a uh, January 22, uh, 2022 start date of production for the second season. This could happen. We could get two seasons of Loki. That's cool. That's- that it makes that that makes sense. They wouldn't announce that ahead of time, right? You kind of maybe spoil what's going to happen at the end of the season if you're already announcing a second season. You take away some of the stakes. Are they waiting to see how I'm, I'm moving away from Loki? Are they waiting to see how Falcon and Winter Soldier performs before they announce a Captain America movie starring Anthony Mackie? Uh, I definitely think it could help. I don't think maybe they're intentionally waiting, but I think if it's just a bona fide smash hit that that could, you know, move the needle. What do we get first? A Moon Knight movie, an Anthony Mackie Captain America movie, or a Mandalorian movie first? John Favreau recently had quotes saying don't count out a Mandalorian movie. It's not in the cards yet, but it could still happen. What do we get first? Mandalorian, Captain America Anthony Mackie as Falcon, or Moon Knight movie? I think we get Mandalorian first, and then we get um, Moon Knight, and then we get Mackie Captain America in that order. So you're saying they're all three going to happen? If I'm saying hypothetically if all three were to happen, that would be the order they would come out. That's what I feel. Joe. Hmm. I know, man. Yeah, I don't. Because, okay, so they've got season two all, all wrapped up of The Mandalorian. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Jake's order has some merit to it because Mandalorian's the one that's got the best legs on it right now. And you, you can do it in the middle of series, too. Like, that's the way I feel it'll happen. It won't well, be like the show's over and here's the movie. It'll be like, here's the movie. And then here's another season of the show. Yeah. And and they've also proven that they can film it in such a way that. I mean, cause didn't they have to finish filming that while COVID restrictions were still going on or did they just squeak by and get it done before they got it done before they, they knew they by. had a hit. They knew they had a hit on their hands. They had finished all of the filming. They just had to do post-production during COVID. Okay. What do you think, Steve? Yeah. What do you think, man? Um, on, on like the production of, um, this new season of Mandalorian? No, do you think, do you, what do you think as far <laughs> as like 
as far as a solo movie is concerned. Oh, like, yeah, do, do you um, think that we could get Mandalorian, Moon Knight, or uh, Anthony Mackie Falcon movie announced? Like, which one's going to come out first? Like, I, I guarantee you, one of them's going to have to come out. I feel like for sure Mandalorian, because that's sort of like they they cashed in on a big popularity check with the whole Baby Yoda thing. And I feel like Disney is like is probably going to try and beat that dead horse, at least after a while. Is it a dead horse? No, it's not a dead horse. I, yeah, I don't like I don't like your choice of words there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't think I don't think we're beating a dead horse yet, man. No, no, I'm not saying that we're beating a dead horse yet. I'm saying that they will push it to that extent. If I don't make sense. Oh man, do you think John? Oh man, you think people are going to get burnt out on Mandalorian? I mean, dude, I think people want after honestly after watching this fucking last episode of the Mandalorian, I think people want more Mandalorians. Yeah, oh, shit. I think people want more Mandalorians, man. I, dude, uh, seriously, I almost posted this on Facebook. I almost posted the Mandalorian and then the and then the the greater sign. And then Jedi. I, I think people want Mandalorians before. I think people are all about Mandalorians over Jedi right now. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Dude, mm-hmm. I, I want more Mandalorian shit over Jedi. I do not give a fuck about Jedi right now. And the, I, I guess the only Jedi that I would care about is fucking, does, uh, does the child get reunited with the Jedi fam, with his Jedi family? I guess that's all I care about. I, I don't care about, dude. I don't care about the future of Ray. I don't, I, dude. I don't, I don't care about any of that. I don't care about Jedi in general. I, I'm all about Mandalorian culture right now. I, I'm fascinated by it, especially this last episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, there was some really interesting stuff that came to light. Oscar Isaac is Moon Knight. Oh my god! It's got they, they got to make a movie, right? Uh, if they're casting Oscar Isaac, the movie is happening. I don't know enough about that character to. You need to. I mean, re- you need are to there read some like good Moon Knight runs to Jeff read? Le- Jeff Lemire. Okay, didn't Marv Wolfman write a bunch of it? Who? Marv Wolfman. I think you're right. Yeah, I, 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 I'm more familiar with the newer Jeff Lemire stuff that's come out within the past few Marv years. Marv Wolfman wrote Crisis on Infinite Earths, if that's any help knowing who he is. Mm. I think he might have created the character. I could be wrong about that. It's it's a fascinating character, and there's like different iterations of the character. There's like um, you basically got Moon Knight, who uh, a guy on an archaeological expedition, and he's going to die in the desert. Comes across it's like a, um, I, it comes across like a um, an Egyptian god who basically says like you know like I'll, I'll let you live. Uh, he's dying, and he's like I'll let you live if you let me take over your body. And you, you, and he, he acquires the powers of like this Egyptian, like demigod or whatever, Moon Knight. And then, but then there's also like in the Jeff Lemire run where he's like a, 
he's like he suffers from like identity like um what is it Ide- like that identity disorder yeah didn't bendis is the one who started that okay we ran with it yeah i think they're gonna mix the two and and like he doesn't even know if he has actual powers or not sometimes like in the comics. I don't I don't think you cast Oscar Isaac if you're gonna throw away the um multiple personality aspect of I it. agree. I, I think they're gonna do both. I think they're gonna do both. It's gonna yeah, be a combo. I think the multiple personality aspect was good too, because it really separated the character from basically being Marvel's Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, he's really similar to Batman, and that's almost what they were going for when they created it. He's rich. He, he funds all his equipment. He yeah. literally throws fucking moonerangs. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and at one point he didn't have any powers, I believe. Like, they've kind of waffled between him having powers and him not having powers throughout my entire life. They have. Well, there's like the there's the, there's like the version of him that, like, thinks he – has powers, but he's not a hundred percent sure if he even has those powers because of the identity yeah, they, disorder. That's even, they've even gotten really meta with it like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting character though. And I think there's a lot of room for interpretation by doing a TV show or a movie with him. I don't think you're like beholden to much like guardians of the galaxy. I think you just make something really cool. Yeah. And don't sweat like getting all the lore, right? Yeah, yeah, like they totally changed Drax's character. Oh, Star Lord too. Yeah. Uh, all of them. Yeah, Rocket's probably and Groot are probably the closest. That's true. Rocket. Yeah, what people don't understand is like Rocket is not an actual. In the comic, he's not an actual raccoon. He's just an alien race that happens to look like a raccoon. Yeah, correct. Hmm. <laughs> Um, news from comicbook.com. Black Widow star Scarlett Johansson confirms we will finally learn what happened in Budapest. Did you guys see this? Oh, man. Black Widow news just makes me fucking angry. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It pisses me the fuck off too, Jake. We should we should have already seen this movie. I should We should have already seen fucking the post credit scenes for this fucking movie. Yeah, why don't you just fucking confirm that I'll get to see this goddamn thing within the next six months? Yeah, I guess we're, it's coming out in May now. Did you see Variety said that fucking Wonder Woman? They're not. Sh- it's not coming out in December. They're saying it's not coming out in December. That they're a possible HBO Max January release. I'm hearing now. Yeah, possible HBO wow. Max January release or summer of. Dude, this movie was supposed to fucking come out November of 2019. They should have. They should have released it then. We're gonna get the Mandalorian movie before we get Black Widow or Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, I can't it, believe how badly they've mishandled Wonder Woman too. Oh, they, they, yeah, they blew it. They fucking blew it, man. I'm, I'm, dude. I'm going to the theater now, and I'm still getting trailers for this movie. And, you know, you see the posters, you see, like, the ads saying, coming soon. It's just still scheduled for December 25th, Christmas Day. And we know it's not coming out on Christmas Day. There's no way it's coming out on Christmas Day. No. no I think the, no the, way. the Christmas movie that's going to come out this year is that fucking Tom Hanks movie. That's it. That Tom Hanks movie. I don't think it's going to be this fucking Wonder Woman movie that's coming, that, that's supposed to come out. I don't know, man. I, I think Wonder Woman 2, 
I'm not, I'm not sold on it, but my God, there is that one scene in the trailer where she's wearing the fucking, when she's wearing the gold armor. Oh my God. She's wearing the gold armor and the wings come off and she looks at Cheetah and she's got this look on her face like, let's fucking do this. Dude, oh my God. That gives me chills every time. Like, I, I, I don't know if this movie's going to be any good or not. I've read the fucking spoilers. And it doesn't sound good. But my God, Gal Gadot, man, when she fucking, when, when those wings come off and she's wearing that gold armor and she's looking at Cheetah, she's got this look on her face like, let's fucking do this. And that, I, it gives me chills every time. It gives me chills every fucking time. I just, I don't know about this fucking movie. I don't know when it's going to come out. And it's like, somebody made the joke on Facebook that Wonder Woman 3 is going to come out before Wonder Woman 2. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Black Widow star Scarlett Johansson confirms that we will finally learn what happened in Budapest. Black Widow star... This is from comicbook.com. Black Widow star Scarlett Johansson confirmed in Marvel's Black Widow, the official movie special book via screen rant that the film will finally reveal exactly what happened on that mission, ultimately making good on what was, quote, a throwaway line in the Avengers. Quote, this is what Scarlett said. We all agreed that we had to find out what happened in Budapest. That started out as this throwaway line, which Joss Whedon threw into Marvel's Avengers as a funny moment between Hawkeye and Black Widow. That That's Clint and Natasha talking about their history. And you get a fun little Easter egg for fans to theorize about. We thought that we don't, that if we don't go back to Budapest and find out what really happened there, people will feel unsatisfied. I wondered what did happen there, Johansson said. I mean, Guys, I remember that – I'm going to talk – she's got more quotes here. But I remember like her and and Clint talking about it and, and, and doesn't Clint say we both have different uh, memories of what happened in Budapest. Do you remember that line? Mm-hmm. We, we both remember Budapest differently I think is what he said. I'm paraphrasing. Yes. But yeah, I, I mean I've – Jake, I, I think I have been a little bit more kind of like obsessed with what happened in Budapest than you. I, I feel like through past conversations, maybe you've thought that it was like not important. Correct. I've, dude, I've always wanted to know what happened in Budapest. It's, it's, I think it's one of those things where it's almost more interesting not knowing. Like, I feel like it's just like, Unless it's going to be really dark, it's not going to be a good payoff. And I don't know how dark they can show us. For me, the way that they've been setting it up, especially the relationship between her and Clint, and especially the way that it kind of ended in, um, you know, the, the way, when we saw Black Widow die, like, I kind of, I think that it's important to go back to Budapest to really understand the relationship between those two characters a little bit more. Yeah, I can't argue that logic. I, I, there's definitely weight in the story. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just something that I'm just not interested in it very much. I am 100 fucking percent. I cannot wait to find out what happened in Budapest. It's, she, she went on to say, we often talked about what is going on in Natasha's head. I really think that Natasha is haunted by the fact that she has this past that she feels guilt, so guilty about unfinished business 
is that sense of guilt that follows her around, which all stems from what happened in Budapest. Black Widow is not about what happened in Budapest, but it's a huge jumping off point for us to understand the heaviness of Natasha's burden. Does this go back to the quote of like the red, like, like uh, her ledger being read? You know what I mean? When, when fucking Loki said that to her. Well, it seems like they took all these different throwaway lines from the Avengers and they're like, how can we make these make sense and stuff them all together to make this Black Widow movie? Because if they said that the Budapest line was just a throwaway thing thrown in by Joss Whedon to make a joke, and then they reference it again later in Endgame because it's calling back to something later. And now they're writing a whole movie just based off of a throwaway line. It's almost like they're just taking greatest hits lines and, and writing a movie out of it, which if they do it well, bravo. But I mean, just because they reference Budapest, you know, in that battle scene in the Avengers, it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, it, to me, it was just, oh, this was just a battle that they were in. But and doesn't Kevin Feige, here, you know, like, oh, this was like this. And he's like, oh, you and I have very different memories of that. Do, and so doesn't Kevin Feige kind of plan all this stuff out years in advance, though, Joe? Yeah, but but then you had other people saying that it was a throwaway line. If it, it is a throw, it is a throwaway line was, when you watch it, it in those movies. But we all know that fucking there's there's a fucking room that Kevin Feige has a whiteboard and he's got this fucking shit mapped out for years to come. Yeah, and if if all the Budapest stuff was all mapped out already on that, then it's really really cool. I'm just saying it carries less weight if if they're just doing it all after the fact and then just reaching back to pre- past works and and picking things out that are touchstone points. The the really at the time that they made the movie, it didn't have that meaning and they just assigned the meaning to it after the fact, but if they already had it planned out in advance, then that's really really cool. I just think it's it's less impressive if they're just building it after the fact. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. I just I feel like I feel like Kevin Feige has had this all kind of like mapped out for a long time. But I you know, I could I don't know. I could be wrong. This could this could be after the fact shit that they this idea came to them later and like we can use this. We can use this. I mean, some of the Josh Whedon stuff, in my opinion, I wish they would have just let it kind of die, especially a lot of the stuff in Avengers Age of Ultron. But they found ways to bring it back, like the whole Scarlet and Scarlet Johansson, Black Widow, um, Hulk relationship and stuff. They found ways to kind of like make that relevant, I guess, going forward, you know. With the the whole uh, <laughs> with uh, Thor, what what Thor was like rubbing Hulk's hand, talking about the sun going down and shit. Oh, I love that Sun's joke. Getting that real was my low. favorite joke. <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny. It was funny. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Florence Pugh uh, revealed that the uh, film storyline is horrifying. One that takes on the idea of women getting their lives back after enduring abuse and training to be what's, uh, what she called killing machines. So talking about the Black Widows, um, and the Red Room here, she goes on to say the storyline that we are telling is very horrifying. Uh, it's about women that have been essentially abused and trained up to be killing machines 
as Scarlett said over and over, this is the right time for her to be telling Black Widow's story, story. And we're not shying away from the fact that this story is essentially about women getting their life back. And it's a Marvel Studios film, too. That's pretty rare. And it's very exciting to be a part of that. Sounds like uh sounds like the handsmaid's tale meets fucking the MCU <laughs> to me. Yikes. <laughs> that's a weird that's a weird comparison. That's just my comparison. Oh man, I can't wait for Blackwood. I need to see this fucking movie. I need to see oh. it already. Yeah, just give it to us, man. Throw us a fucking bone. <laughs> Uh, can we wait till May, Jake? Is that is it really going to drop in May? If if you could 100% confirm that it's really coming out in May, then I can wait. But the fact that it's still so uncertain, just I have no patience anymore. Yeah. DC news. Let's move into DC news. Uh, I don't have a lot for DC news, but um, <laughs> oh man. You know, you, you know, Yaya Abdul Mateen. He played uh, Black Manta in Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Yaya Abdul Mateen. Yaya Abdul Mateen the second is his name. What if instead of adding the second to his name, they just added a new Ya with every generation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like so, like his kid would be Yaya Ya. Ya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, like his kids, this is my great 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 grandson. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Abdul Mateen. Anyway, that's, that's stupid. That's just a dumb thought I had. <laughs> oh my god! I saw this today. I saw this today. This is breaking fucking news. If it's true, we've heard about the cast and James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Pete Davidson, John Cena, Peter Capaldi, you know, Joel Kinnaman. Throw out some other names. Who else was John, uh, what, it was, uh, Michael Rooker, right? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. David Dalmatian. Uh, yeah, David Dasmalkin. There you go. From fucking. You didn't uh, slaughter his last name the way I did. Yeah, you, you destroyed his last name. <laughs> 101 Dasmalkins. who else is in this fucking movie fucking margot robbie nathan fillion nathan fillion you're right idris elba idris elba oh my god what an insane cast we could keep going we're not done yet there's like there's so many more names we're not naming them and if we are we're pronouncing them wrong right joe um, but, but, you know, Taika Waititi, Taika Waititi himself, uh, was it, uh, AG, Steve, is it Steve AG? Who's, who's doing the, 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 uh, the motion capture for, for King, King Shark. Shark? Yeah. Yeah. Listen to this. I saw this today on Reddit. Stallone, Sylvester Stallone was on Instagram and he revealed that he was going to be in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I clicked on the Instagram link. It had been removed. Yeah, I saw a picture with the two of them together even. People, yeah, people have, I don't know if people have screened, so it has been screenshot. Was it from Instagram, Jake? Yeah, yeah, it was from Instagram. I had the two of them together. I'll try to find that again. It looks like... uh it looks like they don't want this to come out. Stallone 
posted about it, but they've taken it down. But it looks like, dude, it looks like there's some weight behind this. Stallone could be in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. We know that James, that uh, Sylvester Stallone was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We know that these guys have a working relationship. This makes sense. Yeah, James Gunn on Instagram. Always love working with my friend, official Sly Stallone, and our work today on The Suicide Squad was no exception. Ah, Stallone posted about this on Instagram. It's been removed, Jake. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it looks like it's happening, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reading about that. Stallone posted it and it was removed, but then Gunn posted something afterwards that's still up. Yeah, so Stallone's going to be in it. Look, I, dude, I, yeah, Stallone's going to be in the Suicide Squad. Who the fuck That's is, awesome. He and, yeah. Him and Gunn must have really hit it off. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah do, uh, Joe, do you listen to Michael Rosenbaum's Inside of, Inside of You podcast? I've caught a handful of episodes of it. Um, he most recently had um, Bruce Campbell came back, did another episode. I listened to that one a few days ago. But anyway, Michael Rosenbaum in the past has talked about like, you know, he was he was in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, limited role, small role, but uh, he worked with uh, Stallone, and he talked about that. He loves Stallone, and uh, what was it? I think he had like a Rambo lunchbox that he brought on set, and he had Stallone sign it. Stallone thought he was <laughs> Stallone thought it was ridiculous. He's like, "You're a grown man with a lunchbox, a child's lunchbox. <laughs> you want me to sign this?" But anyway, like it's a great fucking story when Michael Rosenbaum tells it. And Michael Rosenbaum does a great Stallone Im- impression. But um yeah, man, fucking uh, Sylvester Stallone showing up in the Suicide Squad. I think it's going to happen, man. This is going to be great. I love it. I fucking love it. This movie, I, this movie is going to be incredible. Yeah, what a far cry it's going to be from the uh, first one. And we're getting a fucking Peacemaker TV show with John Cena? Yeah, and James Gunn's like heavily involved in that too. He's heavily involved in that. He actually talked about it recently, I think like in a uh, Q&A or something, and he's talking about how that – and that was last week he was talking about it. And he, and he talked about how production's going to start on that in a couple weeks. So that should be like next week they're starting production on the Peacemaker TV show. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see what John Cena does. With it's got to, it's got to be a prequel, right? It's got to be a prequel. Oh, I think he's going to die. Yes. It's got to be a prequel. Uh, news from comicbook.com. Jared Leto's Joker will have a new look in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Did you guys see this? I did. Yeah. I, the yeah. article I read said he would be radically different than the one we saw. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Snyder was talking to Beyond the Trailer and he said, it is true. I wanted to, of course, and he's talking about uh, Jared Leto's new look. I wanted to, of course, honor. <laughs> I wanted to honor what had been created with him because I thought it was really cool. But also in this, I'm not going to tell you what happens in the little scene, but some water has gone under the proverbial bridge between when we last saw Joker and this appearance. So he's made some, he's a road weary Joker. I guess that's a way of saying it. He continued, I will say it was fun having a segment of the band 
together for this little vignette, if you will. Working with Jared was really amazing. His attention to detail. He really cares a lot about it being awesome. It was fun, and everyone did an amazing job. Even trying to shoot in COVID is a bit of a deal, but everyone brought, like, huge A-game and really wanted it to be cool, and I couldn't be happier with what those guys did. Snyder went on to say that the idea came from a place of the DCU that he loves and which felt he needed to be added to the Justice League, confirming this is the only full scene being added as a part of the original photography. He also spoke about calling Leto to get him to reprise his role and how the idea came to him while filming Justice League back in 2016. I've heard that they're only that the reshoots were only four minutes long. I read that today too, like four to five minutes of reshoots. Yeah. Uh, or four to five minutes of new footage was being added to the movie and the rest of it was already in the can. Yeah. But there's gotta be some, there's gotta be some, uh, fucking like ADR. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That, that quote is crazy. That Zach, Zach Snyder is the king of taking comics that he loves and shitting all over them in his movies. Oh, stop it. <laughs> he's, he loves these movies. He doesn't go, he's, he's not intending to shit all over them. He's not intending no, no, that's to what shit. Makes him so psychotic. He's not intending to shit <laughs> all over them. That's what makes villains so evil is they they believe in the shit. Ah, <laughs> I still love Zack Snyder. I, I I want him to stay the fuck away from DC, but I still love that. I still love Zack Snyder. Yeah, I would I would be interested in seeing a new Zack Snyder movie that was not a DC movie. Well, he's doing the Netflix zombie series. Oh yeah, that's cool. That's just a revisiting another franchise now. Is it? Is that the Dawn of the Dead? Is this associated with Dawn of the Dead at all? I thought it was. I could be wrong. I didn't. I didn't know that those two were connected. I thought just thought it was a Zack Snyder. I didn't know it was connected to Dawn of the Dead. Hmm. I could be wrong. I thought it was connected. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. You know, the forefront of Zack Snyder news. Oh, God. I am i can't wait for the Snyder cut. I cannot wait for the fucking Snyder cut. I just want to see it. And I hope it's, I hope it, I, dude, I hope it's better than the, what we got. Yeah, I agree with that. It's called Army of the Dead. It's been a project that's been around for more than a decade. It's conceived as a sequel to Dawn of the Dead by Zack Snyder and hmm. screenwriter... Joby Harold. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. I didn't know it was connected to the, and I know they're doing an animated series as well. That's going to tie into it. So not only are they going to do the live action here for, for that, uh, but they're also doing it like an, an animated kind of like, um, tie in as well. This is what I've been reading. That's cool. Yeah. You sound thrilled. <laughs> I fucking James Gunn wrote that Dawn of the Dead and him and Zack Snyder together. I thought that was I, I love Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. easily my favorite Zack Snyder movie. I actually love it. Yeah, I love it, too. I think it's great. Uh, I still I, I still have I still have a lot of love for Zack Snyder's Watchmen. I don't give a fuck. I love it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know you hate it. I fucking love it. <laughs> you're not a fan. You're not a huge fan of Watchmen anyway, though, Jake. No, it's a true story. 
True story. Steve, what are your thoughts on Watchmen? The, I, I like the movie. I wasn't big on the series. Did you did you read the comic? Did you read the the comic book? Yes, I did read the comic book. I actually have it sitting on my entertainment center right now. Um, I, 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 I've, I'm, I don't know. I've, I feel weird about it because like there's things that weren't included from the comic in the movie that I'm okay with. Yeah, but I like having like I don't know. It's weird. I like having them in the comic and not in the movie. It's strange. Joe. I thought the movie was fucking fantastic. I, Thank you. The 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 changes that they made before I watched the HBO series, I would have said that the changes that Zack Snyder made in regards to the the weird alien, you know, creature thing showing up. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's that's smart because it wouldn't have worked. And then they went and did it in the series, and it fucking worked in the series. So yeah, but but I I liked them both, and like I was a huge fan of the comic. Um, I read the comic. Uh, like I, uh, did you read any of the before Watchmen shit? I did not read any of the before Watchmen. Sorry, I'm stumbling over no, my words here. No, you're fine. <laughs> the before but, Watchmen um, stuff was pretty much garbage, uh, except for the Darwin Cook stuff was really good. But everything yeah, else is Cook. How can you go wrong? You can't go wrong with Darwin Cook. Darwin Cook was uh, phenomenal in the before Watchmen stuff. But everything else, like the comedian series, was terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah like, I didn't read any of that. But, but I really liked the source material. I've, I've read that several times. Um, I, I haven't watched the director's cut of the of Watchmen yet, but I uh, but I did buy it. Uh, it, so sometime when it, cause it's not like five hours long or some shit. So it's sometime it's long, it, but they include, the, that. they include the ghost freighter story with all the animation <laughs> and it's great. That's awesome. And I, um, I own it. It's like a four disc, um, Blu-ray set and, uh, I own it. I fucking love it. And it was on Amazon. I don't know if it's there anymore. Yeah. I think I had ended up buying it off eBay. Or something like that. So I've got a Blu-ray copy of it, and then it also came with the digital. Why, why um, are you dragging your feet? It's why? just time. It's five hours long. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the same the same reason how like I bought Upgrade like a year ago, and I still haven't watched. Yeah, what the fuck, <laughs> man? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good problem to have. It's like there's so much fucking rad content out there. What do I watch next? No shit, but, man. Um, you know, you know what you know what show I could not get enough of this year? The What's boys. That? The boys. Oh my god, dude! How good was season two so, uh, as a whole, dude? It's fucking amazing. Steve, did you watch the boys season two? I have not. What the fuck are you doing with your life, Steve? Not a whole lot, dude. Apparently, dude, dude. Have you seen season one? Yes, dude. Get on season two. I, I will get there. Get <laughs> on get it. There. My 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 content consumption these days is drastically cut from what it used to be, which is unfortunate. But I get to create a lot of content, so that's cool. You need to be watching some of this content, sir, and you need to make some time for the boys season two. It is fucking incredible. Incredible. I, know, I, I was sad that I wasn't able to get on the uh, the train of when it was popular. 
the A train of when it was pop. Oh! 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 I hate myself. That was dumb. Um, you know, <laughs> Dude, season two is great, and uh, girls get it done. Uh, uh, do you know that like it, like a lot of that? Uh, did you read a lot of the response of like what they did in this season was in response of the A Force moment in Endgame? And how I much? was wondering if if that was meta for that. There's <laughs> a lot of quotes from like um, the women that were involved in the production of the boys that fucking hated the A Force moment in Endgame. They thought it was just fucking bullshit. <laughs> kind of hollow pandering bullshit, but the way they did that, uh, especially what they did in that in the finale for season two with that it was fucking beautiful I wasn't, so much in that second season was just amazing it you know? stood out the a-force moment stood out in endgame but it didn't bother me but apparently it bothered it, it it bothered uh this one i think like one director or producer female director or producer that was involved in the boys she did not like it so a lot of what they did in the boys season two was like in it was reactionary to the A Force moment in an Endgame. Ah, <laughs> mm. uh, the boy season two, Chef's it Kiss. Sound like we're going to get G Force in the next in uh, season three, so that'll be pretty exciting. See, I haven't read the comic. They okay, so G Force is uh, it's basically like the X Men version in in the comic. And then the the other thing I'm hoping we get is there is a story arc called Herogasm. I've heard about this. I've heard about Herogasm. Hilarious. And that's when basically they they tell everybody, like spread it throughout the uh, the media that, oh, all the superheroes are leaving Earth to go fight a, a threat that's coming in from space. But really what all the heroes do is they go to some island in the Jamaican in like in the Bahamas or something like that and have like a, a five day orgy fest called hero gasm. It's just like every type of debauchery going on and it's all with superheroes and it's some pretty fucked up shit in the comics. Isn't there like a fucking meteor that come that's like gonna hit Earth or something, or am I thinking something else? And like somebody goes and fucks all the holes in the meteor. <laughs> yeah, that's Tech Knight. That's Tech Knight in like the the second or third story arc for the boys. And it's just like a delusion he's having because he he has a a tumor in his brain. But yeah, he has this problem where everything that has a hole in it, he's compelled to fuck it. So it's like the tailpipe of like the tech mobile, which is like the Batmobile. Yeah. He fucks it. Oh my god. Can we like just a, talk a about how a coffee cup he fucks it? <laughs> he, he sends like the Robin like uh like sidekick character away because he's like afraid he's gonna fuck him in those tiny little shorts like Robin wears. I'm telling you, like, dude, fucking, I think the boys is like the best thing on. It's like yeah, the I best agree. thing on it's TV, great, dude. It's like it's so good. It's so fucking good. I cannot believe how good this fucking show is. It's fucking unreal. How good this show is. And, and Anthony Starr is just like, dude, like I, you know, I've, I've seen like people like say like, oh, the next Joker should be Anthony Starr and I can't dispute it. I cannot dispute that. No, he's doing such a good job doing what, and with what they're doing in the show is so much better than the Homeland character was in the comics. 
Like, I don't even care if it's like Garth Ennis sacrilege to say that. It's, it's true. What Anthony Starr's doing with that character in the show is so much more interesting than anything Homelander does in the comic book. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fucking incredible. And like, he should get an Emmy for, for the work that he's done in the second season. Did you go to the boys panel at C2E2? No, I did. I missed that one. What the, oh my God. He is so fucking funny in real life. He's so fucking funny and so fucking cool. I got my picture taken with that motherfucker. Oh my God. Yeah. Even though it was a little bit part, were you excited to see him in, in, in Auntie Donna's? Were you like, that, uh, that's fucking Anthony. Yes. Yes. And he was, <laughs> he was so good in Auntie Donna's. This is a pretty funny sketch. <laughs> he was the stray man that fucking Mark brought home. <laughs> so good. Uh, Steve, you gotta watch season two. I know. I'm going to get on it as soon as I possibly can. Hey, don't You know what? Don't you lie to me. I, I know they just sound like excuses. I know. Next time I have you on. Next time I have you. I'm going to have you back on, Steve. I love having you on. I love being on. Next time I have you back on, I'm going to be like, boy, season two. It's going to come and up. And I'll be able to give you a full review. You fucking better. You fucking better, sir. I want a full fucking review. You can, you can hold me to it. All right, dude. No, no, and I'm not giving you this homework because I think it's going to be a slog. I think you're going to start watching it and you're going to be like, oh my God, I can't wait for the second episode, third episode, fourth. It's fucking, it's so good. And the way it leaves, uh, did you notice, I think, um, did you guys see Jack Quaid? I swear I saw Jack Quaid in Auntie Donna's as well. Like when they were doing, Joe, remember that episode where they were doing like the the old timey basketball sketch? Yeah, I think Jack Quaid was in that. <laughs> nice. I'll it, have to go back and watch. Go that back one again. and watch it. It looked like it, Jack Quaid was in that sketch. But my Jack Quaid, the way they left his character off at the end of season two is just fucking brilliant. He thinks he's doing the right thing, working for the right people. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so fucking good. So good. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pulling up the IMDB for this to see if he was in that episode. Yeah, please let me know. Uh, I, I don't have any Star Wars news. I guess if you guys have any Mandalorian thoughts, just throw them out there. I groaned when I saw Sasha Banks. I'm not familiar with the, I'm not the, I'm not a wrestling guy anymore. I don't give a fuck. I just was throwing out a nonsense thought. No, I'm loving season two, but I'm kind of disappointed that season two of Baby Yoda means as, memes is on the decline. They're, uh, not as heavy as they were last year. Were you, were you upset with Baby Yoda? No, I lo- I like Baby Yoda memes. Baby Yoda just, genocide. Yeah, were you? No, were you, I I was not one of the. No, that's <laughs> that that was the most. That was the biggest eye roll I've had all month. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, the, just the memes aren't. Um, I, I it was like last year. It was like every time a new episode came out, you had a a replenishment of new memes from that episode, and this year is just doesn't seem like it. How do you top Baby Yoda sipping tea? 
I mean, they, <laughs> they pretty much, where can you go from there? Baby Yoda eating eggs? <laughs> no, Not I don't as worthy. I don't know. When he got to punching Baby Yoda in the head, I think I think that was like the <laughs> peak. <laughs> yeah. Jason Sudeikis will forever be awesome for that. Uh, yeah. Punching. Oh, God. <laughs> that was so good. That's Ted Lasso fucking punching Baby Yoda. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> Ted Lasso, that's another show. Jesus Christ. Who? Steve, have you watched any Ted Lasso? I have not. Joe, have you watched Ted Lasso? No, I don't have Apple Plus yet. Oh, man. No but way. I'll tell you one thing. What's that? Jack Quaid was in an episode of Auntie Donna's. Thank yeah! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I dude, I knew it was Jack Quaid. Player, so yeah, dude, you knew it. I knew it. I knew it was Jack Quaid. Have you seen Plus One with Jack Quaid and Maya Erskine? No, it's on Hulu. Watch it. It's fucking good. He is the fucking. He is the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. He came out of Meg Ryan's vagina. <laughs> what a way to start your life. What a yeah, way to it, come into this it's world. It's just like Baby Yoda sipping tea. There's nowhere to go from there. There's no, <laughs> what a way. What a way to start out life. Like, where did you come from? Yeah, I came from Meg Ryan's vagina. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> 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 oh my god yeah and what a story <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> for real though he's gotta grow up being like you know that one scene in that one movie that's my mom <laughs> yeah that's my mom I came out of her pussy <laughs> you see that lady talking to Billy Crystal yeah. Yeah, they're in the car together. Billy Crystal goes to spit some grapes out the window. The window's not rolled down. <laughs> yeah, I came out of her pussy. <laughs> That's me. Wow. That's a story. How do you top that? How do you top that? You're hanging out with Jack Quaid. Sharing stories. He's just like, yeah, I came out of Meg Ryan's vagina. Whoa! Okay, you win, buddy. You win. You're the winner. You guys, you guys don't even know what to say right now. You're just like, what? yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm... <laughs> you guys, I love it. It's like, it's like I start going into this territory. It's like deer in headlights. You guys don't know what the fuck. <laughs> Where do I go? Where do I go? You guys are like, what do I do? What do I say? Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's the exact noise I was making on mute. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I can hear it. I can hear it over here. Okay. I feel a little uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. 
What do you think? C-section or do you think natural birth? Do you think she just, he just fell right out? He fell right out. I don't know. He's got a huge head. Jack Quaid has a big head? It looks like he has a big head. <laughs> Maybe he's just got a really skinny body and a normal size head. That's you know? not what Brian was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! I don't know. This episode's terrible. I apologize, guys. <laughs> <laughs> don't apologize to me. I feel like I contribute to the bad factor. Oh, I forgot you were on here, Steve. Oh shit! I'll just go back to being silent. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot Steve was here. Hey, Steve's back. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I'm done. What do you guys got anything to end this thing with? Mandalorian, man. Oh my god. I think I've enjoyed the second season. A lot of people upset about the episode links. I think we were lucky to get that 50 minute first episode. 52 minutes. What was it? 52 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's correct. Damn. Now, every episode so far this season has been fucking rad. Yeah. That first episode was, it was like the Mudhorn episode, but on steroids. Mm. I was, it was so good. I was hoping that like the, he, he's going to meet the armorer this uh, season and she was going to fucking put a crate dragon on the other fucking shoulder. Oh, that'd be cool. You know, cause the Mudhorn was on there. It's no shave November. Guys. Are you guys, uh, are you guys shaving? I'm shaving. Joe, I know you got, you got, you got facial hair. I was gonna say, you've seen me, you know I'm not shaving. Yeah, you're not shaving and no shave. Jake, Jake's not shaving. Steve, I'm like the most shaved I've been in a long time. Yeah. I shaved today. Yeah, I shaved today as well. Yeah. I thought it was no nut November. (laughs) Oh, people with the no nut November. Oh, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself, man. Fucking keep your healthy prostate. Jerk off. Jerk the fuck keep off. Things flowing. Jerk that shit off, guys. Yeah, keep it flowing. You don't want to fucking back that shit up. Fucking clear those pipes. Clear those pipes out, boys. Clear them out. That's healthy. That's healthy for you. Clear those fucking pipes out. And you know what? It's no shave November. It doesn't mean, you know, don't shave. I guess, you know, if you don't want to shave your facial hair, don't shave your, but fucking shave your nuts. You don't want your fucking, you don't want your ball sack looking like a mud horn egg. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fucking mud horn egg. I was on mute going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What do you, oh, man. Fuck it. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. Yeah, no shit. Oh, yeah, and Sean Connery. And Sean Connery. I read today that his final episode of Jeopardy is going to air on Christmas. Christmas. It is. That's true. It's on Christmas. He filmed all the way through the end of October, Jake. So yeah, like, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. There's this great clip online of all these times he was, like, saying F-bombs on the set of yeah. Jeopardy. I did see that. It's hilarious. Yeah, I was dying. They're they're talking about Kent Jennings being the uh, the replacement host, possibly. Oh, I hate that dude. I hope that's not true. I don't give a fuck. Uh, he's an absolute bore. I, anytime I hear him on an interview, I'm just like, oh, this guy. 
Who do, well, who would you pick? Who would you pick? I, I don't know. I don't know on the spot like that. I've seen a lot of love for uh, LeVar Burton getting the job. I think that'd be really cool. So, but not Ken Jennings. Fuck that. Yeah, fuck you, Ken Jennings. Smart, yeah, exactly. Smart motherfucker. You ever watch that movie Quiz Show? Yeah, I love that movie. It's Good one of my faves. Good movie. John Turturro, was he in that? Yes. Yeah. You ever seen that movie, Joe? No, I've never heard of that one. It's good. It's all about, it's like, it's the movie about how they had to make the laws where like game shows had to be fair. Well, they, like somebody was giving out the answers to this dude. Yeah. They were like rigging game shows, contestants yeah. and, and all kinds uh, of shit. It's crazy. It's a really good movie, man. You should check that out. Steve, you should watch yeah, that like after John you watch Turturro. The Boys. Fuck, Joe, you need to watch Upgrade and then watch Quiz Show. <laughs> Did you put Quiz Show on the list too? Yeah, but yeah. you would no. I think you would dig Quiz Show. It's a really good movie based on a true story. Yeah, okay. it's great. Nice. Yeah, yeah I've got watched a... extended Watchmen two times. <laughs> now, I've got a note in my phone that that's titled "You haven't seen that," and it's all movies like this. So I'll add Quiz Show onto there. Wow, is it all in caps? Because you said that as if you were angry. No, it, but it does have an exclamation point and a question mark. Oh wow! Yeah, so it, it's you know even you recognize how statement. fucked up it is that you haven't seen it. Yes. What? What? Okay. What are some of the movies under that list? I'm curious. Fuck! Fuck! Let's see. Let's yeah, see. pull that shit up. All right. We got uh, Ex Machina. People oh my god! Oh my god! That's now why we the just list need to end the podcast so we can go watch X. No shit, Alex Garland, <laughs> Alex fucking Garland at his finest. Oscar Isaac, Donald Gleason, Alicia Vikander. What a cast! I've heard it's fantastic, and I've already had the ending spoiled for me, and so it's like, well, that's my own fault. Should have watched it sooner. Should have watched it fucking sooner. You fucked up. <laughs> how was how did that get spoiled? Who's who's talking about that? Um, it might have been on an episode of the Connect, which is a, a podcast I listen to. No, okay. let's, let's plug those fuckers, right, Joe? Yeah, they ruined it. Sure, I'm sure they, I, I have <laughs> knives out spoiled for me on this show. Oh, mm. oh like, yeah! Like, like the spoiler was incredibly vague. I yes. just got it. Yeah, I know. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know oh, exactly. Okay. I know exactly what episode was it me? you're talking. Did I do it? No, it was no. not you. It was not you. I know exactly what episode you're That's talking the first. about. First. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. It was just, it was like, oh, and then when I saw the yeah. movie, I was like, yep, that confirms it. It was, it was during our Tuppies episode. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, it was the Tuppies episode. Yep. I know. That's funny. You fucked up, yeah. Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's perfect. Rebecca. What did, what did she fine. give? Did she give, I'm going to spoil it again. Did she give Evan's best villain? Yeah, he was up there. Oh, my God. I, it wasn't even that. It was a comment that I think she made that you were like, ah, oh, she's like, well, it's kind of not saying anything. I'm like, well, it kind of was. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, though. It's all good. Um, what else is on that list, Joe? I got to know. Ex Machina. Uh, 
Okay, uh, Snowpiercer's on there. Oh Tim my Busan. god, no, Chris Evans again. Those are ones you're gonna give me shit on. <laughs> Snowpiercer is him, him, him fucking a snowbank with his big old dick. I don't dick. think anything he can say can hurt my soul more than Ex Machina. <laughs> Jesus. Unless you say like Return of the Jedi or some shit. Oh no. Um, <laughs> let's see. The, the oldest. The oldest one on there is Training Day. I've still never, never seen that. Oh, Ethan Hawke, wow, fucking too. Denzel Washington. Wasn't it? Was it directed by Antoine Fuqua? Yes, I love that movie. Big breakout. So good. It was uh, written by um, dude who did Suicide, the first Suicide Squad, David Ayer. Really? Wow, that's that's shocking. Oh. Yeah, he he wrote that one, and then he also wrote um, one with Christian Bale. Um, uh, I forget what the hell that one was called, though, but he was like a fucked up Marine that came back to L.A. trying to be a cop. Mm. Terminator Salvation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, God, I really liked that movie. Harsh Times. That's what it's called. Oh, I've never seen that. I never even heard of that one. It's it, it feeds off the same feel of Training Day. What else is on this list, Joe? Ah, uh, Sicario. Ah! Oh, oh, Joe! You fucking I know that's why they're the on this sequel. list because every time I've said I haven't seen it, it garners a reaction like that. Oh my god, I love Sicario. Saw that in the theater. Fucking Denny Villeneuve and fucking Roger Deakins. Oh, it's amazing. Benicio del Toro, fucking Josh Brolin. Jesus Christ. Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Fucking John Bernthal. Yeah, I've heard it's awesome. <laughs> it's really fucking good, man. Right. What else Chris is on Evans this? Ends up being the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's up? What else is on this list? This list of shame. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I'll get around to him though. I've been I've been crossing them off. So is that it? Uh, let's see what else is on there. On. Uh, I've also got Django Unchained. I haven't seen that yet. <gasps> what the fuck, dude? I know. And, uh, oh, here's the one that this will probably just piss people off. I've still never seen Anchorman. Oh, I just watched that for the first time like a month ago. Really? Nice. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, that movie's ridiculous. I love it. I yeah, never. I, 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 I normally can't stand Will Ferrell, but I, it was pretty fucking funny. I still have not been able to bring myself to watch the sequel. I told Michelle I would never watch Anchorman two. I like the sequel. I've never seen it, <laughs> I, and I will not watch the sequel to Joe Dirt either. Mm. Yeah, I've never Fuck, seen I didn't that. No, they made a sequel to Joe Dirt. Comedy sequels, I just yeah, for the most part, I can't do. Jake, let me throw this out to you, and I know you've seen it. I don't know if Joe has seen it. I don't know if Steve has seen it. But the 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 new Adam Sandler movie, Hubie Halloween. I was listening to someone, and they were saying that um, Hubie is Canteen Boy. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree with that. He's, yeah, I, I watched that. Yeah, I would say yes. Same. I think that Hubie was the most streamed movie on Netflix all year. I hear that every oh. fucking movie, though. Like, the what was it? The Extraction was the same way. 
with uh, Chris Hemsworth. That was the most streamed movie. And then and then Hubie came out. And it's the most streamed movie. It's like Extraction was cool. as creative with the camera. I like that movie. <laughs> I enjoy. I needed that movie when it came out. Like this was like yeah. a, at the beginning of COVID. I needed a fucking action movie, and it was fun. Going back a bit, I'd say Hubie and Canteen Poy are two totally different characters. No, the same voice. One uses no, a canteen. They're, they're one different. uses a thermos. I, I watched Hubie Halloween a half dozen times. My kids totally oh, loved God. it. And then I fell down a rabbit hole with with my older son and was showing him all these old Adam Sandler and Chris Farley bits and stuff like that from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And so we went through and watched a handful of different Canteen Boy ones just within the last two weeks. And I, I think they're different. I think it's based on the same character. Like he took the same voice and like even the character uses a thermos instead of a canteen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you that there's some similarity. There's some similarities there. But Yeah. Did you know that but, all the women in Adam Sandler movies, their initials are all – they all start with a V? No. Yeah, that's kind of all the names. Look up all the names of every woman that's like the love interest or the main female in every Adam Sandler Happy Madison movie. Their names always start with uh, their first name is a V and their last name is a V. Is Veronica Vaughn and Billy Madison? Mm-hmm. His girlfriend that dumps him in Big Daddy was Vanessa. And her last name last name probably starts with a V too. They're all V names. It's hard to talk when you got a cloud full or multiple. I know, dude. I know. I quit smoking <laughs> and I'm using this fucking vape pen. And it's like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I switched to a vape two years ago from cigarettes, and I still have that happen. Yeah. I need to fucking quit this fucking goddamn vape pen. I know it's driving people crazy on the podcast. Listen to this fucking bullshit. Oh, <laughs> but the nicotine is so good. I know. I gotta get the nicotine somehow. What, hey, Joe, how many more movies you got on this fucking thing? <laughs> I think we went through all of them that I got on the list. Really? I yeah, think it's that, an ever-growing list because yeah. there's just too much good content out there. Yeah, I hear you. I don't know. That's our episode. I ain't got shit else to say. Me neither. I'm ready to eat and go to bed. Oh, oh Jake's hungry and tired. Oh, man, am I ever. Are you hungry and tired, Jake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jake, Jake is our baby Yoda. I know, I he's know. He's either hungry. Go commit some fucking genocide. <laughs> he's either hungry or tired or, or a combination of the two. <laughs> I'm both hungry and tired. <laughs> I need to fill my belly and go to sleep. Mm. Tired. <laughs> ah, Steve. Yeah. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me on. It was a blast as always, dude. Love having you on, man. I fucking love having you on. Yeah, it was, it's fun. I, I I never get to have like extensive conversations with people on movies and TV anymore being the I work with people who don't watch a lot. So oh, I know we heard about that sob story earlier. Yeah. I know. Jesus I Christ. Cry me a fucking river. You pusshole. 
I'm kidding. I'm it, kidding, Steve. I'm kidding. <laughs> I can't explain how awkward it is, though, to be like, hey, have you seen this movie? And it's like something that, like, uh, like hey, yeah. Sarah Marshall, and they're just like, no, what yeah. is that? That I'm sucks. Like, oh, that's got to suck, man. This is like, that's why, yeah, this, this, that's why this is a great outlet for people to come on or even listen to. Cause it's like, oh my God, these fucking dorks listen. They, these dorks watch all the shit that I watch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how's Space Cowboy Podcast going? You doing anything with that? Yeah, we actually just recorded an episode like a week or two ago after not recording. We're, we tried to – we wanted to revamp for like the whole COVID thing and then that didn't happen. And then we just kind of record whenever we can and it's just for fun. We just upload for fun at this point. There you go. How's StarCast going, Joe? <laughs> it's still on hiatus. It's been a golden time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still, still waiting on my sarcast episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll still, do that. Still getting down. It's, it's a timeless <laughs> podcast, Joe. No, that, uh, I joke, but the, it would be fun to have you on sometimes, Steve. We, we talked at C2E2 those times, and um, uh, yeah, just need to get to a point with Starcast where it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, whenever, wherever. I'm always around and always down, so in your own time. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I figured I couldn't not say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, and, and really, it's it's mostly just been on hiatus just because my job has been so hectic and busy that it, it's it's hard to do a, a one-on-one show because I'm kind of rolling the dice on it because it's like mm-hmm. if I schedule it during the week and I had a horrific day leading up to it, I'm going to suck on a one-on-one show. Yeah. And if I had, you know, five shitty days in a row, then I've only got two days on the weekend to like decompress. Then it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to get stoked to do a one-on-one show for there. Also, what a, but, dude, I what, talk. Hey, what if you've had 42 years of shitty days in a row? I know. Right? <laughs> huh? Talk, <laughs> well, that, and, and I realize what a pusshole I sound like. I've had 42 years of shit. The amount of prep work that you have to put in to do this show compared to what I have to do for a StarCast episode, it's like like you're doing real work versus I'm being neurotic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but I get on on here and I bring up Jimmy Buffett and Matthew McConaughey and I get crickets. How the fuck do I, how the fuck do I come back? We never back? even heard the words Jimmy Buffett. Though. Yeah, we didn't get the Jimmy Buffett part. <laughs> cut out at Jim, and then there was some silence, and then Matthew McConaughey. What did I say? Here's a, what did I say? This is what I said. I said, I think Jimmy Buffett songs are just songs about what Matthew McConaughey fits into an average day. <laughs> that's good. That's good. See, listen, to, listen, listen, to, listen to the lyrics of Margaritaville. Nibbling on sponge cake, watching the sun bake, all of those tourists covered with oil. Doesn't this just sound like what fucking Matthew McConaughey does in an average day? <laughs> Strumming on my six string, on my front porch swing, smell those shrimp, they're beginning to boil. I know at one point in time he was arrested in his own home for being playing, high while playing bongos. Playing bongos naked. In his yeah. front yard. <laughs> Listen to this. I blew out my flip flop. Oh, this is McConaughey. <laughs> Stepped on a pop top. <laughs> but there's blues in the blender. Oh, this is so McConaughey. This is searching for my lost shaker of salt. Lost shaker of salt. 
This is all McConaughey. I feel like, and I know this song came out before he, he, he was big. I think like this was just like prophesizing him coming into existence. You didn't know Jimmy Buffett was a time traveler? 100% a time traveler, Jake. This is true. <laughs> this is true. It's all been, oh my God. Jake, somebody's tired, needs to eat. We gotta end this. Somebody, I'm getting ready to bring that back up. I know, I know. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> what you going to eat? Dude, you know what I still have in my fucking cupboard? Oh, don't you, I'm too hungry to talk about something so delicious. Dr. Pepper Beans. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I still got a fucking can of Dr. Pepper Beans in my cupboard, Jake. Still haven't Dude, brought myself to I eat them. If I had those, I wouldn't even leave. I'd be like just grubbing on those right now. <laughs> Dr. Pepper Beans. <laughs> oh my God, they're so good. <laughs> you see they came out with a fucking cookbook of recipes that uh, from Mountain Dew. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh, I know. I know. It's uh, so sad. Did you hear about the guy that was in like a 60-day coma and his brother used the words of his favorite food, chicken filet, and he came out of the coma? <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'm not, story. I'm not even making this up. That's a true fucking story. If I was in a coma, you just have to say Dr. Pepper baked beans. <laughs> Jake would instantly fart and wake up. <laughs> what do you, hey, don't, what, I heard the words chicken filet and it brought him out of a coma, though. Yeah, it, yeah. The guy heard the words chick. He was in a sixty. He got in a car, like a car accident, like a car hit him or some shit, knocked him into a coma. And his brother used the words of his favorite food, chicken fillet, and he it, and it brought him out of the coma. Look it up. I, I swear. I think it happened in Indonesia. That's the power of chicken, man. The power of chicken. Do you think that there's a generic version of the Dr. Pepper baked beans and there's Dr. Thunder, Jake? <laughs> Do you think there's a Walmart Dr. Thunder baked beans? I would try those. <laughs> what about a tab? Mr. Pib. Mr. Pib baked beans. Would you eat Mr. Pib yeah. baked beans? I, I would try those too. <laughs> I would not try Diet Dr. Pepper baked beans. Oh, man. I, that's all I drink is Diet anymore, and I love Diet Dr. Pepper. Ugh. Oh man, little sweet. Those little sweet commercials fucking crack me the fuck up. Little oh, sweet, yeah, those are hilarious. I love little sweet. Let's wrap this shit up. Jake got to eat. What are you gonna eat, Jake? What are you gonna eat? Ste- what's it going? Steak and Shake? You going to Steak and Shake? No, they all close at midnight now. I think I'm Wendy's or bust at this point. Wendy's, Wendy's. Are you gonna have the Wendy's? Uh, what are the, what is it? The 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 mocha chino frosty. Oh, those are fucking good. I think you can only get those in the morning. They put. Have you heard about this, Joe? Have you heard about this, Steve? They put coffee in a frosty, and it's like a mocha frosty. Ooh, yeah, they're delicious. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, the whole Wendy's breakfast lineup is a plus. I have sounds not had anything on the Wendy's breakfast lineup. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that Wendy's was doing breakfast now. It just started like three months ago. What are they doing? Sounds- Sounds better than the uh, the uh, coffee energy drink shit that the local gas station used to carry. I mean, 
it's like your basic like sausage biscuits and croissants and chicken biscuits and croissants. It's just really high quality stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The potato product is like potato wedges, and they got a little bit of a spice to them, and they're just absolutely fucking delicious. You see, DiGiorno, DiGiorno Pizzas has a croissant crust pizza. Yeah, yeah. It's not amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You'd think that it would be. I love croissants. I love a flaky, buttery croissant. You give me a flaky, buttery Pillsbury croissant and I love it but DiGiorno not so much it's it's not worth it it's not don't break your diet for the fucking if you're on a diet don't break your fucking diet for the DiGiorno croissant crust it's bullshit don't do it don't do it but I will tell you I've been eating a uh, Sonoma Breads has a uh, chicken and kale pizza I know it sounds disgusting. Chicken and kale pizza on a cheddar and broccoli crust. It's fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. (laughs) 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 It's it's good. It's good. Guys, just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 356. See ya. Hello, Wendy's. Dave Thomas is dead. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, Dave Thomas yes. died, dude. The the, the the Wendy's guy. Yeah, yeah. He's dead. What about yeah, the redhead? Is he okay? Ago. Huh? Is the redhead okay? The redhead, the the the, the real went his daughter. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> Pippi Longstocking looking. I don't know. For sure. As a kid, I always thought she was Pippi Longstocking. Yeah. What a dumb name. Pippi Longstocking. Pippi. What shitty parent. Yeah, I know. What fucking shitty parents name their kid Pippi? <laughs> Makes me think of the Pip character from South Park. Who's Is he still on there? Is that just from the earlier seasons? I Oh, the fucking the little British kid? Yeah. I haven't seen Pippi in a long time. Yeah. Like since the movie, I think, right? Was it the know. movie? I, I think it was just in those earlier seasons. Yeah. Where Pip would go and talk Cartman and be like, go away, Pip. Nobody likes you. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Let me, I'm going to hit stop. Bye. See ya. Later, y'all. Oh, we didn't stop yet. I don't know. It's just oh, shit. I don't know. It's fucking dumb. I'm I'm so over this shit. <laughs> we might, you know, we might see you next week. Who knows? Who knows? I may take another two weeks off, Jake. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, just every third week of the month. Yeah. From us. Yeah, we're gonna be like a. Um, I don't know. What is is bi monthly? Is that twice a month? Bi weekly? How how does that work? Is bi weekly twice a week or twice a month? It's twice a month. Bi monthly is occurring twice a month. Is it? Yeah. So bi weekly is bi weekly twice a week. This is a Mandela effect right here. 
Then it says done, produced, or occurring every two weeks or twice a week. So I guess it can mean either way. Can you be... Can you, Anytime I've ever gotten hmm. paid, people always ask, "Oh, do you get paid weekly or biweekly?" Can you be bi? Yeah. Can you be bi curious weekly? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> only on Wednesdays. <laughs> See you next week, guys. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations! I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, "I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap." Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and give a shaft the crap, even though it is shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.